Warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 217. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the boss to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Yes. And uh, this week we are joined by Spoiler Steve from Scenic Cast. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And we're joined uh, by Mr. Eric Wade from, I'm just going to say it, the Supercast. Hey, guys. What's going on? All right. Do, you, do we really answer that? Are you say, Like when you guys say that, hey, guys, what's going on? Are you asking us or are you asking like our listeners? Because our listeners no, can't answer yet. No, it's like, you know, if I ask you how you're doing, I don't give a shit. You don't have to answer that. I don't really care how you're doing. I'm just, it's like, hello. It's another greeting. Let me tell you how I, let me, let me tell you how I am doing. Jake, did you have something there? I mean, that was a harsh reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me tell you how I, how I am doing. Um, I was alerted to, uh, we've got a guy, Anthony. He, he's the guy who kind of like runs our website and he does a great job. And everybody, if you haven't gone to popcultureleftovers.com, definitely check it out. There's a lot of like fun shit there. We've even got like a comic book store locator on there. So if you need to find like your nearest comic book store, it's all there. It's pretty cool. Anyway, um, also, yeah, uh, I'll throw it out there now since I'm talking about the website. Um, if you go to popcultureleftovers.com, we have an Amazon link on there now. And so if you uh, do any shopping on Amazon, just click on our link and then do your shopping, and it helps out the show. And it doesn't charge you anything extra. It's basically just you doing your regular shopping, okay? Um, but anyway, so yeah, check that out, and I'll have a bumper made for all that shit later. But um, I uh, <laughs> I was alerted by Anthony, uh, the guy who uh, does the uh, website. He's like, have you have you, you taken a look at the comments on the website? And I was like, no, not recently. You know, like when I log in there to like put a post up, sometimes it'll show you like new comments on the web page and shit like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll read them. And um, I, I guess a couple like one had piled up and it was from uh, December 28th. 
and uh, it says it was oh it was on the it was on the post when we did remember there our friends are friends versus foes episode Jake where we did okay. the the Star Wars we had the the friends of the movie and then the foes of the movie the Last Jedi the people that liked it the people that didn't like it and they got on there and we had, we had it out um, somebody wrote a post underneath that episode and this was what they wrote um, Brian you're a fucking idiot. Uh, Star Wars can do no wrong in your eyes, but you're too stupid to find greatness in Mother, talking about the the Mother film, that uh, the Darren Aronofsky film. Seriously, grow some balls, you pussy. That was that was what was left on uh, on our webpage. That's that's what. And you know what? Did did I delete it? No, I, I did not. I did not. I I I actually approved it because I've either got to approve it. To, to have it on the site or not approve it. So I could, I could have just wiped it clean from the earth, you know, and like had it not been up there. But no, I let it stick. I let it stick. And, um, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it, I also, I responded that I have his email address now and I'm going to sign him up for every piece of porn spam I can. But, um, that's not true because that's against the law. Anyway, um, I also, you know, <laughs> Yeah, the person thinks that I'm too stupid to find the greatness in Mother. Um, I actually did say, like, the film I believe is about Mother Nature. Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky himself came out and said, like, that's what it's about. And then also, I'm stupid. Go back and read what you wrote. You used your. You said uh, he wrote your. He used Y-O-U-R, which is the, pose- uh, the possessive adjective and uh, modifies nouns, which in this case is wrong. It's the wrong your. And so what this genius, he thinks that I'm too stupid to understand the greatness of mother, but you're too stupid to fucking use Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, which is the contraction of the two words that the, that you were looking for. So fuck you. Um, also, I, I don't understand how one plus one equals two with any of that at all anyway. No, no I've never known you to be a... <laughs> Like a fan service champion of Star Wars, if anything, like that's, is, I feel like that's a little bit more me than you. Like, yeah, no, I, no, I, no, don't, the Jake, they don't like me. That's, that's what it is. It's like this, this person does not like me. I have never, like, who's the, who's the fucking, who's the fucking jerk here? Like the, I've, like the one that actually reaches out to, who's the mentally unstable person here? The one that reaches out to a podcast anonymously on their fucking website. And like, like types this crap anonymously. Yeah, it's fucking stupid, though. Like the guy's an idiot. Like you're also the same person that made the podcast that had people on that didn't agree with your opinion. Well, yeah, I know. Like, it's was- but he, 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 this person is a fucking coward. And I, the thing is, I got on. See, I win because I got under their skin so bad that they had to get on the website and leave a hateful message. That's that's what makes me win here. Oh yeah, you definitely win. I was never saying you didn't win. No, it's that, like that message is hilarious. And like, like he's saying, like, who's the pussy? I mean, I honestly, it's like, is it the guy that leaves an anonymous, cowardly fucking message on a website, or is it the guy that has a podcast that puts his opinions out there, whether people like them or not, with my name, my real fucking name attached to this? With thousands of people listening every week. Who's the fucking pussy? <laughs> definitely, definitely this basement dweller. So, okay, I I don't know. You know, whatever. You might want to remain anonymous. That's fine by me. But 
This person is YoLuckBerry at Yahoo.com if you guys are interested. But uh, that, again, again is YoLuckBerry at Yahoo.com. Is that but, Yo Luck, like Y-O and then Luck? Yeah, and then Barry, okay. B-E-R-R-Y, at Yahoo.com. So anyway, but um, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's the kind of shit that I get, Jake. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The stuff that people say to us or about us sometimes, it's just, no, like, what's it's just a, unbelievable. What's how, wrong like, with you? Like, like, yeah. what is wrong? Like, where, like, what happened in your life to where, like, one day you get so angry at somebody's opinions that you gotta get on their website and s- tell them that, like, grow some balls, fuck you, you pussy. Like, wh- like, like, what fucking degenerate gets on a fuck like a website and writes that shit. Like this fucking Kenny Powers cotillion class reject gets on our fucking webpage and writes this shit. Yeah. And it's no real debate at all. He's just being like a a fifth grader. No, exactly. Exactly. Somebody, I didn't like what Brian said. I'm going to tell him he's got no balls and I'm going to call him a fucking pussy. (laughs) Wow. Wow. The lowest level. All right. All right. Kenny Powers, go fuck yourself. Whatever. Jesus, these fucking people. Anyway, all right, just wanted to kind of like, I know, I know, like Steve and like Eric are just sitting there like uncomfortable, like, what the fuck did I just get into? No, I, uh, actually, I was just thinking like, man, I wonder how long that message was pending. Do you think that guy kept going to the website every day and be like, is it there yet? Did they post it? Oh, they finally, they probably deleted those. No, I didn't see it. I didn't see it until, I literally didn't see it until like just a few days ago when Anthony told me. And then I was like, I almost did delete it, you know, but then I was like, no, I'll just, man. And see, that's a thing. That's a thing. No, I, I'm not scared of criticism at all because that means more people are listening. That just means more. Yeah. Pe- I like, like, and if everybody likes what you're doing, you're doing something wrong in my opinion. So, um, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There's no criticism there though. It's just yeah, slinging. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. I mean, well, I know that. Yeah. When I when I hear what you just read to me that comment, I'm just thinking that there's going to be people out there going, well, now I need to listen to his mother review. Well, the, uh, no, I, I don't care. I mean, it, it, it. I don't care if they go back and listen to the mother review. I I just didn't like the film. It has nothing to do with me like not understanding the brilliance of mother. It's just it just wasn't the. I mean, why, why can't opinions be subjective without somebody fucking being ballless and being a pussy? Like, I, I, mean, I don't get that. Like, I think you had a very, I think your opinion of mother was very valid. I, I think being upset, upset by the bait and switch they did with the trailers yeah. is a very valid opinion. Well, and that's why it scored a, a, a really low cinema score. And, and even, even if it wasn't that, Jake, I still have every right not to like that film on any basis that I want to, because that is my opinion. So yeah, and, and then how that translates to whether or not you you did or didn't like the Last Jedi is a whole nother right. Like, what it, the, it, uh, yeah, what the hell is this guy on? Right, I don't know. It's whatever. It's like 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 why why am I? Uh, in all honesty, I didn't actually bring this up to like entertain like this asshole. I actually brought it up just to entertain our listeners to like let them know like what the kind of shit I got to fucking deal with, and like. I, it's just, it's hilarious, man. So, whatever. I appreciate your feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of that. We got some iTunes reviews like that, hopefully, this week, too. No, that, oh, we got, we got one that's kind of stupid, but here we go. Hold on, here we go. Yeah, it's time for iTunes reviews. Let me play the, we're off to a fucking bang this episode. This episode sucks. Fuck this. Alright, here we go. iTunes. 
iTunes reviews. It's been a while since we read iTunes reviews, and um, let's see here. Yeah, I think once it's. I mean, it's been since like fucking uh, December, sometime like mid December. Wow, yeah. we got a lot. A few, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many's a lot in your mind. I could say a number, and you could be like, "Oh, that's not a lot." I'd be like, "All right, Jake. All right, <laughs> it's subjective, Jake. What you think is a lot, <laughs> what I think a lot, that might be completely different." All right. More than four. You can just. Can you tell that I'm still angry about that fucking guy? <laughs> oh, I didn't, you didn't seem angry at all. No, you I'm, didn't seem hostile or angry. I'm at kidding. All right I'm kidding. He went by Iceman on uh, on the on the web page. Fucking wow. Which Iceman? Iceman. Which well, it's cold. It, well, is it uh, that? Oh, come on. Now, now you're on you're on a Mr. Freeze level with bad jokes right now. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. But um, Iceman. Do you think he was talking about Iceman from the X Men comics, or do you think he's talking about? Iceman from Top Gun. Now, Jake, oh, he's Val Kilmer he's all Val the way. Kilmer. You know he is. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anyway, here we go. This first one, it comes from Pillar Bruins 2012, and it's titled Review. <laughs> so it's very, very meta. <laughs> on the nose. Way. Very on the nose. Uh, here's one for you this week. It's Christmas. Stop trying to ruin it with your complaints about the Grinch and Jim Carrey. Pillar of Canadian society, you bums. That's a five star from Pillar Bruins, 2012. Wow. Yeah. I'm so, I like that one. Yeah. That's not bad. bad. Not bad. I got the same thing from Michelle, basically. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that, 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 yeah, you got you got to deal with that shit, right? After you know, after after you say something that's a little controversial, then you get you get the talking to from the lady. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I was talking about she. You know, she was hearing it before and after. She did it. To, she did it to me a couple of weeks ago. Like she, oh, no. On the on the Facebook page, giving me shit about my my thoughts about Movie Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, let it go. You're, you're as bad as Iceman. <laughs> oh, man. I bet Michelle is Iceman. She was like, "Grow some balls, you fucking pussy." <laughs> and Michelle's like, "Send." <laughs> <laughs> she at least had an argument. I, I'm fucking around. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. I like Michelle. She's good people. Stop. Um, let's see here. This next one comes from uh, Jamal Patrick, and it's all it's in all caps. And it says, what is up with that audio quality lately? I'm going to die. Fix it. And it's a three, three star. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Hey, wow. Jamal, fuck you. He didn't hear it anyway. The audio quality is all fucked up. So I'm not worried about it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, that's one of those things like, Jamal, if you don't like the audio quality one episode, you don't have to like or two episodes or however many it is. You don't have to fucking like call us out. Right here in the iTunes review over it. You can, you can send us an email and say, Hey, guess what? What's up with the audio quality? It's shit. Could you fix it? I mean, yeah. now, now it's that like, that would be a very gentleman way to go about it. Oh, uh, really no, but he's got that. all caps and it's titled, Yo, yo, your audio quality's crap. Assholes, fix it. And then, oh, whatever. Just, yeah, just be, could you be a little bit more discreet? Jeez. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jamal, if your woman's on the rag, do you like let everybody at the fucking restaurant know? Am I, I'm sorry, <laughs> my girlfriend's bleeding right now. 
Anyway. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey Jamal, if if we get better audio quality, will you go adjust your review? I don't give, a, give shit. a shit about that. Take it down to one, Jamal. I don't give a fuck. Drop it down to one. Say the audio quality's fucking great, and then drop it down to one. All right? How about that, Jamal? Knock yourself out. Uh, next one's titled Yo-Yo, and it's from uh, the Dev Mike. The show is absolute gold. If you're looking for a great show with AAA studio sound quality and hosts that are... <laughs> <laughs> And hosts, and hosts that are quick to get to the advertised content, well, this probably isn't the show for you, Jamal. It says that right here in the review. But seriously. Wow. Yeah, it does. I'm not kidding you. It says that. But seriously, these guys are great. By far the best pop culture podcast out there, hands down. Brian and Jake have some fantastic chemistry, and the endless banter drives the show home. Keep up the good work, leftovers. It comes from uh, Oh, the chemistry between you two. It's hot. Hot. You, you better not be being sarcastic there, Eric. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's clear. You two always. Hot. H-A-W-T even. And you, you know what? You, you bring attention to it in a very uncomfortable way, Eric. <laughs> I, I, I mean that. Like, it's in, a, it's in a really creepy way, and I don't like it. I'm sorry. I'll sit yeah. quiet. There's a I'll reason we don't do these that. things in person anymore. Yeah. <laughs> This next one comes from uh, Mr. Ryan, or I don't know. It's it's M R M R Y A N. Is that Mr. Yan or is that Mr. Ryan? I think it's Mr. Yan. Okay, so this comes from Mr. Yan nine one nine one one nine. Not to be confused with Mr. Yan nine one nine one nine nine. All right, so oh, it gosh. says, I love listening to you guys go back and forth every episode, especially when you give shit, Jake shit, for taking a break every five minutes. <laughs> I'm a huge Marvel fan and love listening to you guys talk about the latest news in the MCU. The Infinity War trailer breakdown has to be one of my favorites that you guys have done in a while. It really tickled my holiest of holies. That was, we were talking about Doctor Strange, holiest of holies. That one. <laughs> Talking about his butthole. <laughs> ah. can, we, can we take a break? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Jake and his breaks. Break rhymes with Jake, and that's what's crazy about it, you know? It's a break. It's, it's, it's a Jake break. Anyway. Uh, I never made that connection. Now, now I feel bad. Oh, man. Uh, this next one's called, uh, yeah, that was a five-star from Mr. Yan. Thank you, Mr. Yan. Uh, <laughs> This next one comes from uh, John Arvidan. Uh It's titled, A Great Podcast by Great People. Uh, it's long overdue, but it's about time I leave a review. Whether I'm working around the house, working out, or just plain working, these guys are always almost with, oh, these guys are almost always with me. To be fair though, I write about comics, movies, and TV for a living, so having PCL in my ear is technically a job aid. In any case, if you have even the slightest interest in anything pop culture related, you owe it to yourself to add this podcast to your rotation. So that comes from John Arvidon. And he, I forget what outlet he works for. He works for somebody. And it's like, it, I can't, I'm not going to say it because I, I don't want it to be the wrong one. So I'll have to look that up later and let everybody know. Yeah, that was a, we do not deserve that review. That was a good review. No, we don't. Uh, this next one comes from, uh, Gotham Knight. And uh, it's, it's titled, I Am Vengeance. And it says, uh, fuck you, Jake. Question my fandom. I happen to have a one-year-old who's really into the Seuss right now. Brian, five stars all around. Keep doing what you do. 
the Seuss? Are we talking about the Grinch stuff again? No, I think so. Like, uh, yeah, like I think this was the guy. This guy left like an iTunes review before, and he and he quoted Doctor Seuss or something. And you said something about that. I don't remember. Hundred percent. It's been a month since we've had iTunes reviews. So. <laughs> Yeah, jeez. I forget the connection yeah. there. So hit me up on Twitter or something, and I'll yeah. I'll tell you why you're wrong. At least he didn't say, you know, grow some balls. Fuck you, you pussy. You know, at least that wasn't part of the the, the review there. You know, yeah, what been. was the quote again? It was a little <laughs> aggressive. Uh, fuck you, Jake. Yeah, jeez, fuck you, Jake. That's pretty bad. I say that probably two or three times an episode, though. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing, nothing new. Uh, I remember why, though. Yeah, this one comes from, uh, comes from Dr. Fido. It's, a t- uh, it's titled 10 Stars, and it says, If you can't decide to listen to this podcast, just do it already. You won't regret it. The host and co-host are just gold. I can't even listen to other podcasts because you can't find any better. If I could give 10 stars, I would. It comes from Dr. Fido. So mm, I, don't, I don't like that one. I mean, I think some people might regret it. And you're just you're stop it. You're just looking for shit now. Oh, if, I'm not you, for anything. oh you're I'm really you're really that, worried about the people that might regret it. That really oh, bothers you. I'm not worried about it in any ways, but I, I think that's a false review. <laughs> he, it's his, it's a, it's a, it's objective to his opinion. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> no, I think I think we I think we have actual factual proof that we've had people regret listening to our podcast. I, I, honestly, I I hope that no, I hope that they scroll all the way down and then li, then read this review and they're like, oh wow, Doctor Fido would have given it ten stars, <laughs> yeah. and he's telling me that I won't regret this. They listen, they instantly fucking regret it, and then he's getting a. Fuck Fucking fuck you, you pussy. Grow some balls emails, you know? So Yeah, where the fuck did you get your degree, Dr. Fido? <laughs> I'm just saying, like this is uh, terrible. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, <laughs> J- Jake's Jake's upset about the validity of said review. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jake, I, I I totally share your opinion in that, man. No, I Ooh. want I want honest reviews. I don't want you know I don't want that. Made up bullshit. Yeah, I know, dude. No I, one, will, no one will regret it. I no, I will stand by you. We will, we'll have a march tomorrow. Me and you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Uh, this next one's uh, titled "Love, Love, Love," and it's from uh, Laura, my dear Watson. And it's a five star. I cannot express how much I love this podcast and these guys. It reminds me of when I would hang out with my high school boyfriend and his buddies and we talk comics and play video games and just bullshit. The hosts are absolutely golden, beyond funny and have great chemistry. They always turn my frown upside down. I am total Brian. I'm a total Brian fan girl. Love me some Brian. Y'all should check out his other podcasts too. Oh yeah. And Jake's great too. And Dan's voice is quite dreamy, very informative, diverse perspectives, and just straight up real dudes. These guys know their stuff. And that comes from Laura, my dear Watson. That's it. Yeah, that was good. That was that was way better. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jake's like dreamy <laughs> though. Dan's voice no, is dreamy. At least with hers though, it was all from the POV of her personal experiences. She's not trying to put like false <laughs> ideas in other people's heads. It's, Eric's just like, I can't believe she misspelled Eric. Like, my, <laughs> my, my, my voice is dreamy. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. No, I would never describe my voice as dreamy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Gravelly, maybe, but not dreamy. <laughs> I was gonna say uh yeah. uh sex offendery. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
I was not convicted. <laughs> is that really an adjective? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Uh, I would accept it in Mad Libs. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on into uh, good pop, bad pop. Steve, did we, did we lose you there? No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Can you uh, hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just haven't heard you for the past ten minutes. Um, you know, that was that was <laughs> yeah. great. I loved that. Really? <laughs> oh man, I love iTunes reviews. That was a lot. Okay, I was just. I didn't know. I didn't know it was a lot to you. I didn't want to. Yeah. I, I, like God, I don't want to get uh, in that I argument it was with you. Great that I wasn't on for the past ten minutes. Yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't. That part, I was sad about the lack of Steve. But man, those were some good reviews. <laughs> Actually, no, like the lack of Steve. Is, I wish we like, can we go back to that. I mean, I, like, is that an option? I'm, I'm actually writing a one stew review for our podcast right now about there being a lack of Steve during this iTunes segment. Did you say a one stew review? A one star. It's, I swear you, you said one stew review. I'm I may like, have said one stew. I'm like, are you yeah. on a, like maybe like a food website right now? Like, like what are you doing? I'm going to give Steve half a carrot. Oh, man. This, <laughs> this pot roast recipe gets five stews. <laughs> You've been watching too much Food Wars, James. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. All right. Let's let's uh, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop for this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, I want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's see here. Um, I'm going to go over some things real quick that uh, I kind of, like, watched this week and then get into some actual reviews. But I wanted to let everybody know I finally uh, finished Mindhunter this week. Did everybody else watch this? Like, Yes. I'm about uh, two episodes to the end. Okay. I... Uh, yeah, I finished Mindhunter. I had watched five episodes and then got caught up watching like everything else. And I was like, I promised myself I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to get back to it. And I did. And I am so glad that I did. This show is just amazing. So good. It's the highest of Tupperwares. It is. I, and I can't wait for season two. And I mean, there's still a lot of loose threads from the first season that they need to address in the second season, which I'm really looking forward to. But I, I loved it. There's really. And my cat's back rubbing his head on the mic. Hey, buddy. <laughs> but, any, but anyway, so, you know, it's one of those things where you made me lose my track of thought, dude. All right. Um, but it's uh, it's something that I, I can't wait for the second season on this one. There's really nothing like this, in my opinion, on TV. It's just so different and so cool. Um, I, the trailer for season three of uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead dropped. And it's been like all over stars and it looks amazing. Ash's daughter is in this season and I can't wait to see more of her. Um, so Tupperware that, uh, finished the ranch part four, um, with Ashton Kutcher and, uh, Sam Elliott. And that's great. And it's really, really upsetting that Danny Masterson has to be a part of this whole sex, um, sexual harassment thing that's going on in Hollywood right now that he would stoop to that level 
because I really enjoyed him in the show and he's he's gone from the show now. So I don't know what the status of that show is. They probably will just house of cards it where they'll get rid of Danny Masterson and his character won't be involved in the next season. So um, they, they were already filming the next part. Yeah. And have a specific episode where he's written out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that all they'll sense. say. Uh, so is he is he already out of the episodes that just that are currently airing? No, no. Those were it was too soon because it came out like a week after the allegations had resurfaced or whatever. Because this is from like 2005. So yeah. then Netflix, like two three three days later, I guess they were already shooting. So they were like, we've already written them out. Because yeah. I did notice that Netflix altered the picture right away as soon as the scandal came out. Like they took them out of the little picture that you see on the menu yeah. screen, you know. Um, I uh, finished Lovesick season three. If you guys remember this show, I don't know. Has anybody here watched Lovesick? It was originally Scrotal Recall was the show's name mm. when it was. I remember you talking about it. I didn't know it changed names. Yeah, they didn't like Scrotal Recall, so they changed it to uh, Lovesick um, by the second season. So it's been going by Lovesick on Netflix. Um, I finished season three. Excellent, fantastic. I mean, this is a this is a great show. Like, I, 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 it's so easy to watch too because you're only you're really only watching three seasons, and I think the like the, the seasons are only anywhere between six to eight episodes. So catching up on this half hour comedy is really simple, and it's a great show. Um, I highly recommend this one. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely watch Lovesick. It's on Netflix. Um, so I Tupperware, I'm Tupperwareing everything, but Tupperware Lovesick season three. Um, um, I try to, I've been really just trying to watch a lot of things that I want to watch recently. Um, I watched finally Eric, Steve, I, I know Jake, you, you haven't seen this yet, but did you guys watch train to Busan? No, no I, I did not see that. I've, oh. I've heard very, a lot of good things about yes. it and they're remaking it for America. Oh, fuck that. That's terrible. Fuck that. Oh, that pisses me off. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm sorry, but that just, that pisses me off. I guess if it's going to reach a larger audience, that's fine, I suppose. But the, the, the original, the original version is so good. It is so no, fantastic. I'm with is that you. Still I'm on Netflix. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that you agree with that, Steve, but. Yeah, it's, no, I was just agreeing with you where I find it uh, kind of insulting yes. where Hollywood has to remake something where they can just distribute it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm getting upset with that. With like your has has anybody watched the live action version of Erased? Like I've seen it on Netflix, but I haven't even clicked on it. No, no, I've still yet to even watch that anime. Actually, I, I need to. Ch I need to watch that. It's yeah. got lots of acclaim. I don't know even you too, Brian. It's tremendous, tremendous. Um, but uh, yeah, they're doing it with your name, a live action version with like American, you know, Americanized version of that. And I don't. I really don't. I hate these ideas. But weren't anyway. they doing it with the raid too at one point? Yeah, they're they're doing yeah, yeah, they're nope. doing it with the raid. No, I'm with you, Brian. Like, what's it called? I finally saw It Man for the first time, like, oh, not yeah. too long ago. Yeah. And I just remember, like, thinking, like, I wouldn't want to see a remake of this. Why can't they? Like, I don't mind reading subtitles and stuff. So for me, I'm always 
annoyed when they're like, we're just going to remake it because it did so well internationally. And it's just like, then just let it come over here then. Yeah. Well, and they had a, they had dubs of that. I mean, I, I am not a, um, I, I, I struggle with sub. It just takes me out of the movie. I mean, I'll watch them, but it's, it's got, it's a rare thing that I'll do that for. It really has to get high recommendations for me to do that. And, uh, I, I mean, I watched it, man, in man too, and I loved them. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they were just outstanding and the dubs were fine. Yeah. Yeah. I it's like uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I have no problem watching the stuff. Yeah, and I, I watch Pan's Labyrinth too. There's a few. There's some things that I will watch. It's just it's never my choice for yeah. sure. I I the day the the when I saw Pan's Labyrinth, it was in the theaters, and I knew nothing about the movie. And I I was like looking for something to watch at the theater, and. And I was like, oh, Pan's Labyrinth. I I know nothing about this. So it was like one of those things where the the poster looked cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and check this out. <laughs> and, and it was like, wow, so, that's fun. Oh, it was awesome. It was not knowing anything about it, not knowing anything about the director of Guillermo del Toro and just like walking in there and then just having like my mind blown from like, you know, the visuals and the storytelling. Um, and I was just like, wow. And, uh, that was such a cool experience uh, seeing seeing that movie for the first time, not even knowing that it was a subtitled film. So, oh god, it's so cool. Anyway, back to back to Train oh. to Busan. It is on Netflix, and I recommend that everybody see this. And I know that a lot of people are like they're zombied out, like they've got zombie fatigue. Um, don't don't let that affect you because this is. This is unlike anything else. This is, it's fantastic. Train to Busan is excellent. Um, there's a, a small child actor in this that really sells the scenes that she's in. And if you don't cry at the end of the movie, there's something dead inside of you. It, it, <laughs> this little girl is so talented. And that, that, that's what you can't recreate in, in a new one is, is that level um, of acting real, uh, that, that a child did in the first film. You really can't. You, you really can't. Because I'll never feel that again, um, the way that I felt watching that. But anyway, um, th- I watched uh, Soul Station, which is uh, it's on it's on the Shutter app. If you have Shutter or if you have uh, the VRV app, um, you can watch it for free there. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else. I know it's not streaming on Netflix. I know it's not on Hulu. But Soul Station is the um, the animated version of uh, it's the animated prequel of Train to Busan, and so it's it takes place one day before the events in the live action movie, and it is oh this movie is great I loved it it it, it I want more of this like I want more of this this Train to Busan world that they've set up like it scares me when I think of sequels when I think of a movie that's so good but I, this is something that I want more of so um, but yeah if you love Train to Busan and you want more of that you've got to find a way to watch Seoul Station um, and that's spelled Seoul like Seoul Korea so um, but it's it's really good the animation's great the action's great um, the zombies move like they move like in the in the in the actual film, and it's got the same director. The same director that 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 did Train to Busan is directing this as well. Like Train to Busan was actually that director's first live action film. So I highly recommend you find a way to watch Soul Station. And I would watch Train to Busan first, and then watch Soul Station. So I wouldn't do it. I would do it 
<laughs> not in the actual order of when the events take place because that's how I saw it and that's how I enjoyed it. So that sounds cool. How long is the feature, Brian? <laughs> ninety minutes. I believe it's maybe maybe ninety minutes. So so yeah. a full length animated movie. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've got some other movies I don't want to talk about, but I'm going to pass it off, uh, to, to one of you guys. Uh, do you mind if, if we're like sticking on like the foreign side? I do. Since you like talked about all like just our love for just foreign films, like, I kind of want to just bring up a movie that I love that I didn't think I would love. Yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the hunt from 2012 with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, I've never seen uh, it. Yeah. never heard of it even. It's, it's not no. for everybody. Uh, I, I kind of, I asked this one YouTube guy that I knew a couple of years ago, like, I want to see something on Netflix and he recommended this to me. And for some reason I was just enthralled into it and, and just like brought into the story. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is a uh, kindergarten teacher and he explains to this kid that he's become close to cause they walk to school together in the morning every day. He starts to explain to her how kids get older and how they'll move on from certain people and how. They won't be friends forever and, and sort of thing. Just having trying to have her explain, like, you know, I'm not always going to be here for you when you need things or walking you to school. Things will change. And so she decides to go to the school board and explain to them that he's been touching her because she's so mad over the fact that they're not going to be friends forever. And you just see this whole town just turn on him. And that's just the movie oh it sounds like a uh nice uh light-hearted kind of like yeah family yeah. family friendly like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it and by the time it was over i was just like wow i'm so glad i saw this it's just one of those things i'll never have to see again but if yeah. you're like a, a cinephile or something or just love movies i like and you want to see something different and original this is definitely up there, I feel. Sounds like very, very uplifting film. That's what it Oh, of course. Yeah. Especially a double feature with Manchester by the Sea. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Finish it off with a gunshot to the head. Yeah. There we exactly. go. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt's Mickelson, man. He's, uh, he's, he's making a name for himself. Like, I, that's one of those things. Like, he's got one of those faces, like, whether he's got one of those faces where you almost feel like they're just going to cast him as, like, the. I don't know the villain, you yeah. know. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, he just has, he just has that face. He just, oh my gosh, he's just like uh, a proper diehard sequel villain. Yeah, and it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, he's just like so chiseled. His his chin is so chiseled. <laughs> he, you know, he looks like he's like your perfect serial killer, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, he is Hannibal. I know he's just he's a perfect serial killer, man. He's just got that that look. So it's a good thing he's an actor, man, because like if he was the real fucking thing, oh my god. Anyway, um, what year did you say that was in, Steve? Uh, 2012. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see here. Did you did you have anything else, Steve? I mean, I got a couple of things, but I don't mind if we just you know, jump around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Oh, I got a couple things this week. Uh, let's see what's the first one I'll talk about. Uh, I watched Godzilla: Planet of the Monsters that yeah. just dropped on. How was Netflix. that? I started it like. I started it. I went ten minutes in, and I was like, "All right, me, I'll have to get back to this." I just it, 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 that ten minutes is about the entire the way the whole thing goes. Yeah. I, I, I will give it a Padawan. Yeah. Um, no, I God, whoa, whoa, whoa! Get that fucking Padawan bullshit oh, off the of PCL. Oh my bad, my bad. You're on the wrong fucking podcast. See what happens? I'm like 
I thought to myself, okay, on the show, do not flip the two shows. Still did it anyway. I will give it a taste. It um, mostly the, the artwork is really, really good. I, I, I really enjoyed the art in the movie. Um, there's a lot of the, uh, the the vehicle design, the monster and character design. A lot of that is really, really good. But the story is just kind of meh. And mm. then. The, the characters just, they, you never really feel for any of the characters from the, from the, the, the way they open that. I, I don't know if you, you saw the first 10 minutes, Brian. Yeah. I mean, even in the first 10 minutes, I didn't think they did a great job setting up the world, no, you know, and no. making you care much about what was going on. That's what happened. I had to, I literally had to pause it and go to IMDb and read the synopsis there. Because I was, yeah. just, and then then by the time that I did that, I was just so like kind of checked out that I was like, I'll just get back to this later. Yeah, and, and and I did the same thing. So I actually started it last night, and uh, I watched about half the movie, and then uh, and then I I just got bored and went to something else, and then I did come back to it. It I'm glad I finished it. Um, I, it, in the end, I would, it, it, the the art was really amazing, especially when they do make it back to the planet. It the it really gets good there in terms of the animation. Um, so it, it, I like it just for that. But there's nothing that to make you drop it. It's it's one of those things that if you're just bored and looking for something to watch, and you're an anime fan, this is something to slap in. We'll see. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they've got two more of these movies coming, but mm-hmm. um, I guess we'll see how they go. But yeah. just to taste it. Yeah. Did it make you? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know your thoughts on this, but it did. It made me anxious for the second part of Castlevania, which we found out is coming out this summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I no. I am excited for for part two of Castlevania. Definitely. Yeah. And I am looking forward to that. So, um, yeah. Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. Yeah. I, I don't rush out to see it, but it's a board slap it in. Oh yeah, it was. Um, who was attached to that? That was uh, uh nah, what's his name? The guy that was attached to Castlevania. The guy that did all the the bootleg. Universe. Oh, it's the same guy that did the Power Rangers one. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I forget his name too now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm blanking. Anyway, what else do you got, Eric? Uh, let's see. The, the reason I, I t- took a pause was I remembered I'd for- completely forgotten Full, Al- Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, the, the season five, part five. They call it part five, but it's season five. Last 13 episodes dropped. Um, that, that's a total Tupperware. I, I, I love Little Metal Alchemist going back to the original and then Brotherhood's been great because it follows the manga story, um, more faithfully. So it, it's great. Um, so if you like Full Metal Alchemist, um, I highly recommend pick, jump on there now and finish it up because it's a great wrap up to the series. Cool. Um, did you, did, I, I think I read this on Facebook. Did you watch, all of Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. I did. I did. Okay. We just, uh, yeah, we just talked about that on the Supercast. I watched all ten of those. Yeah. So, yep. what did, what did you think? So I, I and, and I, this I, is going to be the hold on before this is I and this is what's going to be inevitable at this is the comparisons to Black Mirror. Yeah. Like I guarantee, what, I haven't listened to your review yet, but I, I yeah. guarantee that it's just going to be. Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Electric Dreams, Electric Dreams. It's just like, 
anytime a show like this ever comes out, it's they're always going to be forever compared to Black Mirror. So yeah, and, and its biggest sin is that it got dropped within a month of Black Mirror. That's it's it, it's through no fault of its own. I am a big Philip Dick K Dick fan. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean I he, he's he's obviously had so many things that have been translated over the years now um, that it, you know you, you, people don't even realize how much Philip K Dick they've watched. Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, I mean yep. yeah, I yeah. Mean, see that's the thing. Okay, so. Electric Dreams, it's on Amazon, and it dropped, I think, like last Friday. It's a sci-fi anthology series with standalone episodes based on the works of Philip K. Dick. And like, so these were actually um, stories uh, – the first season was nine of the ten stories – were written by Philip K. Dick in a 14-month period in November of 1952 to the end of 1953, except for one story was actually written in October 1954. So, like, this guy, he basically wrote these stories, like, you know, 60-some years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, and, and he, I, and it's amazing to watch these and think of it. Now I know that they've probably, uh, they have yeah. updated yes. the stories and tweaked them. Absolutely. Um, but that, but that said, this man conceiving these things, you know, 60 years ago right. is just absolutely insane. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. The cast for some of these episodes, which unbelievable, I, unbelievable. Um, I've only watched the first three. I plan on okay. getting back to it. Um, I've seen, um, yeah, the first three episodes. But, I mean, you've got Anna Paquin, Steve Buscemi, Brian Cranston, Greg Kinnear, Mel Rodriguez from The Last Man on Earth. You know, he plays Todd on that show. It's got Essie Davis, Benedict Wong, Janelle Monet from uh, Hidden Figures, Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos on Game of Thrones. It's got a pretty overwhelming cast. Yeah, it does. And uh, and the, the cast really nails it. I think the biggest problem that I have um, with it as a whole, it is it is just not as consistent. And again, having just watched Black Mirror and um, I Tupperware every single episode of Black Mirror from this season. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and I, I, I would say going back to episode one of Black Mirror, I don't know that there's a single one that I would rate lower than a high Tupperware. And most of them are Jedi's more than not, more than not. And that's where I think it, 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 as a whole, there were probably what I would say three or four episodes that, that I would give Tupperwares. Um, you just totally, you totally, were, I'm going to go back here, but our listeners, they'll just click the 15 second back button. He basically, you totally just destroyed our rating system. You you called it a high Tupperware and a Jedi. I was going to say, can we take a break so we can slap Eric around until he figures out a Yes, it's, it's toss it, Tupperware. taste it, and Tupperware. Tupperware, so, yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. There's anyway. no Jedi. No Jedi. No Jedi. Yeah, Eric, so I was kicked off of an episode for bringing up a rating system. <laughs> so let's go back. I would say there, there's probably three or four of these that are Tupperwares. There's probably there's at least one that I would toss it um, personally, and that it's mostly from the storytelling. Is that the Steve uh, Buscemi and, episode? Yeah, yeah. That's for terrible. me, it was it was Crazy Diamond. Terrible. Yeah. I, I just couldn't the the way they jumped around and the way they told that story. Just, just it, it, I couldn't. I, I couldn't stand it. Oh God, it was um, awful. Um, you guys compare this to, more to like um, Twilight Zone since this was written in the fifties, or is it still more like 
Black te- Mirror because it's, of this day and age. It's technology. I would say it's more out of limits to me, but I don't know about you, Brian. I, I, I only watched like the first three episodes. I, I did watch. I started the the Steve Buscemi one, and I could not get through it. Um, it, it, it was bad for me. It never gets better. I don't know how far you got through, but it was oh that way. God. I'm I'm halfway through that one, and it, it's rough. But I loved Autofac. I thought Autofac was great. Autofac was one of the ones that I would Tupperware. Yeah. Uh, Real Life was another one, Safe and Sound, and then Human Is, I think, were my four Tupperwares. And then mixed in there, there were also a few that were taste-its um, that were good, not great. So... Overall, this just didn't hit for me, but there yeah. were some really high point episodes. Yeah, it's it's another one of these anthology shows where, and I, I think like you know, ten episodes was a lot in this. I mean, I like how Black Mirror does it when it's like six episodes, where it's just six really, really fucking good episodes. Um, yeah, yep. this this is nice. I guess it's nice as a filler, but you're right. It released way too soon after Black Mirror. They should have waited six months down you know, um, the road yeah. to release this after everybody kind of like, you know, kind of cooled on Black Mirror a little bit. And, you know, and, and, and then people would, I think people would have been more receptive and maybe not comparing it so much to Black Mirror at that point. Um, but they just came out so soon with one, one with, when, within one another that it was, or at least have it come out before Black Mirror season four, right? And something, I don't know. Yeah. It's just a really bad move here. Yeah, it's just I, I the timing. Agree. The timing was just off for it, and and again, even even with the time, I mean, there, Crazy Diamond was a was a toss, it yeah. regardless of when you release it, sure. which is a shame because I love Steve Buscemi. Oh, me too. Um, and yeah. the acting itself wasn't that bad, but the storytelling and even the story itself was just a waste. I think so. that they were probably thinking to themselves that they 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 had something great here that could go toe to toe with Black Mirror. Um, and unfortunately, it's just not it's I'd say for for the you know the three episodes that I've completed that you know I'd say one is a low taste it autofac was a Tupperware, and then the Anna Paquin episode was uh was a taste it so I mean it was okay, it was all right, but I don't know. It's it's nothing that I'm rushing to get back to. Um, I will yeah. I will finish it. I, I love Greg Kinnear, so I want to see him. I love Mel Rodriguez, so I want to see what he's done. I love Janelle Monet. I think she's fantastic, so I want to see what she did. But I'm mostly watching it because of these actors. I'm not going back because I've been impressed with the way that they've been able to tell the stories. So it's sad because I, you know, it it would be nice to have something to kind of like fill in that long black mirror gap because we get that. That, man, we get like there's a long gap between seasons with Black Mirror, and like, ah, just maybe release this one six months down the road or something. <laughs> it's just so close. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, let me go over a movie here that I I'm gonna actually go over a couple movies here, and then we'll we'll uh, I'm gonna jump back to you guys. Uh, today I went and saw The Post. Um, it's awesome. the new Steven Spielberg film, uh, a cover-up that spanned four U.S. presidents, pushed the country's first female newspaper publisher and a hard-driving editor to join an unprecedented battle between the press and government. So I'm going to start off a little sarcastic here at the beginning, but give me – just give me a second here. I'll explain everything. I feel like Steven Spielberg watched Spotlight and was like, I want to do that. And um, I'm glad he watched Spotlight, and I'm glad he said that to himself if that 
conversation ever took place in his head because this is a great fucking movie and I loved it. And um, Spielberg did a great – I mean the cast, just the cast alone is like unreal. Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Sarah Paulson, Kara Coons, um, Bob Odenkirk and and David Cross are in this. And there's a scene of them like in the same room right next to each other. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, Mr. Show reunion within the post. This is crazy. (laughs) I breaking bad reunion as well. How many people from that show was in that movie? It's true. Uh, We had Alison Brie in this. We had Bruce Greenwood was in this. I love Bruce Greenwood. Um, Jesse Plemons was in this yeah from breaking bad and uh friday night lights i love jesse plemons um this the cast is unreal uh i has anybody else seen this yeah i saw it you saw it i i don't know about you and this is history so i'm not spoiling anything here you know of course like you know it's it's basically about the the vietnam war and how they knew that it was unwinnable and how they you know, the the government knew that we could not win the war and they still kept sending boys over there. And, you know, these um, these secret top secret files um, got released to the public and to the newspaper. And, uh, it you know, that's when the United States government, you know, sued. You know, they took the New York Times to to court to try to silence them. And uh, and and then the, the, the Washington Post got involved and like finished what what the new york times had started here and um it's it's such a great story and spielberg did a great job of like giving it to us and i from watching this and spotlight i felt two different things when they rolled out the newspaper in spotlight where they're like exposing priests in the catholic church for you know molesting young children when the paper, when you saw, when you finally saw the paper being printed, there was a sigh of relief for me watching it in the theater. Like, finally, the story is out there. Um, for me, when this story got printed, I felt different. I had a smile on my face. Like, I felt like, I felt like I was, like it was a victory. Um, it, it was more of a good feeling than I had in, 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 in Spotlight. Spotlight was more kind of like a, <laughs> kind of like a relief, like, thank God that this is out there, you know, like re- is this 100% relief as to where like, like this, it just made you feel good when the paper started getting printed. Um, I don't know about you, Steve. Did you feel, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you feel like that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Steven Spielberg with just his filmmaking is just his, he's good at settling tension, I guess would be the best way to describe it because yeah, I was with you. Like when they, showed us how like the newspaper is printed in general i'm just like yeah because because they're waiting like i mean uh, yeah you know what i don't want to spoil too much either but my name is spoiler steve and they're waiting for the okay to go yeah and when they finally get that phone call it's like you know yeah i definitely do feel you're not not, we're not spoiling it's fucking history i mean this is we're not spoiling anything so if you're gonna get upset upset at us for for telling (laughs) you what happens in a movie that actually is part of history then whatever but i'm just saying like i i just i loved (laughs) i loved it when i don't know i loved uh meryl streep was so good in this i thought she was fantastic um bob odenkirk it's so good in this movie. Tom Hanks. It's just great. Sarah Paulson, very small role. Carrie Coon, very small role. Um, yeah. but, uh, 
you know, I think Jesse Plemons didn't get a meaty role, but he was really good in his role. Um, I I loved his role as the lawyer. Yeah. It yeah. was so good. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I could not, not compare it to Spotlight, but it's not like in a bad way. Both movies are, are excellent and they both have their place. I just had, I had very different feelings when that, when the newspapers got printed. Um, I, I was smiling when the paper got printed here and in spotlight, it was more kind of like, oh, finally, Jesus. Uh, so I don't know. Are I loved you it. It's a, this? it's a Tupperware. I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. No, cause I, I mean, I gave it a taste it. Oh, you're, you're out of your mind. You're out of your goddamn I mind. That, I felt if the, the problem is I know the backstory. I know that, um, Steven Spielberg announced and made this movie in less than a year. Yeah. It was January 2017 when they announced that they were going to do this movie. Uh, I don't care about that. Me, I feel like they need about another eight months or so to get the story and everything else right. And I feel like there what were did they get? What did they get wrong in the story? It wasn't that they got anything wrong. It was just that everything with Allison Brie was not needed. A lot of like uh, I liked what was going on with Meryl Streep's character, but I also felt like I was watching a different movie. I felt I was watching the post and then I was watching the papers. And if there was more time to edit and maybe do some reshoots, I think it would have been a better way to actually intertwine both stories together. But because of such a short span of getting the the script and everything else ready, getting the actors and and, and doing the editing, shooting and everything else, I just felt that it, it all just felt a little rushed in my opinion. I don't like I don't disagree with what you're saying because all those scenes are great, but I just felt like I was watching two different films in one. Oh, I did not feel that at all. I nope. <laughs> did not feel that at all. Okay. And I can be understand like that one scene with Meryl Streep and Allison Brie at the end of the movie, they didn't need that at all. Like there were just certain things where like this two-hour movie could have been an hour and 35, 40 minutes tops and actually made the the actual message of the movie I felt better. I felt like just they just – it was a little too long. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, that's that's yeah. that's, no. that's fine. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I I I thought I thought it was just I thought I I didn't know how much time Spielberg was given on this. I it, it right, really right. Didn't. And that and that's why I understand where you're coming from. For me, I guess I know too much. But not even with that, it was just when I was watching it, it just felt like two films. But like I don't. But the thing is, I don't disagree with what you're saying and everything that I, you're I, saying. I, sense, I feel like people will. I love didn't this feel. Like, I felt like they were. I yeah. felt like they were. The main focus of this was basically like the government's been lying to you. And I oh hundred oh, percent. So, but it was just that Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep were main characters in their own movie, placed into one film. That's all. <laughs> okay. I, I'm telling everybody, it's, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, it's more than a taste. It's a great story. And I think Spielberg, it was masterful storytelling in this. Um, and, and, can I, can and, I ask a question about the movie? Yeah. Um, I know Williams had time to actually do this score for Spielberg. How was the John Williams score for the movie? Great. Yeah. Music was on point. Williams did a really good job. Did he do anything I, I, like real unique? What kind of style did he have? Uh, oh, I'm not. I'm not that deep in music where I can give a, a definitive answer on that. It's just more of just it fit. Like the okay. music is no problem to me at all. 
Yeah, I'm not the guy to ask about music anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to, uh, I watched, uh, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, this is the Timothy Chalamet film, and he was recently in Lady Bird, and it's also got Army Hammer in it. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in this one. That's Michael really- Solberg. Yeah, Michael Starbuck. He's actually in uh, the post as well. So, um, yep, and Fargo. And he had a great year, actually. Yeah. But uh, this is uh, in northern Italy in 1983. 17-year-old Elio begins a relationship with visiting Oliver, his father's research assistant, with whom he bonds over emerging sexuality, their Jewish heritage, and the beguiling Italian landscape. Um, this is a this is a movie that kind of snuck up on me as to how good it was. Um, it's Basically, there's a lot of just a lot of like ancillary characters that have conversations in the background. And there's a lot of you get a feel of like, you know, uh, these characters living in this house and talking with each other and and uh, a lot of people that live around them. And, and, and you just see like a lot of different scenes of like people interacting. And it's like the whole thing. It's like some of it's not important to the story. But by the end of it, you're just like you get a real feel of like what it's like to live there in this, you know, this northern Italian town. And what it's, what life is like there. And, and this movie just kind of like sneaks up on you with like the relationship between Elio and Oliver. And by the end of the movie, you're crying and you're just like, you're like inconsolable by the end of this film. It, it really sneaks up on you and it's, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's so good. And I, I loved it so much. Um, Michael, um, Michael Stolzberg gives a, um, a speech at the end of the movie that is just unreal and the delivery is just amazing um yep. and there's, there's a very controversial scene in it where uh he's where, a monster oh my god where he dude i'm just gonna say it he, <laughs> he fucks a peach oh what <laughs> what did you say he fucks a peach the fruit he, uh, it's a 17 year old kid, man. Your hormones are out, you know, they're out of control at that age. And, you know, he's, he's laying in the bed and, and he's eating this peach. And then all of a sudden he starts to finger the peach. And the next thing you know, he's like, I could probably fuck this thing. And then he just, he sticks it down his pants and he fucks a peach. And it's one of the most controversial scenes in the movie. No judgment. No judgment. No. Hell no. I mean, come on, guys. We've all, we've all been teenagers with hard-ons. We, we stick our dicks in everything back then. It doesn't matter. If you got a hard-on back then, you're finding something to stick your dick in. I mean, it's true. I mean, oh, okay. I'm gonna, uh, the couch. I'll stick it in between the, the cushions. There we go. Alright, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm fucking my couch. This is happening. Alright. So, he fucking, he made, he MacGyvered, he's a sexual MacGyver. And he just he took he took the pit out of the peach and he fucked it. So yeah, James and the giant hard on. I'm gonna fuck this peach. So that's what happened here. And I don't know. I, I this movie is crazy. It's got that memorable scene in it. But by the end of the movie, it's 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 a beautiful film. And it and um, Italy's gorgeous. The cinematography in this one's amazing. The acting's phenomenal. Army Hammer's really good in th- good in it. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Um, finally gets to like really stretch his legs as an actor in this one. And he's really good in this film. You know, we barely got to see him in Lady Bird, but he's really good in this. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was great. So I loved it. And I uh, can't wait to see what this director does in the future. Um, director is uh, Luca Guadagnino, I think is how it's pronounced. So, Steve, you saw this one. What would you think? 
Uh, Tupperware. Yeah. I love, I love this movie. Uh, like you said with the peach thing, I might as well just say, to me, I thought him fingering the peach was actually the worst part of the entire scene. I was like, what is happening? What is going on? No, and that was him figuring it out. out. That was him figuring it out, man. Yeah, right? I, I was I was also trying to figure it out, going, what the fuck am I watching? I can't believe this is happening. But at the same time, that's... No, nah, I loved it. I loved everything about that scene. Because, like, you yeah. could, uh, the look on his face, you could see the wheels turning. You could actually, like, literally see the wheels <laughs> yeah, turning yeah. on this kid. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, at first, like, I'm thinking, like, I'm being dirty. I'm like, oh, my, okay, he's fingering that peach. Oh, he's just pulling the pit out. No, 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 no. He's gonna fuck it. And then he does it. He does it. He, he does the slide down. He's sliding yep. it down. And yep. so, yeah, it makes for a funny and awkward moment later on when Oliver tries to give him a blowjob. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. I and, will, I will actually say that scene yeah. made it so much better for what we had seen for that because we see Elio just explaining himself to him and it was just yeah. everything about this movie was beautiful yeah Every, like, i was i was rooting for willem dafoe for best supporting actor for the florida project until i saw this movie because uh michael solberg that monologue at the end of the movie with his son i was crying yeah it was I, really good it was, just, it was it was beautiful it was so everything about this movie like you said the cinematography is gorgeous like i want to live in northern italy now it's it, it, you just want to you just want to pick peaches off trees and fuck them, Steve. Be honest, not it. right? Yeah. Uh, as soon as this got done, Steve like ordered like a like a fruit basket. What else can we do here? He's like shoving bananas up his butt and <laughs> going nuts. Yeah, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> let me let me let me take that apple from you. You're not using this, right? Uh, I've moved no, on to pineapples. Every, so anyway, everything about this movie though is just like. There are reasons why it's shot, made, and everything else in Italy, but at the same time, it's just like people are arguing, you know, the age difference and everything else. This is a movie about love with no boundaries. Love is no number and everything else. And if you really want to get technical with bullshit like that, Ilio's a full-grown man in the eyes of uh, Italian law. And for all we know, Army Hammer, yeah, he's like 32, no, 33. No, he's, tw- he's 24 in the film. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's definitely not, there is no 10 year difference. When I actually reviewed this with Kova, I was under the impression they have a 10 year difference. But then I started hearing other reviews and started to realize grad students are usually 24, 25. So I'm guessing there, there is no 10 year difference, which makes it, I guess if you want, make it feel a little bit better. But I come from a parentage where there's nine year difference. So to me, this was just the finding of, a, a, this is just a romance story. Yeah. This is Leo's first love and, the ending's perfect. Yeah. I won't say anything else. It's just this is it, it's February nineteen eighty three. Everything it's just everything about this is great. And if anybody's like ever like like freaking out, the parents know. Like they're all like that's like I think that's the best part of it all. Like all right, all right, all right. Stop, whatever. stop. You're getting into to too many spoilers here. I'm fine. Sorry, Jesus sorry. I, this is a great movie, man. This is all my honorable mentions. I love this movie. I know. You're just yeah. Now it's like and just so everybody knows. Like all right, all right. His parents know that he fucked the peach. So fucking good. This is such a great movie. Like I hate the fucking bullshit with the negativity behind it. Where it's like you just don't know what you're talking about. This is well, a great movie. I don't pay any attention to that. So. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to address the negativity. Oh, no, you're fine. I don't need to apologize, but I just think it's a, it's a great movie. Everybody needs to see it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Moving on. I just want to get through all the movies that I've seen. Um, shit. Uh, I did see, yeah, I'll end it with this. I saw, and I'll ask you guys if you have anything, because I know Jake, you haven't gone over anything yet. Um, no, yeah, I got some stuff. 
I saw, I went this to the theater. It was a one night only event at the theater that I went to, but I think, and that was on the 18th, but then I believe on the 19th, it got released to more theaters. Uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. It's an anime film and it's the debut film of Studio Panak, uh, a new studio that's made from a large amount of the former Studio Ghibli employees. Uh, it's directed by Hiramasa Yonbayashi, who was an animator for, uh, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, and Ponyo, and he also directed The Secret world of Arietti, which I've seen, and I thought that that was a really, really good movie. I saw the dubbed version of that one. I think Will, Will Arnett's in it. But um, the synopsis for uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower, and I know, Jake, you were really jealous that I got to see this. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited for this. I, I've been There's been lots of news about this, about a lot of the people being from the Studio Ghibli, yeah. and I've, I've seen the trailer. I thought the trailer looked amazing. Uh, it was one of those things where I had to work 11 to 7. It was one night in a theater that was 45 minutes away from me. And I was jealous. If I would have been off work, I would have drove that 45 minutes. That's what I did. I, I had to drive 45 minutes to go see this one. But I was like, I really want to see it. It's about Mary, an ordinary young girl stuck in the country with her great aunt Charlotte and seemingly no adventures or friends in sight. She follows a mysterious cat into the nearby forest where she discovers an old broomstick and the strange fly-by-night flower, a rare plant that blossoms only once every seven years and only in that forest. Together, the flower and the broomstick whisk Mary away above the clouds and far away to Endor College, a school of magic run by a headmistress, Madam Mumblechook, and the brilliant Dr. D. But there are terrible things happening at the school, and when Mary tells a lie, she must risk her life to try to set things right. Based on Mary Stewart's 1971 classic children's book, The Little Broomstick, Mary and the Witch's Flower is an action-packed full film, blah, 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 blah. It features voices with Ruby Barnhill and the Academy Award winners Kate Winslet and Jim Broadbent. Um, I... I loved this movie. I thought it was so much fun. It's such a fun adventure that you're taking on with this little girl. And it's, it's not like you're, it's at the beginning and they kind of set it up to where there's a twist in this one. So they kind of set it up to like, Oh, she must be the chosen one. She's the chosen witch. Um, but it also, it, but there's a twist to all of this. And, um, and it also, it, it tells, it has a good story, a good message for like young kids that I think that are maybe, you know, kids are, kind of like getting to that age where they're self-aware of like how they look um you know like some kids growing up they this girl this mary she doesn't she doesn't like her red hair she can't stand her red hair she's got like this red poofy hair and she hates it and uh, by the end of the movie she's very comfortable with herself and i think it, it's, it has a great message for kids too that are you know getting to that age where looks are starting to matter and they're becoming more self-aware of like who they are and and things like that and i i really love that about this movie but it's, it's such a fun adventure that that she goes on um and uh this like uh uh Kate Winslet as uh Madame Mumblechook is just a really good villain um she can like turn herself into like uh like a waterfall <laughs> it's really cool um this and Do- the Dr. D is like kind of like a really like a mad scientist he reminds me of like Dr. Wily from like Mega Man and he's <laughs> and um really really cool the animation in this one is just amazing it's beautiful um, I love the what they do with like the the fly by night flower. Um, if you crush it, uh, your skin absorbs it, and 
you you possess the power uh, a very uh, uh, you you possess the power of like magic at that point and it's it, it and it limits you it limits you to like I don't know how long it gives you the power but it wears off and it's such a cool way to like introduce this girl in a, into into this magic world and um, I think it's like close to two hours but I man it, it didn't seem like it and it was so much fun man it's a Tupperware I absolutely loved it um, Studio Ghibli when they shut they shut down production back in 2014 and um, they went on to open this uh, a lot of the people laughed and opened Studio Panak they um, I don't know they it's so weird because I know that Studio Ghibli is starting to make another movie again, so I, I found this weird. Um, Hiramosa Yonbayashi, he screened the film for his for, former colleagues at Studio Ghibli, and Hayu Miyazaki gave Yonabashi a congratulations but said he wouldn't see the film. Wow, that's bizarre. I read that on IMDb, which is really weird, because if you go to... Uh, there was an article in the Mary Sue, and... They were talking to Hiramasa Yonbayashi, and he said, when we opened the new studio, Studio Panak, I went to report this to Mr. Miyazaki, and he gave his blessing and said, you really need to have the conviction to go create a new film studio and the conviction to show children worthwhile films. Every At every film you make, you'll have to realize that has to be a film that is worthy to show to children. It's like he gave him his blessing, but like then I'm reading this quote on IMDb about how he wouldn't see the film. He's like not going to financially support it, I guess. I mean, that's just, I don't know. Maybe that's just a weird like well, cultural Hiramasa, barrier we don't get. Hiramasa screened it for his former colleagues. So it's like he had a, like like a screening for like the people that he used to work, work with at Studio Ghibli. And he invited Miyazaki. And it sounds like he refused is, is what the quote sounds like. So it's just very two different contradicting stories that I'm reading here. So I didn't know. I don't know. It just it seems very weird to me. I understand that they're they're competing studios, but like, I don't know. It's 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 I don't know. Miyazaki, like, what do you expect? Like, what do you expect them to do when you shut down production? Um, yeah. Well, we'll just not work anymore and not feed our families. Right. And- yeah, I just I I don't know. I'd like to know more about that because like, you know, the article in the Mary Sue is giving his blessing and then like IMDb saying like he wouldn't go to the screening. So, yeah, I agree. I bet where there's smoke there's fire. I bet there's something to the the yeah. hard feelings. Yeah, it's uh it's it's, uh, it's messed up. But yeah, um once this is available to see, uh Mary and the Witch's Flower, I highly recommend it. It is a Tupperware. It's a great movie to watch if you have young kids. I think they'll really appreciate this one and they'll love it. And the animation is just gorgeous. Um I loved I loved every minute of this movie. <laughs> and uh the oh my god, the animals, just the way that the animators drew some of these animals, just beautiful. There's a scene um with like uh with like what are they called? It's like the in Princess Mononoke, they had like those reindeers, you know? Yes. They had that 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 same animal in this one and I was just like it was just like such a nice little Princess Mononoke Easter egg. It was so it was so cool, but yeah, I love this movie. So, Tupperware. Jake, what what do you got? Yeah, um, I was super jealous that you got to see this. And I remember when I was at work, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home and just watch anime. And I got to watch something. 
And actually, that same day that you went and saw this, they announced all the nominations for the anime awards. And I was just kind of picking through there and looking for stuff I haven't heard of or seen. And I saw they had a uh, Amazon Prime exclusive show called Made in Abyss that I checked out. Um, I've watched the first five episodes of this now. There's 13 episodes. Uh, it's subtitled, but wow, this is a Tupperware for me. Have you seen any of this yet, Brian or anybody? I didn't get a chance to. Oh man, it is really cool. It has a really unique character design, like different than most anime. It's almost a little bit kind of cutesy wootsy, but I mean, the show is anything but that. And it's almost a neat contrast to how serious the show can get. Um, basically the plot of Made in Abyss is everything revolves around this abyss that's in this city and people spelunk into it and pull out different magical artifacts that they, you know, do all kinds of different stuff and everyone lives and sells and prospers on. But you can only go so deep into the pit and no one knows how deep you can actually go. And there's just all kinds of mystery and intrigue about where it all even came from in the first place. And the main character finds a boy robot in the pit. And that's where the whole story kind of picks up. Like she's a abandoned orphan whose mother died trying to go into the pit. And she finds this robot and aspires to use this robot to get further into the pit than anyone ever has. And the animation in this is just so gorgeous for one of these television series. Usually you don't see kind of movie-like care taken into the creature design and animation in some of these series. But this is a real exception to that. It's just a gorgeous show. And a lot of the imagination in the creatures that you see in the abyss that they go into just really blew me away. Uh, really gorgeous music, uh, just a really charming, funny, dramatic, action-packed show. I, I am really sold on this. Um, I read that they're going to have a second season. I'm hoping that it tells a complete story in 13 episodes, and it's not one of those things where it's going to leave me hanging. Like, it's good enough that I see that I want more, but I would like a complete story here in one season. But I, I highly recommend this, Tupperware. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out, man. I was it was one of those things like you kind of told me about it and I was wanting to get around to it. So, yeah, I'll have to I'll have yeah, to check I, that out. I didn't realize how much anime that was uh Amazon Prime exclusive also. I kind of went down that well and there there's a ton of stuff that you can only see on Amazon Prime. So, really? I I really hadn't looked into that as an aspect cuz I have Crunchyroll, I have Funimation, I watch a lot of stuff and it was like I would have figured that would have had everything covered, but Wow, looking through the awards and all the different nominations, there was a, a handful of shows that you could only watch on Amazon Prime. Wow. How did you, how did how did you find those? Did you just search anime? Uh yeah, yeah. It's um okay. Crunchyroll is the sponsor this year for them. Um but they're not Crunchyroll exclusive. Like it's the nominee they are the anime awards. No, I, not- I'm sorry, on on Amazon. I was wondering uh, did they have a section or did you search anime you know, or their menu is pretty shitty. It is. And once I searched and watched Made in Abyss, that opened it up where it was like, hey, you watched Made in Abyss, you might like these shows too. And I was finally able to access a bunch of what they had. But I was having a really hard time figuring out how just to go into, like, the anime section. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen That's interesting. I'll have to check that out now. Because I, I have Funimation now only because they have more 
more dubs than than Crunchyroll, but um, I will have to check that out. I didn't realize there was that much on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, a lot of stuff, and this is a subtitled show. It's not a dub, but I mean that that shouldn't avert sure. you. I, I thought this was okay. really good, and I, and it's really not a mature show either. Like I really respected just kind of, kind of how charming and fun fun it is. Like it's not one of these TNA cheesecake animes. Like it's a really story driven story driven fantasy show. Awesome. Really well done at that. You guys were talking about how the well, Jake, you were talking about how the Amazon, how their search engine kind of sucks on the site, on the yeah. app or whatever. Uh, a guy released, guy or girl, I don't know, released a website that they had developed for in companion with uh, Netflix called uh, Flixable.co, and it's because uh, I think Netflix's search engine's terrible. Oh, I yeah, agree. I agree. it's the same yeah. problems. So. Yep. This it was on like the front page of Reddit, um, and so I actually posted it on on on, on our Facebook page. It's uh, flexible.co, and it is a Netflix search engine that somebody had just created, and it is fantastic. You can search by movies and TV shows by genre, their IMDb ratings, um, the the year it was released and it's got basically kind of like a scale there that you can you can set it to i want it if it, the movie was released between the years of 1998 uh, 1989 and 2000 you can basically adjust it right there from your from the from the phone and and um and click show movies or show tv shows and it'll pop up with whatever you whatever you know uh, things that you selected there in the drop down boxes. It's, it's such an awesome search engine that, um, I actually just added it to my front page on my phone and I'm just going to use it as a companion for when I'm looking for stuff on Netflix. Like I'm not going to use their, their search engine on theirs. Um, nice. And I'm just going to use this flexible co cause it is, it's really, it's a really nice search engine for Netflix. So I love it. And I think Netflix is probably going to try to buy this, um, off this guy. I can guarantee you they're going to be like, uh, we can't let somebody else do this. We we can't let somebody else's website look better than what we have on on our <laughs> actual site because on our actual streaming service because like that's basically what this website is saying. It's like guys, you don't know how to do a good search search engine. I'll do it for you. Yeah, it, and they're not wrong. They don't know how to do a good one. If it's terrible, right. it's awful. So. And Amazon is even worse. That's the unbelievable part. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Hulu just kind of like updated theirs, and I'm still trying to get used to theirs. So. It's better. The Hulu got better. Yeah. At first when they did it, I was like, why did you change it? And now, now I've kind of like grown to like it a little bit more. But, yeah, nobody, nobody's really got it down, Pat. So um, did you guys have anything else, or do you guys want to take a quick break? Yeah, uh, I, a quick break. Yeah, we can do that. I do have a couple more things I want to hit when we get back, but... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Sounds good. All right, let's take a quick break.
right, hey, we are back. We are still in good pop, bad pop territory, and uh, let's start off here with uh, Eric. What do you got? Uh, the Magician season three just dropped on Sci-Fi, and the first two episodes have been an absolute Tupperware. Um, I bring this up mostly because I want to make sure get the name out there as much as possible for those who aren't watching it. Magicians is an awesome show. Season one and two are available on Netflix, uncensored, um, in the uncensored, or even better because they're uncensored. Really? Um, I didn't see it. See, it, I, it, I watched the first five episodes of Magician yep, on Sci-Fi, yep. and I'm not telling you like, oh, I mm-hmm. I dropped off because I didn't like it. No, it was just like there was just so many things for me to watch. That I yeah. stopped watching it, and yep. um, but it, it's a re- it is a really good show. But they have uncensored. Yeah, so it's uncensored on Netflix, and I didn't even realize that. It just when season two premiered last year, they dropped it at season one on Netflix, and I'm like, well, I'll watch it again just to to remind myself and get back into it. And I start watching it, I'm like, holy shit, I did not realize this was censored because it is a little, it is pretty over the, I wouldn't want to say over the top, but yeah. it is. A, it definitely it makes a difference to the show, um, and I, I think the interesting thing, and I I know how you hate this, Brian, but the Magicians really does a lot of build up in season one as it goes along, and it really the payoff is all towards the last say third of the season. <laughs> oh, and that's, that's fine. It, like I like it, as long as it gets there eventually. It's yeah, just it when, really. I, I, I think Quentin, the main character, is what turns a lot of people off. That's just my opinion. I've heard that. I think Jordan mentioned that. Uh, but they, it's really the way he plays that character. He plays it so well for what they want to do, and it makes a difference later on. And I, I, it, there's just so much good setup when you look at the whole arc of it. They do a really good job. And season two was out of this world and season three so far the first two episodes have been blowing my dick off just great stuff i cannot recommend the magicians enough it was it was my runner-up for for pop culture show of the year last year um so i'm loving it so i highly recommend checking that out i concur nice someone else watches it yes and season three is uncensored on sci-fi because they and usa got their shit together Yes, they finally got their shit together, and it's going great. I'm loving it. Are you guys? Uh, you guys gonna watch that Paramount Network? Uh, that, you know, Spike is gone now, and uh, it's now Paramount Network. Are you guys gonna watch that uh, Taylor Kitsch, Michael Shannon Waco miniseries starting late this month? Yeah, that looks really good. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in checking that out. Definitely, I think it looks good. Yeah, I think it starts. I think it's. Don't quote me, but I think it's January 24th. So. Paramount's, they're also doing that Heather's, Heather's TV show, which I, I'll watch it. I'm going to watch it. Bet you're asking. I loved Heather's the movie. Wow. So, no, the, yeah. the movie's great. The movie's great. And it's like, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, yeah, I mean, we had like the Scream TV show and stuff like that. I, of course, I didn't continue to watch it, but I'll give it a shot, man. You know? Yeah. So, uh, the other thing that I had was, Brian, because of you ca- calling out how great it was, I watched a, a Silent Voice. Thank you. You're not the only person that had caught this this week. There's actually some Twitter Twitter followers that uh, reached out to me and let me know that they watched it as well. What did you think? This was uh, just yeah. if this, just so you know, this was my animated movie of the year, and it was actually my movie of the year. 
So. Yeah, yeah. The way you talked about it uh, on the Tuppies, it, it, I'm like, I, I have to sit down and watch it. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm not always. There are shows that I will watch in, in sub, but it's, it's not. Usually, if I see sub, I'll probably just move on unless I hear something. And obviously, what you, you went on and on about it, I had to check it out. Um, this was an absolute Tupperware. I loved the movie. Um, I, I think. You know, there were so many great parts to that, and it is so emotional. It yeah. takes you on such an emotional journey um, that, you know, it, 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 I, I, there's very few animated shows that I've watched that tug at your heartstrings the way that this show does. And anyone, it's not uncommon, as we know, for, for, for all the stories that we hear every day talking, you know, on the Facebook page, you know, so many, so many people in that are into the geek culture like we are. Uh, many of us have experienced these kind of feelings where you're walking around and you don't want to meet other people's eyes and you don't really want to talk about the things that you like because you you know that they're not mainstream and other people might make fun of you for it. You feel out of place. And this, this show just, it, it plays on all of that and makes you feel those things. And it, it draws such a connection between you. And, and what's funny is it's not just you and the main character by the end of the movie, you feel that across five or six people in, who early on, you think, Oh, they're a horrible person. I hate them. And then you feel that way for them at the end as well, that there are all these people in their own pockets separated by so many different things that come in between us um, every day. I thought one of the greatest quotes I loved out of that was, was you need to love the, the parts of you that are bad and keep moving on. Yeah. I, it just lines like that throughout the movie just made it so sweet and so touching and fuck you for making me cry, Brian, and watching this. Um, it, it was absolutely outstanding and I cannot thank you enough for bringing it up. It was great. And it's an absolute Tupperware. Yeah, man, I was, I was in, I was in the theater in tears and it was one of those things where I try to, if I am feeling tears coming on in a movie theater, I will fight them back, um, and not, yep. not let myself cry in front of people. Um, I didn't care in this one. I yep. said, if somebody sees me crying here after this movie and what it's kind of taught me, if they judge me after watching this movie, um, yep. there's something wrong with them. And I just let the tears come out because it is, uh, this movie is a masterpiece and it makes you feel things and it makes you, it makes you think about yourself. And it's a movie, it's a movie that if I feel like, I think a lot of people feel like this way. If you don't like yourself, if you don't like who you are as a person, this movie, it wants you to. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it was great on so many levels. Even, uh, the music, uh, Kinsuki Ushio. He the 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 music in parts r reminded me so much of uh, Minecraft for anyone that's played Minecraft. Uh, that was early on when it before before it was a big game and before everyone had heard about it. That was one of the things that struck me playing the early alpha version was the music, how simple, sweet piano music and and the way it tugged at it. They just they did so many things so well and the music played right into it and it, it just took you on such a journey that it was a treat to watch yeah i can't wait to own this one i actually um i bought a 
um, a silent voice wall scroll um, off of eBay. Um, it's from the poster, but it's a it's a wall scroll. Um, and I have it actually, it's hanging up in my kitchen because I don't spend a lot of time like in my, if I'm in my bedroom, I'm going there to sleep. So, um, I wanted it to be somewhere where I'm going to be <laughs> so I can see it. Not, so, to, not to fuck a peach. Yeah, yeah exactly. Huh. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted, okay. I wanted this scroll to be somewhere where I could see it. So it's actually in my kitchen, like right next to my refrigerator, but, um, it's, uh, I, I oh my god I love this movie everybody has to see this movie um, I can't yeah, wait I cannot to, recommend it yeah enough. I can't I wait can, to, I can't I can't wait to own it man I really cannot wait to own this one and um, how did you see it Eric um, yeah allegedly that, there are ways that you can watch shows <laughs> okay yes I will, I will figure these things out. <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, I'm glad that you. I'm glad you saw that movie. Um, so yeah, a silent voice. I I can't I, I can't stress enough how 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 everyone needs to see this. I know. Anyway, did did you have anything left? No, that was it for me. Okay, Steve, what do you got? Uh, I got two things quickly. I saw uh, last year's Bad Batch with uh, Suki Waterhouse, uh, Jason Momoa, Jim Carrey. And Keanu Reeves. What the fuck? <laughs> did you just did you just did you just make this up? Did you just randomly like make up just throw out some names? Or is this a real thing? Nope. <laughs> no, no, this is a real thing. Uh, it's basically um, I don't know what the best way to describe it is. It's more of like a dystopian, futuristic Mad Max, but in Texas sort of way type of story. Uh, where it's mostly imagery, where you're just following these characters along. The first 10 minutes of the movie, the main character, Suki Waterhouse, her character, she's a, you might know her from, uh, Prime Prejudice and Zombies, I believe is what it's called <laughs> from last year. Um, but she, it's, there's cannibals in this dystopian future in the desert, and she's captured and loses a couple body parts. And then we just follow her from that point on. And it's this interesting love story that's very boring that uh, Kova could not finish, but Dan actually enjoyed. I thought it was fun. I was, I don't know, maybe it just caught me at the right time, but I was into it the whole time. I wanted to know what was going to happen. This this girl gets not kidnapped, but runs away from this one person, goes to someone else. Jim Carrey's a hermit. Uh, it's just, it's so fucking weird and different. It's two hours. It shouldn't be that long. I, but I give it a high taste it. I really enjoyed it for better, what it was. Better than I'll, the I'll post. Never see better than the post, everybody. Better than the post. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, yeah, it is. You've lost all credibility as a human being. I thought I, I thought all credibility when I gave Sausage Party a Tupperware. Oh, so God, Sausage Party. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to tell you, Brian. You keep bringing me back anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's my. That's yeah. That's my bad. Um, <laughs> uh, what's this? What's this? My, what's no? Hold on. What's this monstrosity called? The Bad Batch. The ba yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. It's 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 rotten on Rotten Tomatoes with this like a an audience score of like forty three. Believe me, I'm not expecting a lot of people to enjoy it. I somehow found it very enjoyable. And another movie I found very enjoyable came out this weekend, and it's called Den of Thieves. I also give that a high taste. It. It's a wannabe heat movie, 
but it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just about 20 minutes, half an hour too long. Is this the Gerard it's Butler up. film? Yeah. 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 It looked, it looked uh, fun. He's actually really good in it. It's just everything about anything that does not like connect to his occupation in this movie was not needed. And that's about 20 minutes of this film. But everything else was a lot of fun. This has one of the best intros or openings to an action flick because it just starts out with this shootout. And for about 15 minutes, I'm just like, holy shit. You know what I've shit. noticed about your reviews, Steve? So good. Your, yeah. Your reviews, every, and you do this with every one of them, you always tell us how much time needs to be cut out of each one. Yeah. Uh, this one could have been, uh, I'd say, about 17 and a half it? minutes shorter. Uh, this, yeah. this, this one, uh, this one uh, I'd, say, I'd give it about uh, 32.7 minutes shorter, and it'd be perfect. Um, yeah. This one, I, 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 I feel Steve Shane there. Would you like me to do it then? I mean, this this movie's great all in all. You know, I'm going to spoil one part of no, the movie. No, it's, it's got to be taxing on you as a movie viewer to be adding up these minutes as you're watching the film. Like, I grew, I grew like, up with numbers. Like, like are, you, kinda, are you like an hour and a half in and you're like, ah, yeah, we're at about 15 minutes at this point. They could have cut 15 minutes out of this one. All right, we got another half hour. Where are we? Yeah. No, the decision is not made until after I've seen the film. Yeah, all right. All like, right. My God, Brian. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, like, you're very, <laughs> you're very, you're very, you're very time conscious when it goes into these movies. Like, like <laughs> you're very, you're very time aware. This, this, it's two hours and 20 minutes. Are you going to see a Gerard Butler movie that's two hours and 20 minutes long in theaters when you can just wait for it to be on Netflix? Yeah, I probably, I got movie pass. I would. That's what I'm saying though. Not everybody has movie pass and I, I, I just, this is a fun movie. I don't think you need to see it in theaters. This would have been fine on Netflix, but I have movie pass and I enjoy this I'd movie. Say, and I like, give it a high need, taste you need to have your own podcast where you review movies and then tell us how much time needs to be cut out of it at the end. Like that instead, like no rating, like actually no rating at all. Like don't even let the people know if you liked it or not. Just let everybody know like how many minutes you think should be cut out of it. Yeah. Now what if you watch? What if you watch minutes added to it? Is that like the no. glowing? Review? Oh, oh my god! Yeah, that's like that's like if Steve wants more of anything, that's like his version of a Tupperware. Like, <laughs> like at the like at the end of the day, Steve's like even like I think this movie could have really used like one more minute. Like that's 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 a glowing review. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the podcast right there. One more minute. Yeah, one more minute with Steve. These these are great ideas. <laughs> I can't use this. I, these are great ideas. What do you want me to do? I'm just gonna be self conscious the whole time, Brian. Now I'm just gonna no. be like, yeah, it's a great movie. So a lot of great things about it. <laughs> so anyway, I was listening to this I stand, pod. I stand by you 100, percent Steve, with this time stuff. I all these movies are too long. Right. Almost every movie can right. use 15 yeah. minutes guys, oh, they, They've bonded. They've bonded, Eric. Listen, <laughs> listen there are some movies that deserve the times they get and, like, The Godfather and stuff. And there's other times where I'm like, I could have finished this a half an hour ago and been perfectly fine. I was just making an observation is all I was doing. That's all I was doing. I've just noticed, like, a consistent thing with you. And like, you, don't need be, you don't need to be so defensive about it. I'm just I'm – just, I want to know, like, what is the best way to do this, Brian? How – how should I do this? No, I'm just no. You don't even have to ask me for my advice. I'm just saying this is what you do. 
I don't give a fuck. I just don't 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 change anything. <laughs> Tell Brian to go fuck himself and and go ahead and go on and give us the minute count. That's fine. I, I mean, I like to save those fuck you, Brian moments. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you like to. <laughs> I like to see him. I like to see him sh- a little bit shorter. Um, I don't like him going. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Jake. Oh, uh, Steve, did you have? Did you have Speaking anything else? Too long. This review. Let's keep yeah, going. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Did you have anything else? No, that's it. All right, Jake. What do you have? Yeah, I watched a documentary called Keddy. It's a um, about a. It's about a Turkish city in Istanbul where they let all the cats just roam free. And the documentary follows about seven to nine different cats around this city. And you see how they impact the different lives of the different townspeople. Um, I'm going to give this just a a solid taste it. Um, I thought the good stuff was really good. But this was definitely too long. Like, this could have been 90 minutes and you would have got everything you needed to get. Here we go, man. Yeah, (laughs) it was definitely definitely too long. Uh, You answered my question. So, but it was, if you're a cat lover, you definitely should see this. Um, the camera work was excellent. Um, the HD cameras were really well done. Just, it seemed like they were able to follow these cats around without interfering with what they were doing. And to see all these just untamed cats interacting with these different people and how they helped or hindered different people in this, you know, Istanbul. Are you ta- so you're talking about actual cats. You're not actually referring to like the slang word for like a really cool person, right? No, no, yeah, like like no, they, I, just I a know. bunch of house cats. Just and they, there's so many of them. There's hundreds of thousands of these cats. I know it's a bad joke. Show- I've seen the trailer for this, man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like they show shots where cats are just lounging around on roofs all over the place, just like they own the city, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's, Where is well, it's they feed hilarious. them and everything, right? Yeah, like some people feed them and some people don't, though, and they kind of get into that. So interesting. Yeah, I, I, this is if you're a cat person, this is well worth seeing. And I, and I love cats myself, but I don't know. I was kind of expecting a little bit more from this than just scenery, and I wish it kind of would have gone a bit more in depth as to like the actual issue of the cats being in the city instead of just look at how cute all the cats are. So it's two hours of cat videos pretty much. Yeah, yeah, basically. Alright. Basically. What city is but, it? Um it's it, it, it's in Istanbul. I forget the name of the actual city. Oh, oh okay. But it, it's just really neat. The, some of the culture is really interesting to see, but I don't know. I just wish it was a little for a documentary it's not very informative was my biggest problem with it too so yeah it was okay not much else to say about it hmm. is that is that everything yeah all right uh, I, uh, did you guys watch black lightning did anybody watch it no yes yeah yes what'd you think tupperware really yeah really it was probably the best it might be the best cw show right now i mean that's after one episode so we'll see if they can carry that on but um i i really enjoyed the first episode i was i did not expect to like it i did not go in going oh god i really need black lightning um it was very good there were uh there were there are a few things that i had troubles with i i wasn't the biggest fan of of the of his his costume design um 
but but there there's some great acting in there. There's some poignant stories, um, and I I re- I really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm really looking forward to see what they do. I also am really really happy that I think it's 13 episodes. Okay, which yeah, I think good. I think is something they've needed to do on the CW. The it'll 20- get yeah, but if it's popular, it'll get a it'll get a like a a big season order for season two, man. I promise I, you. I, I hope they don't do that. You know, there's just too much. There's too much filler going on on those shows, and that's why I've had to drop. I, I I'm done with Arrow. I haven't watched Arrow in a while, and yeah. um, you know, most of those other shows are suffering from that. So I, I'm hoping they don't do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, like you said. But I highly recommend checking out the pilot. What did you think, Steve? I thought it was good. I gave it a high taste. How of, much time um, should they have cut out? <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted more. I thought it stopped too soon. I liked how it ended. Um, I just thought the dialogue could be better, but this is also CW, so it can only be to me. I guess they have to they have to aim for their high school viewers. So I just don't like exposition through dialogue sometimes, and it's just like it was one step away from how long have we been sisters? And I'm just like, all right, I get it. So I'm I'm liking the show, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. It's just. I just hope I, I just wish there was a little bit better writing in some of these shows, and this is this is one of them. I uh, I'm kind of indifferent when it comes to this show. I guess I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Like I didn't it it didn't it didn't capture me. Like uh, I didn't get at the end. I was like not like wanting more. Like right away, it wasn't like if like if this was a Netflix series, and like this episode, if they dropped all 13 episodes on the same day. After episode one, I don't know if I jump right into episode two. Um, so I, I liked it enough. I just felt like a lot of things were kind of tropey that we've seen in a lot of other things. Um, you know, like retired superhero and I'm coming out of retirement now and, you know, and I'm, I'm coming out because of like, you know, my kidnapped family. It was like, it was like a taken meets a superhero. Um, and it was, you kind of, it was like play, you know, uh, connect the dots. You just kind of saw like what's going to get him to come back and, and do this. Yeah. It's somebody fucking with his family. I get it. Okay. I've seen this before. It was okay. I, I, I just, I'm not, I, and I will watch the second episode. Um, I'll give it a taste it, but, um, I'm going to continue to watch. I think that's maybe the problem with the pilot episodes. And maybe, maybe as the season goes on, I'll, I'll like it more, but I didn't hate it. It just, I just felt kind of indifferent towards it. Like, I don't know, but it wasn't the problem. And the problem is, is, is that's not a show you will usually stick with nowadays with all the great television out there. If you are indifferent to a show, it's not enough to keep you week to week. Typically. Yeah, that's I. I probably will give this three episodes before I, you know, mm-hmm. either axe it or continue to go on. I usually try to give these shows um, that benefit. I didn't hate this one, but I didn't love it either. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, that's all I got for good pop, bad pop this week. Do you guys have anything else? Nah, I'm good. Let's do some news. fucking news. All right, let's nope. jump into the news. All right, so we've talked about this movie pass thing for quite a while and like how they're going to be able to sustain their business. And it looks like movie pass has been, they started it with like Itania and now they're going to be distributing films. Um, 
MoviePass, this is from businesswire.com. MoviePass, the nation's premier movie theater subscription service and a majority-owned subsidiary of Helios and Matheson Analytics, announced MoviePass Ventures, a whole-owned subsidiary founded to co-acquire films and film distributors. The announcement was made at the Sundance Film Festival during MoviePass's content series Offscript, The Future of Film, to a room of filmmakers, producers, directors, investors, distributors, and other industry executives. Um, the quote is from uh, Mitch Lowe, the CEO of MoviePass. He says, we've experienced enormous success bringing people back into the theaters since our launch in August, and with an influx of business from distributors, have proven the impact of our marketing over and over again, giving them an incremental lift in ticket sales. Uh, given the successes we have demonstrated for our distributor partners in ensuring strong box office and a theatrical window, it's only natural for us to double down and want to play alongside them and share in the upside. Uh, it goes on to say that MoviePass is currently purchasing approximately 3% of domestic box office. Um, however, it it is purchasing uh, in excess of 10% of a particular title's domestic box office when it uses a series of levers within its app and marketing-based platform to impact consumer selection of a particular independent film. Examples of having impacted 10% plus box office performance include The Post, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, Call Me By Your Name, and The Shape of Water. So I I mean, MoviePass recently just surpassed 1.5 million subscribers, and the more people that have this app and the more – I mean – that's I think that's huge that if they're pushing movies like, you know, The Post and Three Billboards and, and The Shape of Water, if they're pushing these kind of like movies on the app and and maybe like ads pop up and things like that. Um, and it's actually helping. And we've seen like a 10 percent increase. I think that this I think it's great for movies, especially like I mean, Lady Bird really felt the effects from Movie Pass. More people saw Lady Bird because of Movie Pass than than they would have if they didn't. And it's a great film to see. So I think that um I, I think I think it's it's not like the, the most it's not a traditional business model. Um but I think it can work if if and they're looking outside of the box on how to like how to make this a successful venture. I mean, you know, they're going to sell data of like the, of consumers that are using it. So they're going to be able to know like what movies people are wanting to see, what movies people are checking into, um, what times of, you know, like, especially like what, you know, times of the day people are going to see these movies, um, what movies are popular in what months. And I, I think it's, I think that's valuable. And then, um, I don't know. I think I think MoviePass is great, and 1.5 million users that are using it. Of course, what do you guys think what, uh, about all this? Do you think it's a solid business plan going forward, or do you think that it's still destined to to fail? I think that's a super smart business model, and if it's proven that it actually works, other movies are going to jump on board. Like yeah. the, you know, like you're saying with the Itania stuff yeah. and the Ladybird. Like if you're putting more butts in seats, and I mean, right there, that's. Other companies and other movies yeah. or these smaller films are going to pay that money to get these butts in seats. Jake, I also think that the, the theaters themselves, and I know like AMC is not like willing, but I think like the other theaters themselves, they need to kind of look at their, the, the sales. For people that use MoviePass, they need to kind of look at like their concession sales too to see if their sales are going up. Um, you know, because like if I'm spending $10 a month on a MoviePass, then that means that 
if I see one movie, it's basically paid for itself. Um, or even like, you know, like I can go see a matinee here sometimes for five bucks. But, um, so, so two movies in a month, it's paid for itself, even if, if both of those are matinees. But like, that's the thing. It's like with all the extra money, I can use that at the concession stand. And so that's, that's where movie theaters really make a lot of their money. It's not from the ticket sales, it's from the concessions. So. Oh yeah, paying six bucks for popcorn that costs, yeah. you know, ten cents. Exactly. And like, you know, dude, I've, <laughs> I forget where I heard this, but I heard like some theaters, um, they're, the vents that they that they use, they pump the smell of the popcorn through the vents while you're sitting in the while you're sitting in the movie. Oh, that's just cruel. Yeah. So so like if you're sitting there without your popcorn, then you know maybe the popcorn you're smelling is not the guy in front of you. Maybe it's like them pumping the smell of the popcorn into the theater. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Movie Pass is great. 1.5 million users, more people that are using it and watching like movies that they regularly wouldn't see. I think it's great. Steve, you've been using it for a few months now, and um, how? I mean, how do you feel about it? No, I uh, I actually think that this is good for the movie industry in general because everybody's freaking out over uh, Disney buying Fox and you know who's going to distribute other in- individual distributing companies and things like that. And here's your answer: Movie Pass is one of them. Uh, another thing is I don't understand why the the reason AMC's pissed off about Movie Pass is because they were also doing their own yeah. type of Movie Pass, but it yeah. sucks uh, well, compared to what Pass is. Yeah, they were they were going to roll out something com- like. I don't know. I know they've got their, their well, rewards. Like nine bucks they've, a month for one free movie ticket. It, yeah. It's it's bullshit compared and, to what Movie Pass is. Regal does the same thing. They've um, got their, their own deal, but yeah, right. But like what what I would like people are like, no, I want to make sure my money goes to the movie theaters or whatever. Or make sure it goes to the box office. Well, it is either way. Movie Pass is a is a debit card. So yeah, and and like so either way, money's going to the movie theater. Not like they can't. Movie theaters can't tell from a charge if it's movie pass or not, and unless something with some weird fucking deal in the credit union shit and all that. So I think they're still getting all the money that they're asking for when it comes to a twelve dollar matinee ticket. They're still getting it. Um, oh, they're one hundred percent getting it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they're still getting the money, and now and so movie pass has one point five million subscribers a month. So let's say like what a million dollars a month, ten million dollars a month guaranteed. With money to cover the people that go to law movies and the people that don't, it's just everything makes sense. Like this is actually this is what the movie industry needs to get people in seats. Like they're saying that, like you were saying, ten percent, twenty percent of these ticket sales in the box office is because of Movie Pass, and they have those numbers, so they're able to sell those numbers to the studios. This this is a genius idea. I think uh, I think Movie Pass is also going to be offering like you know like if you saw. I, Tanya, within a certain time frame and you, you used it, like, you got, like, I forget, like, if you got, like, an extra goodie from, like, the theater, like, a free popcorn or something like that, but I know that they were offering, like, incentives to see I, Tanya. and I thought that yeah, that was... giving, they were, like, free three subscriptions if you yeah, can yeah, yeah. go to I, Tanya. I, I saw those emails, like, they're really, these movies are paying MoviePass to be like, hey, give this out or whatever, like, they're... People were like really questioning this business, but like in this day and age, you want people to get to the movie theaters. Soon enough, AMC is probably going to be teaming up with MoviePass. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I hope so. I really do. I hope that they see the benefit. Like I can see, like you know, studios like Blumhouse and A twenty four 
kind of like you know striking up a deal with movie pass and i think it's smart for them so yeah exactly i think it's great um let's see here there's uh we're getting a john wick spinoff television show it's not going to feature john wick but we've learned a lot more about about this series, it's been picked up by stars, um, so we know that they can make this pretty much as violent as they want, hyper-violent, which is great, and uh, we know that the show is going to be called The Continental, which is actually the name of the hotel that's set in the John Wick universe, which to me, when I watched John Wick for the first time, and we did our review on the show, Jake, the, the Continental was like one of the most interesting concepts that the film brought up, and I thought that that was like a whole world that they explore, they could explore, just like the dynamic and like some of the rules set within the hotel i thought was just amazing i even talked about wanting to see like a comic book about it and like now there's a john wick comic book and so um now that they're giving us this tv show and it stars and we're finding out a lot more information about this like i haven't reported about this sooner i may have said a few things but um we've got a lot more information we find out that chris collins um he's a writer and producer for the wire and sons of anarchy he's been brought on to the show as well as um john wick's uh Derek kolstadt and chad stahelski um john chad stahelski is the director for john wick and Derek kolstadt's the writer um they have been brought on stahelski we know is directing the first episode and we've also found out that the Continental in the, in the TV series is not going to be the Continental in New York, but the Continental, I guess, in Los Angeles. So, um, I don't know. That's convenient for him. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think it's great. Um, you know, some of the, it, it's a, it's a new, it's a new setting. It's going to be new assassins and they're not, uh, they're not kind of held down by like some of the people that we see at the New York Continental. We don't have to hire those actors to play those roles. We can have a whole new world set up here. I think it's awesome. Yeah, so. exactly. You you're not beholden to all the stuff. You, yeah, you don't have to have Ian McShane there. And, yeah, you know. Let's talk about this. Slash so. film actually had more on the story. They they wrote a story up about this. They found out some new things. On Friday, Stars announced development on the series The Continental, a series set in the John Wick universe. After their panels, Slash Film spoke with Carmi Zlotnick, president of original programming for Stars, about additional details on the series. Since the series is set in the titular Hotel for Assassins, where Ian McShane's Winston is a manager, the network and producers are considering him to appear on the show. Quote, there are certainly conversations about having Ian McShane back. The good part is we have some sort of insight into his schedule because of our involvement in American Gods. We're in conversations with Ian. Um, we're also finding out the main character of the Continental will be a new one entering the Continental world. Quote, he won't be an assassin at the very beginning, Zlotnick said. I don't want to give too much about the story away, but it's somebody who is new to the world. His origin story, when you go back to the beginning, unknown to him, has some ties to the world. Um, fans could tell that the Continental already had a rich story when John Wick visited in the first film. Um, the series will continue moving forward, but in doing so, will reveal more of the hotel's history. Uh, quote, I think the story will be told present day, but a lot of the present day drama will be informed by what happened in the past, Zlatnik said. The Continental will be an hour-long drama. Zlotnick expects to produce eight episodes for the first season. Um, guys, what do you think about this news um, of uh, of a John Wick TV series? I'm going to uh, give it a high taste. It. I'm really excited. I think that 
this is a great move for a TV show. I think Stars is a great home for it. Um, I think it has the potential to be a Tupperware show. I'm excited to hear they're they're having talks with Ian McShane, but honestly, I don't think he's 100 percent necessary. Be, I think he'd be great to help launch this thing and mm. kind of as a launching pad for the show. It might be a great help. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to see the pilot for this and to see even just a trailer. Yeah, Steve, I I'm actually a little disappointed now because what you start off as saying this is going to be a continental show, but now it sounds like it's going to be a newbie turning into an assassin who may occasionally go to the continental or maybe he works at the continental but i was hoping for more of like an anthology type of series where it could jump around time and we could just follow assassins that are in the continental so i'm just hoping that this isn't just like a like kind of like a spin-off type of pilot that makes us think it's the continental but we're actually following this one guy or girl to become an assassin. Like I was hoping for stories within continentals around the world. If that makes sense. Hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'm excited to see one through line in one story. I, I, I'm glad it's not just kind of going to be an anthology series. Yeah. I don't like the idea of an anthology series trying to tell a complete story about assassins in one hour. Like, and then it, and then I don't know. I don't like that. I'm glad. I'm glad that it's actually going to be kind of like one main character that we get to follow throughout this. If we're stuck in Los Angeles, and this Continental Hotel franchise or whatever is all around the world. I want to follow this like underground universe. I'm sure. I want. I, I, yeah, I, 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 in I, Los Angeles. I think the home base for this character is going to be in Los Angeles, but it's not like he can't travel to New York. Which yeah, I mean, you know, he, at some point he's going to leave Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I, I don't disagree with you, Steve. I mean, I, I like the idea of an anthology, not necessarily where it's just, you know, one episode, one story, but, you know, mixing it up a little bit. I, I don't ha- I, I don't dislike that at all. I, I to me, the big thing is, is I, is what they do with some of the ancillary characters around the, you know, a, around the continental. Um, I, I I always thought Lance Reddick is uh, Karen, I think was his name, um, as the front desk guy. I thought I thought he brought so much to to that. So if they can come up with some good characters, I I, I agree with you guys. I think there's a a ton of potential here. Being on Stars, you think it'll get the treatment that it deserves, rather than you know a USA or or something more mainstream. They'll be able to go um, further down that road. So I, I love the idea. Yeah, I mean, it seems like all the care that they've put into this. I mean, they they're bringing in you know Derek Kolstad. You know, who wrote for the John Wick films, uh, the director is going to be, you know, directing the first episode, Chad Stahelski. Um, you know, and these guys are going to be brought on as, uh, executive producers too. I believe Keanu Reeves himself, they're trying to get him to cameo. And I think that he's going to be an executive producer for this. And then bringing yeah. in Chris Collins from The Wire and Sons of Anarchy. Like the, the amount of care and, uh, uh, they're really, they're really going for it in this. And I think, I, I think just the the universe the the, the 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 name of it being the continental I think that they can they can focus around that one character but I think that they can like they're they're also talking in these quotes saying like it's not it's going to be set in present day but you're going to learn a lot about the past of the continental and you know th- that's going to be brought up in this so we're going to learn a lot more about the continental that we didn't know you know even from the films um so 
I, I, with none of these, none of these announcements are upsetting me. I feel like that they're making some really strong moves here to give us a high quality series for something that I didn't really know that I wanted because I was just fine with a comic book and now I'm actually getting excited for a TV series. So yeah, I'm with you, Brian. I'm super pumped. I think John Wick can translate really well to the hour long premium channel TV series format. Uh, This could be a really great thing. Yeah, and I think I think Stars has done a great job with casting. Um, I mean, you look at American Gods and the casting that they've done there. Like, you know, even with their main character who plays Shadow, Ricky Whittle, I'd never seen him before. I know he was in like the I think it was like the One Hundred or whatever CW show, but I never yeah. seen him in it. And um, what a great pick! Like I like Ricky Whittle is like my top pick to play Spawn. For the you know the Todd McFarlane film that's coming out. Oh, that's a good that's a great casting. Yeah, I, I mean, love that. That's my top guy. That's like if yeah. Todd McFarlane you know announced tomorrow like Ricky Whittle is gonna be you know the our Spawn. I'm like, all right, nice, you did it. That's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. So I think I think Stars is Stars is really trying to push themselves, really trying to push themselves with their with their original programming. Um, you know, like. With Ash versus Evil Dead and and uh, American Gods and uh, and now with this, I think they're really pushing themselves. But this next story comes from THR and it's titled J.J. Abrams Shopping TV Space Drama Script. Did you guys see this? No, I did not. Okay, I'm no. I've got no. questions. I've got questions here, guys. Uh, the prolific writer. This is from uh, who is it? Did I say THR? Yes, the prolific writer, producer, and director is shopping a space set spec script that. Should it go to series would be the first show he wrote and created since Fringe in 2008. Sources say Apple and HBO, where Abrams serves as an executive producer on Westworld, are both in the running for the untitled drama with producers Warner Brothers Television also open to additional bidders as the project is still being shopped. Sources say the Abrams drama is about a family consisting of a mother who works as a scientist, her husband and their young daughter who all get into a terrible car crash. After the mother winds up in a coma, her daughter begins digging through her experiments in the basement and winds up being tra- being transported to another land amid a world's battle against a monstrous, oppressive force. Her father then follows her into this new world. So this is... Man, that sounds really cool. Well, hold on. This is... It does sound very cool, but like... After he helped produce Westworld, there was an article about him doing a sci-fi show for HBO called Glare, and I wondered if this was that or if that has now been abandoned. So I went back to look at those articles, and that article was from Variety, and it was titled HBO. It's, uh, HBO is developing a space series with power producer J.J. Abrams, Variety has confirmed. Glare is an hour-long drama series exploring the colonization of another planet. Other than that short description, no other details have been released. Abrams will executive produce with Ben Stevenson and Javier Goulan, who is the writer on the new project. Currently in early development, Glare has secured a script deal. Warner Brothers Television, where Abrams' Bad Robot Productions is based, is producing the potential series. So I was like, is this a... So after I read that, I was like, okay, it's not... It's not the same project. These are two separate projects. And I was like, is he dropping one? And if you look at J.J. Abrams IMDb and his upcoming projects, there are 41 projects listed. 
Holy crap. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So I was like, so this guy, he's got his hands in everything. And you, you guys got to understand, like, it's not like he's like directing and like writing. And, right. But like he might They be, just want J.J. Name's yes. name yes. on the project. Yes, exactly. J.J. Like, uh, Abrams, executive producer, you know. So He um, came in, used their bathroom, and they could say, J.J. <laughs> Abrams was involved. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um I yeah man JJ uh, Abrams getting back into some TV here and I would love to see both of these TV shows come to fruition they they JJ Abrams and sci-fi absolutely so I I I don't know what the 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 new one that Apple and HBO are bidding on um is going to be called but I love the premise um and then I still want to see Glare be made so I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Do you think that, do you think that he's going to drop one? Or do you think that he's going to go, uh, develop both of these? Cause like, I, I think Glare would be like another one where like, he's like, like with Westworld, he's an, like, like a producer on it, but like it's, you know, it's, it's J- Jonathan Nolan, you know. I, I'm fine with him doing both, like much like Lost. I mean, I like the idea of him coming in, yeah. kicking it off and then letting smart people take it over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I think both ideas are strong enough for that. I'm thinking J.J. Abrams is starting to turn into Steven Spielberg and his name <laughs> is just going on things because of Bad Robot. It's his company. So he might go there for a day, like you said, or like Eric said, he might take a shit and they're going to be able to put his name on the movie or TV show. And maybe he'll be able to direct something and maybe he'll people will say something but he's got to deal with episode nine right now yeah I, but I, yeah I, and i'm not saying like this is like happening like right now i'm no, no I'm, I'm not saying that either i'm just yeah. saying like for the next two years he's pretty busy oh yeah absolutely i mean this this glare tv show that they were talking about this was announced um right after westworld ended so it's been over a year and like we've seen nothing with that um these right. you know the, 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 you're getting into territory where you know like this is J.J. Abrams is kind of like in that Spielberg and James Cameron territory to where he's got so many projects that people want to get him involved in that he's got to put some on the back burner. Like we're, you know, like James Cameron wanted to do, you know, you know, what is it that uh, Alita Battle Angel for years and it was just going to be him doing it, but he he never had the time. So like he had to pass it off to Robert Rodriguez. And so that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking though, I'm thinking that this, this one that they're talking about that Apple and HBO are bidding for, I think that that's going to be his baby starting off. I think that it's going to be his baby starting off. And I think that, that this, makes sense. This other one, Glare, I think Glare is like, it could be like that West, like Westworld where like he's a producer and then he brings on like, you know, like they, they had Jonathan Nolan come on with his wife and like develop Westworld. This, I think Glare's gonna be that kind of series for JJ, where he has like, he finds another director to come on and like, you know, develop Glare. Um, man, wouldn't it be awesome if Alex Garland got into TV for like HBO? Wouldn't that be fucking awesome? The Ex Machina yeah. director? Yeah, TV oh. is where it's at. I, I could see him doing great things for a premium channel TV show. Because I'd be—I'll be honest with you—I want Annihilation to do great, but this last trailer kind of disappointed me. Um, did you guys see the second trailer for Annihilation? No, not, not yet. I don't know. I—I I don't know, man. Jury's out, dude. I—the first trailer was so fucking good, yeah. and the, the second trailer gave away a lot of the mystery of it. And um, I, I want to see it. I can't wait to see it, man, because it's got a strong fucking cast. Uh, um, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, 
what's her name? Padme. What's her fucking name? I can't even think of her. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Uh, you know, Oscar Isaac's in it. Um, and so it's got, a, I think, oh, God, is it Tessa Thompson in that one? I don't think so. I don't think it's her. Anyway, it looks good. Looks looks like the first trailer looked good. The second trailer, like I said, didn't uh, impress me too much. So it looks looks okay. We'll see. Anyway, what do I, I got anything else? No, I, uh, you guys ready to move on into do, any last thoughts on that? I don't, Eric, I, I I feel like I didn't let you speak at all about that one. No, I I think you guys pretty much said it all, <laughs> all on right. that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> All right, let's move on into Marvel news. This episode fucking sucks, right? <laughs> a little bit. It's not our best. Yeah, fuck it. What? I'm trying to play the bumper here, and I got Steve yammering on about some bullshit over there. What are you saying? What? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, let's see here. Uh, we're getting a Black Widow movie. Uh, we found out that uh, Jack Schaefer will pen the script. This news comes from Variety. Sources say there's it's it's in early development as the film has no green light, but naming a writer is the closest the studio has come to moving forward with the standalone pick. Um, Kevin Feige met with several candidates before tapping Schaefer, and Marvel execs met with Johansson to discuss what they wanted from a Black Widow writer. Schaefer is an up-and-coming scribe who broke out with her Blacklist script, The Shower, a comedy about an alien invasion during a baby shower, which caught the eye of Anne Hathaway, who quickly snatched, uh, who quickly attached herself to star in the pick. Um, so that's really all we know at this point. And I, my question to you guys is would you want the film to be rated R? Now, keep in mind what I'm asking. I'm not asking you if the film should be rated R. I feel like that just kind of like gives answers like, like, well, it doesn't have to be. But my, my question to you is would you want to see an R-rated Black Widow film if given the choice? Um, not that it needs to be, but just like what is your preference? I think this actually could work really well as an R-rated movie. I think as a PG Marvel movie, it might suffer as just being a little bit of a paint-by-numbers, tropey Marvel spy movie. PG-13, right? Yeah, yeah. or PG-13. Yeah, I, th- I think an R Black Widow movie would make a lot of sense, especially with what we know about her character having a little bit of a darker past, even... <laughs> Yeah. The movie, even the PG thirteen movies we've seen now, have established that. So I was like, man, I, I don't know. When, when I was watching, have you guys seen the trailer for Red Sparrow, the new? Um, oh, who's what's her? God, I can't think of anybody's name. I'm still on these. Pink Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I was thinking, man, like elements of that movie, I'd love to see in a Black Widow film. <laughs> With the brainwashing and the training and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with what Jake was saying. I think I, I think it feels like they're kind of late to the party yeah. with this, and they need to do something to kind of make 
you know, to, to kick that back up a bit. I think I, I think I would like to see an R movie. And I, I, I think, like he said, her past, if it's if it's haunting her that much and we're going to see that true story, I, I think R would be the way to go. It's just a question of why is it an R? Is it an R because of the story? Is it an R just because they throw a bunch of language in there? If it's the story driving that, I, I, I think that is the right decision. I think, like, for me, I, I'm in a complete agreement with, with you, Jake, that that I would like to see it rated R for me. It's not about language. Like I, they could, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't care if there's much cursing in the movie for me. It's just basically, you've got a character who like same thing with like Deadpool, like Deadpool, the comic books, they don't, it's not like he's dropping F bombs and things like that, but it's once you get to the movies, it's, it's just nice to take that character to that next level and to like, you know, amp up the humor that much more. Um, and, but I feel like, when you're dealing with some like a super spy who's got like this troubled past that get can get into situations that are like hyper violent, I I you know like with Wolverine for so many years, and I want Black Widow to be a badass in the movies, and I think that the proper way to like portray a badass is in an R-rated film with violence because you watch like Wolverine in like the PG-13 movies, and like you see the claws, like you see you hear the claws, and you see the claws sometimes go in, but you never see like the claws actually like come out and blood squirt all over the place, and you didn't really get that until you watched Logan, and then everybody's like. This is the movie that I've been waiting 20 years for. This is the Wolverine movie that of oh, 17 years for. That I that, that when we saw Hugh Jackman the first time in X-Men, I've been waiting for that Wolverine that's going to be able to decapitate people. I want to see like like I, I don't want to just see like the claws go in. I want to see them pulled out and I want to see blood and I want to I want to see the claws go out the other side with blood and that's that's you, you got a character with fucking knives on his hand. You can it, it's going to be a bloody fucking mess, right? So that's what I want to see here with like the Black Widow. You're de- dealing with a spy who uses guns and, 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 and all these things. Like I want to see people get hurt. I want to see blood. I want to see when somebody gets shot, I want to see the bullet come out of the back of their fucking head. And you're not going to get that in a PG 13 movie. You're just not. They're going to have to put the, you know, the kibosh on some of that shit. And I feel like you can really make a great action film. And I, I, I've seen this happen with so many action films, and we've seen it happen recently, guys. Like with, remember RoboCop one, RoboCop two, and then they had RoboCop three, which okay, RoboCop one and two or R, and then they went to three, which is PG thirteen. It was terrible, and we've seen it even more recently with the Expendables films. One and two were rated R, and they were a lot of fun, and people loved going to the theater to see them. And then they dropped it down to PG thirteen for the third one, and it underperformed. And now they might not even get an Expendables four because of that. So, and I'm not, I don't know. I, I just feel like for this character, I think that this can kind of break away and be an R-rated movie. And I think that that would help with its success. So what do you think? Yeah, Steve? I agree. Otherwise it's going to be super boring. Yeah. What do you think it's Steve? Uh, <laughs> for me, every, ex- every example you brought up are talking about like the sequel to an R movie, an R-rated movie where this black widow, if it starts out at PG-13, maybe the sequel could be rated R. I mean, I definitely don't disagree where we're in the day and age where an R rating and a PG-13 rating will actually make a difference to a, a box office. You know, like with Deadpool, it 
you know, the money's out there. People are going to see an R-rated movie if it's a good story. So if they have a good story where they need all the blood and guts and everything to to enhance the story in a sense where make it feel more real, then, yeah, go for it. But if Marvel's going to be Marvel and they want to make an espionage PG-13 007 movie, go ahead. I, I, I honestly don't – like. I feel like Marvel has a grip on what they're trying to do, but I also think they're a little late in the game where – I mean, is it going to be Scarlett Johansson? Is that like nothing really is confirmed? This could be a soft reboot for all we know. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like things are up in the air, and we. Like, I'm I'm kind of more focused on what's going on with uh, Captain Marvel. Wait, wait, hold on, uh, I want to take a step back. What did you say about? We don't know if it's going to be Scarlett Johansson. Do we? It's not confirmed. The only thing that you said was confirmed was that within this rumor is that they hired a writer. Right, the movie. So, yeah, but it was it was Kevin Feige met with candidates for this. So you think Kevin Feige is meeting with candidates to write a movie so that they can write a Black Widow movie without Scarlett Johansson? I I would hope not. I just don't know when when is this movie coming out? Is this five years from now? Is Scarlett Johansson going to want to do this in three years to shoot? Sort of thing. That's all I'm getting at. Like, I would love to see her return and do it after Avengers Four and everything. I, I just don't, don't even know think where the story is like, going. I just this don't think. A, I don't is, even think like what you're saying is on the table. Like, uh, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just not. I just don't want. I don't want that to be forgotten because we're dealing with a phase that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening after Avengers Four. We don't know what's going on with the timeline and everything else. So. That 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 that's where my head is. So like this sounds good. I feel like it's just a little late to the game, and with everything that's going on, what does this mean? I, you know that that that's where my head's going. I think so it, it well, I, good. Me but, personally, I think it should be like a Black Widow origin story, and take us back, you know, to like the beginning. Um, we get to know more about that character, and I think that that would really fit into the R rating as well. Um, I never considered for a moment that they would recast. I never even thought like that was on the table with Kevin Feige being involved in this and meeting with different writers that he would actually even consider. And I think with, with you know with everything that she's brought to the character, I think that fans would be outraged if she didn't get her movie. So I don't disagree at all. I'm just saying that an origin story sounds a little too late. No, so that's that's just what I. That's not what I, that's what I would want, Steve. Like that's what I would want. I'm not saying like that's what they're doing. My that's what I'm saying. I would want personally. Like that's no, that, not that's what fine. Saying. I'm just I'm just you know that, that's just that's what I'm thinking right now with it all. Like I mean, we're going to go back 20 years with Scarlett Johansson for the whole movie. No, not not 20 years. I mean, we've only been introduced to this character for like for the past. I mean, we've 10 only ten years. Uh, no, since Iron Man two, so eight years. Eight years. So yeah, I mean, that's I'm just, just what when, I'm. When, <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's all I'm saying. Like I don't know where they're gonna go. Like this could be post Avengers Infinity War, uh, you know, movie. For all we know, um, that we're gonna get here, and uh, we'll see here, like her, like what she does for Shield on different missions and things like that. And it could be like present day that we're looking at. Like I was just saying, for me, I. I I think it would be kind of cool to like see like some of like the the top secret missions that she went back on uh, back in the day maybe like a you know get more of her origin story I think that that would be kind of cool but that's just me man so I I, don't I agree with that that's the way to go I think and that separates it with the R rating and the violence I think it gets too muddy 
if you try to make it a piece of the continuing PG-13 story. Yeah, and I think I think her origin actually lends itself to an R rating, like you're saying, Jake. Yeah, so that's that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's just personally what I. Yeah, and. Right. It does kind of like, like we've seen her in PG-13 movies and like post-Infinity War. Now we're getting like this, this Scarlett Johansson that's like, you know, popping people in the head with, you know, yeah. gun, with gunshots and things Heads like are that. exploding yeah. like Kingsman. Like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. I think, you know, maybe, maybe she softened up a little bit since she's joined up with the Avengers and we can see kind of like more of a hard course. And I mean, we're, 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 we're speculating anyway. We're just saying we'd like yeah, to see an R-rated, R-rated film and, and that, may not be what we get from this so we might just get a pg-13 movie and you know what it still might be very good so who knows yeah i'm not trying to turn down your your thoughts either i'm just giving you like you know just my my thoughts on hearing it oh i'm not trying to say like your ideas are wrong no i'm definitely trying to tell you that your ideas are wrong no (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm I'm totally kidding i'm totally kidding no i just think these are fun discussions to have um yeah Anyway, big news if this rumor is true, and it's coming from the director of the documentary The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, uh, John Schnepp. And I got this from comicbook.com. John Schnepp appeared on the most recent episode of Collider Movie Talk this week and informed the host that Tom Holland's Spider-Man, which, which was most recently seen in Spider-Man Homecoming last July, is set to make an appearance in the Tom Hardy starring Venom film which is currently in production. Quote, I'm going to say it right here on this show. Spider-Man is going to be in Venom. For the last couple months, we've been talking about Venom. We've been hearing about how Sony's keeping it all separated. Spider-Man's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but every character that's in the Spider-Man universe is separate. When Schnepp was asked if the appearance of Spider-Man might be a cameo, he hinted that it might even be more than that. Quote, like a cameo, like a who knows what yo Schnepp answered. All I'm saying is Spider-Man, and I'm talking about Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to be in Venom. Um, as for, um, yes. He added on to I, that, though, like two days I've, later. I've got that news, Steve. Trust okay, me. good. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. No, no. I've got that news. Um, <laughs> as, uh, let's see here. <laughs> yeah, you have no trust in my ability as a showrunner, do you, Steve? I just keep forgetting you're home all day and you got, you got all like, you're, you're excited to do all this. No, you know? I do this shit every week. Anyway, um, it doesn't matter if I'm off or not. I, I put, I put the time in, Steve. Um, and uh, let's see here. As for uh, the article goes on to say, as for whether or not the Spider-Man appearance will come during the actual film or as some kind of post-credit scene, Schnepp said that he couldn't answer at this time. Um, if Holland's Spider-Man does appear in the film, the speculation can begin as to whether or not Sony's Venom will have some kind of connection to the MCU. All of the Spider-Man characters' rights belong to Sony, but they have a deal with Marvel Studios for Spider-Man himself, along with others, to appear in MCU films. Um, it's directed by Ruben Fleischer, with Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed, Jenny Slate, and Woody Harrelson. Venom is set to hit theaters on October 5th. A couple days later, and in a new talk with Collider, Schnepp revealed this, uh, quote, Tom Holland was on set filming scenes on Venom for at least two days as Peter Parker. Okay, so I'm not saying Spider-Man is in the film. When I say Tom Holland, Spider-Man is in the film. I'm saying Peter Parker is in the film. So, Jake, I I really I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this. This is one of those things like like we've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Um, How do you how do you feel about? 
Peter Parker showing up in the Venom film. I mean, I, I'm actually glad. I, it, to me, it needed that. I, I just thought it was going to be just too much of a, we're trying to sell this on how cool Venom is without tying it into Spider-Man's origin like I really want it to be. So I, I'm a fan of this. This yeah. is a step in the right direction. Can we talk about this, though? That Peter Parker's showing up in an R-rated Venom film to what capacity, right? Yeah, it, it, that is a very interesting aspect of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, oof, that, that's almost taboo that they're going to do that. It, I, I'm very surprised, and but I am glad. I mean, it's a very ballsy move, and I'm surprised Marvel isn't putting up a bigger fight to keep this a bit more separate. Well, they have no choice. It's not their yeah, character. Yeah. Well, I know they have no choice, but I'm surprised they're not, you know, at least. Well, I mean. We're not hearing any reports of them having any issues with it. By what, this ar- what this article says, which is not everything that I've that we've actually read or gone over on the show. We've actually said, like, on the show, and we've, we've heard interviews where they've said um, basically that, that Spider-Man is in the MCU. And that it means that, you know, Spider-Man um, can show up in a Marvel film and other characters can be referenced in a Marvel film. But it's not like Captain America and, and Captain America can show up in a Spider-Man movie. But it's not like it's not like we're going to get Venom or we're not going to get like um, uh, Iron Man showing up in the Venom film or or something like that. It's like kind of like what we got, like. It's all set in the same universe, but we're not going to see all the characters interact within the Sony, the Sony MCU and the Marvel MCU. But now they're saying they're kind of throwing some of that out the window. I, I'm not saying that Iron Man's going to show up in the Venom film. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that it sounds like Spider-Man's going to be more involved in this than than we originally thought. So I don't know. Yeah, I like it. That's good news. So where's it leading to, though? Is it is it just is I mean, is it leading to a Spider-Man Venom film eventually? And I mean, and and how is that going to go? Is it going to go? Are we going to stick with the R rating? Or are we going to just drop it back down to PG thirteen? I don't understand. I, I, it's, I'm still kind of lost on this. Like Eric, what are just, you uh, what are you thinking? You know, I I'll be honest. I, I'm just a little indifferent to it all. I mean. If you're just giving me an end credit scene with with Tom Holland or if Peter Parker just makes an appearance in there, what's the real point to that? Just to say, you know, this is just a nod that, yes, they're in the same universe. Um, I mean, I've I've struggled from the beginning with the idea of a Venom story without Spider-Man being more of a a major player in it. And if he's still not going to be a major player, I mean, I'm not a against it i guess there's not really anything that makes me go well if they're not going to make him you know the the main the main foil then there's no point but i i guess i i'm just i, I know a lot of people were, were were kind of excited about this it just didn't really move the meter for me at all i i guess i don't really feel any different now than before this story you know I'm excited for the the casting. I mean, the cast is just on point. Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed, yeah. Jenny Slate, Woody Harrelson. Like, like that's an all star cast right there. And yeah. you know, Ruben Fleischer. I've only seen Zombieland. I, I haven't seen any of his other work. But you know, I'm. I don't know. That that's kind of like what has me excited. 
here. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it's, it's one of the, it, it, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. What I was going to say was, I, 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 and I agree with everything you said there. Eric, this story just on. doesn't make me any more or less. Yeah, um, excited than I was before. What I what I like about the movie is the casting and everything that we've heard, seen going on so far. I think me like many people, I I was very lukewarm when it was initially announced. Even though I'm like, ooh, well, Tom Holland, yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm good there. But now, you know, now I, I I'm I, I, now I, I'm interested. Uh, but that's because of the Venom story, the movie, the casting. This doesn't really move the di- move the dial for me, you know. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Um, actually, Eric, our connection with you is not great, so I'm gonna stop right here real quick, and we're gonna I'm gonna get you back on the horn. So hold on. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Steve, what are you thinking about uh, this news? This new news coming to light with Spider-Man actually going to be. You know, Peter Parker going to be in this film. I think we're just one step closer to a R-rated Black Widow movie. Uh, no, but I'm actually pretty excited <laughs> about this, uh, to be honest with you, because uh, I was really worried that what's the point of Venom if there's no – the reason they have Venom highlighted in, as a title is because people know him from Spider-Man. So if he's not even going to show up, it's going to be fucking really, really weird. And Peter Parker is all we need. He's still in high school. And it seems like we're doing this like Agent Venom thing. So whatever's going on with Tom Hardy, I'm just. It seems like they're they're built. Sony's building up their own Spider Verse, where the the Avengers style type of movie is going to be Spider Man vs Venom. That's how I'm seeing it. And I think that's a pretty cool type of build up and a little bit different than what we're usually getting. So uh, this makes me even more excited. I'm not saying that that Venom vs Spider Man movie will be rated R. Because it might not need to be, but we'll know from the R-rated movie of Venom who he is. And I don't know. I, they could make this Venom versus Spider-Man movie. You don't need to see Venom first, but if you do, it's a treat type of thing, you know? I don't know. This this seems pretty cool. Yeah, Jake, I, I know you got more to say about this. Yeah, have you guys – am I the only one that – we all heard that it's going to be loosely based off the Lethal Protector stuff. But in the last few weeks, I've heard a lot of rumblings that – there's also a lot of the planet of the symbiote storyline being thrown in here too. Well, they and had it, they had the they had I forget it was Tom Hardy showed up to a convention in Brazil I believe it was. Oh yeah, you're right, the Brazilian convention. And he did confirm that it's going to be based on Lethal Protector. So I mean, they might be pulling from other stories, but all we know officially, I believe, is that it's based off of Lethal Protector. Okay, so which one's Lethal Protector then? Because maybe I'm thinking of something else. Then. It's the first like solo Venom story where there's like five different Venoms. Oh yeah, it, it's still Brock. It, it's Brock for the first time trying to do good in the, in the Venom suit, basically. Oh, so do you think maybe then whatever happens in Avengers Infinity War that the symbiote comes back and we actually see it coming to Earth and then we get Venom in October? I, As far as where the symbiote comes from, there's been some discussion about that. And the origin of the symbiote might be completely different here. It might be a laboratory that invents it, that actually okay. – it, and I don't know this though, and like, cause we don't know, like, at the, at first reports were like, Riz Ahmed is gonna be playing Carnage. And then all of a sudden, like, Woody Harrelson, now, now Riz Ahmed is gonna be like the, he's gonna be the guy, now I'm hearing like, he's gonna be the guy that accidentally creates like the symbiote or whatever. Like, they're, they're trying to, 
they're trying to find it and figure out a way to like, I think like, I don't know, use it for like medical purposes and try to like help people as far as like, um, Ooh, I think that's the, um, the ultimate the universe. Ultimate venom stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the ultimate venom stuff. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what they're doing here. They're not 100% sure, but, um, and so like, Riz Ahmed might be playing Carnage. It might be Woody Harrelson playing Carnage. And I don't know if the symbiote is actually alien or if it's some kind of like man-made science. So, it's, so there's a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. So then what my, my only, my last question is since Venom shoots webs because of Spider-Man, do you think this Venom will not be shooting any webs? I do. I don't think that this Venom will be. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Yeah, it looks like at this uh, CCXP, Fleischer said that both books are the biggest influence for 2018's Venom. Okay. That being Venom, Lethal Protector, and the Planet of the Symbiotes that ran through the annuals. Okay. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So that makes me think they're going to be just throwing a ton of symbiotes at the wall, not just Carnage. Yeah. So why even bring up Planet of the Symbiotes if you're not planning on just having symbiote fever? And I I don't necessarily think that's the worst idea. It's definitely going to be very alluring to people if we're seeing just, you know, venom suits all over the place, venom, toxin, carnage, all that kind of stuff. I kind of hope they wouldn't do that for the first movie, but I get the attraction and the desire to want to do that, you know, bring a crowd. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, if they do the thing where like Riz Ahmed turns into Carnage at the end of the film, I'll be like, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I really think it's not going to be at the end of the film. And I honestly could see the Spider-Man stuff yeah. being at the beginning of the film. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we just yada yada the origin of Venom, basically. Like, it's almost like the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. But what where is, you just uh, my question you know, to you is like, why is okay? Why is Peter Parker showing up in this story at all? Is do we see Peter Parker seeing this on the news, like in the like in Brooklyn? Because this story takes place in San Francisco, so he's on the other side of the United States. So, oh shit! Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that we we see him at the beginning of the movie to get from point A to point B? Yeah, like we do the Venom origin in five to ten minutes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we get Venom in San Francisco because that's the only way to explain. Like Spider Man's not going. The reason Venom's in San Francisco in the first place is to get away from Spider Man, which leads me to believe that we're going to see all that stuff dealt with at the beginning of the movie. Well, see, this is gonna, <laughs> uh, this is. I think I think that this is my second most anticipated movie of the of 2018, just because it, it, it's such a a mystery and. I don't know. See, that's what, that's what, because I don't know if this movie is going to be good or not. I want it to be amazing, but, um, not that this means anything, Brian, because yeah. you know how it works. Like, yeah. just, just cause they're saying it's based off of lethal protector and yeah. just of all that. But here, here's a little bit of synopsis from that. Okay. Um, it's the very first Venom series written by David Michelin. Venom and Spider-Man agree to leave each other alone as long as Venom doesn't cause any more trouble. And to that end, Eddie Brock, heads off to San Francisco, where he takes on a role of vigilante on a path of redemption. However, a bunch of new Venoms appear, forcing the real Venom to take them down one by one, eventually with the help of Spider-Man at the end. Hmm. So maybe, like, Spider-Man, Holland's going to bookend it if we're following that blueprint. Yeah, yeah. We'll see the two part ways, and then we'll see Spider-Man show up to see that 
you know, Venom actually did keep to his word and is trying to do good things and help him out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. I, I, I can tell you one thing. I think we're going to get some great action in this movie. I mean, they've got some guys, the Korea, the, like the stunt choreographers they got, they got, didn't they get some guys from fucking, uh, like Captain America Civil War to help them out with this? And oh, that's cool. I mean, they pulled, I think they pulled a bunch of like, uh, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. They pulled like a bunch of like action stunt choreographers from like some really great action films that are working on this. So I'm looking. Well, and, uh, that lead, the lead writer wasn't she? She was a writer on Terra Nova too, wasn't she, Brian? Really? I think so, if I remember right. Oh wow! Shit, that's, that's fucked up, dude. Terra Nova. I watched every episode, but the last episode. <laughs> oh, you said that. That's crazy. Same. My mom. I thought the last episode was the best episode. That's what you said. Far. I need to. I need to. I need to finish it. Um, my mom texted me last night. And she's like, "I'm watching a movie. It's so good right now. It's called Don't Bother." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, mom, I was like, mom, that the movie's called Don't Breathe. <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother. Yeah. And the reason I mention this guy is because Stephen Lang is the main, the blind guy in Don't Breathe. And he's also, Stephen Lang was also a character in Terra Nova. So um, anyway, moving on. Captain Marvel news reported that uh, Brie Larson visited an Air Force base in prep for her role as Captain Marvel. Uh, quote, this is what they wrote on Instagram. Brie is visiting the USA Air Force. Um, Captain Marvel is coming, Core. She's going to see the F-15 for Captain Marvel. And then um, they, they found Captain Marvel news they found a post on Instagram by a guy, Don Wallace, showing Brie Larson visiting the Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. Brie has a flight suit on, and then apparently Larson was checking out F-15 fighters. So we're hopefully going to see Carol piloting an F-15 in Captain Marvel. So I basically kind of like wanted to report this because I know – I mean I, I'm not I'm not saying like, oh, she's – a lot of actors do this and they, they study for the roles and things like that. But I think that this is really cool that she, that, you know, she's getting a feel for the character, getting a feel for like, you know, that, that life, that Air Force life. And it's just also just cool as a reminder that we're getting a Captain Marvel movie, guys, like next year. And I'm excited and I can't wait to see it. So yeah, I'm glad you reported on this. I thought this was a fun news blurb too. Yeah, and uh, so I'm glad she's taking it this seriously. Have any of you seen um, the film? It's kind of a funny story. Mm-mm. It's it's a it's a comedy with Zach Galifianakis, Jim Gaffigan, Laura Graham, and the team that directed that movie is Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck. Well, they're they're the directors for the Captain Marvel film. So I didn't know if any of you had seen that movie. I have not seen it. So, but, um, that the, um, that's, I, I, that's the thing that we're seeing a lot with Marvel is like Marvel is taking these comedy directors and, and, and giving them action films. It's really like we, we've seen it with, uh, you know, the, the Russo brothers and like even Sony. Sony had the, what was it? The, Taika Waititi. Well, Taika Waititi. Yeah. But like even Sony had like the, the scribes for the Spider-Man movie were, were comedy guys, you know, um, we're going to talk about that later here, but, uh, and oh, also last bit of news about Captain Marvel. Uh, Brie Larson was spotted in Atlanta recently, so she uh, they're speculating that she's going to be a last-minute addition to Avengers Infinity War reshoots going on. So she might show awesome. up in Avengers Infinity War, and I'm talking about... Um, nice. I'm talking about three. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> Because uh, she was th- basically Marvel is so good with like keeping secrets. They are really good about keeping secrets. And like for all the media outlets, we're reporting like no Captain Marvel in Infinity War at all, none, none. And now we're finding out that she was in Atlanta, so she might actually appear in the movie, which is like going to be a huge surprise for a lot of people if if they do see that. Marvel is so good with this. Like we saw like what they did with like the original trailer for the Infinity War, the leaked one that they that they. You know, we, Thor had both eyes at that time. Um, and, oh, yeah, I love that. Well, Jake, I, they've even gone back in the past, and they brought Michael Rooker on to the Infinity War set just to get people off the, you know, the trail that like uh, that he that he died in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. They didn't want people to know that he died in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, so they brought him onto the Infinity War set just to have him hang out. Just so that the, that that it wouldn't rise to suspicion, like oh, guess who didn't show up for Guardians of the Galaxy uh, for uh, in Infinity War? You know, we haven't seen. They go through all those lengths, and then Ruffalo shows up and leaves his phone on. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, or some fucking uh, New Zealand outlet or Australian outlet, like just basically like ruins the fact that Hella is Thor's sister live on oh. on a morning show. Um, God, that was one of my favorites too. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They, there was a shakeup for some uh, Fox date. For some Fox films being released, uh, first shakeup in the release date is uh, the New Mutants has been delayed ten months. Now coming uh, out on February twenty second, two thousand nineteen. It was originally scheduled for April of this year. I mean, I've seen New Mutants trailers in movies recently that I've gone to see, and now this movie's been pushed 10 months out. Uh, as a result, Deadpool 2 has been brought forward to May 18th of this year, so we'll see Deadpool 2 two weeks earlier than the original release date. So why did we have this... Sh- <laughs> why, why the shake-up? Especially, what's the deal with New Mutants? Like, I've got a couple, I've got a couple outlets that are reporting two different theories. Um, what do you guys think? Or do you want me to read these theories first? Uh, what's the, what's the date it was coming out again? I mean, at at one point now that these movies are owned by Disney, they might as well at least make sure they're not competing with their own stuff, especially the stuff that already had announced release dates. I, that, I feel like that has to be a little bit of a strategy. Well, I don't, I don't know that it would, I don't know that the Disney deal is going to even be completed this yeah, year. What you think? I, I think it's going to take it's probably months. in it's, the next year. It's eighteen months before everything's finalized. Yeah, so they 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 don't they don't have the power to shuffle around release dates. That's a, this is a Fox decision. Well, I would. I mean, you know, I, I, this was something we kind of talked a little bit about on the Supercast because I've been on the vendor side of two companies like this merging, and it's always really weird in the background of these things because until it's official, you, you're making decisions for both sides, but you also are hearing the side buying them, you know, as to where they want to go. It's always at least for what I was involved in, it was, it's kind of weird. So that there may be that there may be a little bit of a stronger voice for Disney, but they're still got to go ahead. Like it's not official and not going to happen. You can, it, it's a weird balance, a weird uh, tightrope that they walk in a scenario like that. Yeah. I hope it's not 
they've completely lost any faith thematically of what they were trying to do. And they're, and they're going to completely reshuffle this movie, like with reshoots and stuff. I hope that's not what's going on here. All right. Here's, so, uh, I don't know. let me give you a couple of, uh, there, there's, uh, two different, um, reactions to this news. Uh, the first comes from tracking board. They're saying Fox wants to make new mutants scarier quote, Word on the street is that after the film tested, well, after the film tested well, but not great, the studio decided to actually embrace the film's horror elements and beef up the scares in the wake of the success of It and Get Out last year. So that's what the tracking board is reporting. Um, Hollywood reporters are reporting something completely different. So it's like, I don't know who to believe uh, in this case, Hollywood Reporter has heard differently, and their sources are telling them that Fox has moved New Mutants because in 2018, Fox has too many X-Men movies on their slate, and they don't want to confuse foreign markets when Deadpool 2, when Deadpool 2 and New Mutants would be in theaters at the same time in some of those foreign markets. So, Deadpool 2, and the new mutants in some foreign markets would be released around the same time and they didn't want to confuse audiences that I think that that is bullshit. Like these movies like tonally and thematically could not be any more fucking different. You're not going to confuse anybody at all. Well, and we're real close to Gambit too, right? I mean, that's that's right around the corner. Deep fucking hell, Gambit's <laughs> yeah. The, the Gore Verbinski's gone. That movie is uh, on the back burner indefinitely. But oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, um, Dead. What do you? I, I don't know. I I happen to side maybe a little bit more with like what the tracking board's saying. I, I feel like the THR report, like the Hollywood Reporter, saying like. It'll confuse foreign markets that these two are in the theaters at the same time is, is, well, I don't know, man. It's like 10 months is a long time to push it out. And I I don't think you're going to confuse audiences when you've got like fourth wall breaking dick and fart joke Deadpool 2. And then you've got a movie that's basically, it's called New Mutants, but it's a horror film with teenagers. I don't, I don't see how it's going to confuse the foreign markets. Yeah, I agree. Unless they try to like splash it up by putting X stuff in the title, I think they already did a good job of brand separating. Yeah, like I guarantee you, like I'd say, like most people that have watched the trailer for the New Mutants, um, if they're not a comic book fan, have no idea that it's an X Men film. I agree. If if it doesn't show, if it doesn't show, like you know, Cyclops or Wolverine in it, people are not going to know. That it's that it's an it's based in the X Men universe. Like Steve, what are you thinking after all these quotes? This is bad. Uh, <laughs> this is so bad. I'm, so, uh, or I'll eat my shoe and it's really great in February. But like yeah. you said, ten months is not something to be bragging or even announcing about. I don't I don't understand the situation. Um, and the only good news about this is that we get Deadpool, Avengers, and Han Solo in three weeks. Uh, other than that, it's just like I, the trailers actually looked good. So uh, it sounds like they don't have any uh, trust in what they have, and they're going to be reshooting what sounds like most of the movie. I think what makes sense is either what Jake said and that Disney wants to basically it has to do about whatever money they're going to make in what fiscal year. 
um, and they want to move it ahead. Uh, I, I don't know. Or I, it does make sense, like what the tracking board's saying here, that they've seen, they've, they saw it and they saw Get Out and they want to make their movie a little bit more in line with those films. They, they, they see the formula for success and, and they want to kind of like, uh, get in on that. And, um, yeah, you know. but you're saying that it got moved or pushed back 10 months. It's yeah. still over a year for us now. Sure. And it, it, this is, in my opinion, too late in the game. If they had announced this back in November, or they or September or even early December, where most of the box office numbers for it were finalized, it'd make more sense. You could always have a combination of the two as well, where they're, you know, they, they where they 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 previewed it for the audiences. They got the feedback. They're deciding to move it, and they're getting input from Disney. If we're going to have to push it out, where do you want it? Yeah, but this is also a new. Uh... This is also a new director for them. This isn't Simon Kidberg. This isn't um, Brian Singer. You know, True. this is somebody new. So at the same time, this could be like Garth Edwards or whatever his name was for Rogue One before the reshoots with that. That's all. It just this day and age, especially with uh, Fantastic Four as well, this director could just be playing ball. I don't know. I just um, we'll see what the, what happens with this yeah. one. I, I I feel like. I feel like this movie is still in a good position to where if they if they if they do make the right reshoots and um, and do make it scarier and things like that, that it's it's basically guys, we're looking at a, a horror film. We're not looking at a movie that's going to have a budget like X-Men Apocalypse um, that that like where like if the movie's terrible, it's not going to be able to make that money back. Um, this is going to be. Pretty much low budget. Yeah, I think even with the reshoots, I think they'll right. be able to keep this at. I'm just saying, like, if, if it's a good horror movie and if it comes out at a time when there are no other good horror movies out in theaters, I, I think it still has a good chance to make its money back. I've seen some pretty shitty movies make a lot of money, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and even look what Blue Mouse Studios is 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 doing with their yeah. films. You know, they're I mean, that's that's their bread and butter is those those movies that are going to end up typically making five, six, seven times their budget. Yeah, I just, I just think that I feel like this movie's not doomed yet, just yet. I, I feel like you know, um, like it, yeah, I, I feel like it can make its money back pretty easily with it being. You know, like basically a horror film with not a huge budget, and if it comes out at the right time to where there's not a lot of other horror movies to for it to compete with, I think it could do well. So, yeah, and it, all that matters is what the final product is. So I could be eating my shoe, and it's a great movie in, in over a year from now. But at the same time, hit with with what we've known from just history of like these type of news articles. Oh, no, no, no. It, I agree. It does, in a bad place. I, I don't think it's going to be a good movie, personally. I, I don't. Uh, maybe oh. with the reshoots, it'll be okay. I don't. I never had faith in it to begin with. Um, but you know, I, but I also know that I'm not their target audience. Um, I usually don't go for those kind of movies. But, um, but this I, is I, one of your favorite characters in X Men in general, right? Aren't you a huge fan of magic? Yeah, but not the, not not the way she looks or the way the portrayal here that we see. In, oh. in this, I mean, this is not the magic that I know from the comics. I mean, I, I don't see her, 
you know, I, from what I've seen, it's just it's just a girl in a like in a fucking mental institution or something. It, it it's not like this big sword wielding, you know, girl who's conflicted and can you know sometimes goes to hell. I mean, that's not what I'm. Right. Seeing it. And this yeah. sounds so loosely connected to what we know as the New Mutants that I, it, it's almost like why are you using that name? But yeah, power. Are we not expecting her to be Colossus's uh, sister? Then I don't. I, no, I mean I, they don't have to do that. I don't think. Like, is this going to really tie into like the Deadpool Colossus? Right. I mean, it, that that right. Doesn't, doesn't make sense to know. me. No, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I, right. I think like. I think that if if it does get referenced in the Deadpool movie, it'll be like a fourth wall breaking joke, like you know. But and that it'll go no further. I don't ever expect to see like those two characters on screen together at the same time at all. Um, but you know, who knows? Stranger Things have been done. I don't know. It's uh, I, this movie's not made for me. I, I think this movie is actually made for a broader audience. <laughs> so uh, you know, the, uh, for the horror fans, it's made for those people that that like that want to go see the horror movies. And I, I, you know, I think it'll it'll pull in the Marvel comic book crowd, and it's also going to pull in like um, you know your horror fan. You know, and I, I think it's, I think it'll, <laughs> I guess they're worried about it not being a good movie. I honestly think that they could release this in, um, in April of this year, and I think it still would have made a lot of money. I really do. Um, I agree with that too. Yeah, even even if it's not a great film, I still think it would have made a lot of money. I definitely think it would have made its money back. I don't think the, the I don't think like the this is not going to be a hundred million dollar movie, guys. Like this is going to be like a, I think it's going to be anywhere between like a forty to sixty million dollar movie, in my opinion. It's going to cost a little bit more now with the reshoots, but you know, I think it could easily make that back. I really do, but. All right, guys. Sebastian Stan, who plays uh, the Winter Soldier in the Marvel films, talked to Ace Comic Con and revealed that he's recently talked to Hugh Jackman about joining him in the MCU. And here's what he said. Quote, recently, I happened to be sitting next to Hugh Jackman. I didn't know what other awkward thing I could talk about, but be but to be like, ah, am I going to see you soon? He said a couple of things to me, and I'll just leave it at that. Otherwise, I feel like I'm going to get into trouble with somebody. Um, I asked him, though, because I kept thinking whether or not Logan was supposed to be in the last Wolverine thing or whatever, and he said to me he's been thinking about it, and it's been on his mind. So I don't know. He may be. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me to bring him yeah, in. Yeah, that's weird. It doesn't make sense to me to see Hugh Jackman just come back. I, I mean, for one movie to play it. Mm, yeah, right? if it happens, it's going to be in some Marvel stuff, not in just one more dumb X Men movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. 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 That's exactly like, like that's what Sebastian Stan is saying here. Like, I don't. I don't think we're going to see Hugh like in like Dark Phoenix, which I think like Dark Phoenix is going to be kind of like. Um, the end of that whole universe. Um, as oh, we, let's hope it's got to be. I mean, with Mar- with with Marvel Studios getting those characters back, and you know, it's got to be the final nail in the coffin of the singer verse. It's just I don't know. It's just I don't know. Sebastian stands talking to Hugh Jackman, and Hugh Jackman's 
I, I think you should just say, no, I'm done. I'm done. I've done it. I, I play, I, I played Wolverine for 17 years. I can't, I'm not going to commit to, to be in that shape all the time, but you never know, man. They like, they might, could they convince him to come back with gray hair and give us an old man Logan story or something? Or like, did we just see that? Did we just, see, did we just see that movie? Like, I'm, I'm kind of just like, let's move on and let's get, let's just cast the new, let's cast the new Wolverine. He went out on such a high note. Don't, yeah. don't, don't tarnish that. Let it, let it go. Right. Don't, it's time to let it go. Yeah. Don't be Jordan. And come back to the Wizards for two seasons. Right. You know. Let's end it. Let's yeah. end it shooting over Byron Russell in Utah. All right. Let's yep. end it. That's yep. what he did. If he went out on top. So it's, <sighs> it, it, what do you think, Jake? Leave it to the Wolverine franchise to even mess up the good landing in this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I, I completely agree with you. It's like, in a lot of ways, I don't want to see him make that cameo because then it tarnishes the fact that they actually did it right for once. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like him sitting at the bar and says, fuck you. I, no, I can look no. with that. No, he already did it. He did it. And he did an X-Men first class. And we got, we all laughed when he said, fuck off. And it was fun. But like, I, no, I just like, like, like that should be like the last, that should be the final movie for him and Patrick Stewart, man. Like if, if you introduce the X-Men into this new universe by the end of like Avengers Infinity, you know, Avengers 4, you know, they introduce the X-Men, like the X-Men come out of a portal or something or whatever it may be. Um, after the events of Infinity War, you know, we just—I think we just need to see a brand new Wolverine, and um, people just need to accept that we're going to get a new Wolverine. Just accept it. Like, like he can't—he can't be the character. He had an epic run on that character. He can't be that character. You know, for another, we can't. You know, Marvel MCU Phase, you know, four or whatever. We can't have him ten years. <laughs> Playing this character for another ten years, we're gonna, we, we're gonna kill Hugh Jackman. <laughs> he physically can't do it. So I don't know. I just think just recast. It's fine. Yeah, we can we can always just write fan fiction if we need more Hugh Jackman Wolverine in Marvel Universe. Yeah, I don't even know who I'd want them to cast as Wolverine. To be quite honest with you. Oof. Before I would have told you Tom Hardy, but he's he's Venom now, so. Yeah, yeah, that's that, I, definitely weird. Yeah, my choice would be take a break and move on with like X twenty three or someone for a while. I, I think think you can let it sit and don't touch it, but they probably won't do that. Oh, you gotta have you gotta have Wolverine. Man, come on, man. If part of me, dude, is like before Robert Downey Jr. leaves the franchise as Iron Man, I want to see him in a scene with Wolverine, right? Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's hard to not want to see that. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't wait to see Wolverine in Avengers Four. But I, I actually think the easiest thing to do is just have Cable to go get X twenty three and use her as the lead in X Factor. We don't. We, but we don't even know. Like, is X Factor even going to get made now? Or X Force? X Force. X Force. Oh, X Force. Sorry, yeah. X Force. I don't know. That I mean, that that's I think the easiest way for Fox to deal with. But yeah, with now the whole change up, who who knows? But yeah, uh, I think that would be the easiest thing to do. If Deadpool two does the movie, the money that we think it possibly could do, I, I think it's I, it's tough to pass on that. You know. Oh man, I just want to see I just want to see Cable and Thanos in the same scene together. Ha. 
That's all I want to see, man. That's fun. That is all I want to see, dude. Uh, that'd be amazing. Anyway, James Gunn was uh, doing a Q&A on Twitter and was asked this question by a fan. If Disney succeeds in, in purchasing Fox, will it change your story for Guardians of the Galaxy 3? To which James Gunn simply responded with, no. So people had been speculating that maybe he'd change up the team a little bit, um, maybe add, you know, the thing or Kitty Pride to the team. Kitty Pride recently in the comics was the new Star Lord. So, you know, people were thinking, and we know, you know, James Gunn has said that this is the last time we're going to see this version of the Guardians together. So a lot of speculation there. So, um, what we do know is that James Gunn in no way does the Fox Disney acquisition uh in no way does it change this story so i I think that's really great news i mean there's a lot of fan fan service stuff you'd like to see him do but it gives me confidence that he knows what he's gonna do and has a clear direction and he's confident in that yeah i'm glad exactly i mean i mean he's been leading up now to this adam warlock business and i think that's where the movie should go right yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want this. Like, to me, if all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw in this guy for, you know, Galactus now because I can. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Save all that, you know, save all that, you know, if, uh, you know, the Fox uh, acquisition stuff. You know, if you're going to use it, save it all for, like, the post credit scenes or something, you know? I agree with that. Build up to it. Don't just, like, shoot yep. it out in one wad in Guardians 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, also, Avengers 4 completes Chris Hemsworth's contract with Marvel, and he says, of course, he'd be willing to come back. Um, do you guys think that, uh, do you, do you think that, do you think that we are gonna get Chris Hemsworth returning as Thor for future films, or do you think that they've completed his character arc? Uh, spoilers for Ragnarok, Asgard blew the fuck up, so, um, we don't know if, you know, uh, Tom, uh, what's his name? Tom Hiddleston? Tom Hiddleston? Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. God, I was thinking like Tom Hiddlesworth, Tom Hiddleston, I don't know what his fucking name is. (laughs) Anyway, Tom Hiddleston, we know that like, we don't know what his deal is. We don't know if he's coming back. Like, do you think that they, they, they're wrapping up his story to like give us like a female Thor, maybe like have Tessa Thompson take over the role? Or do you think that we are going to have, or, you know, he could be unworthy Thor for a while. We don't know. Like, like, uh, what do you think? Do you think that they're going to allow, they're going to have Chris Hemsworth come back? Um, as to, I, I think with him being willing and I, I honestly, with him not having else, anything else in his career, um, blowing up for him at the moment, I think that they can keep this guy around for <laughs> quite a long time. I agree. I think he has no worries. I think, he, I think everyone recognizes that Ragnarok kind of breathes some new life into the character and the franchise. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see another Chris Hemsworth solo Thor movie in his future, honestly. I, I see him having a higher chance of getting a solo movie of any of the big three. You know, Iron Man and Captain America. Right? Thor, Thor 4, that's hard to say. Yeah. Seems like there's better odds for that than Iron Man 4 or Cap 4. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, cause like if, 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 if Cap, if Cap does die, I don't know that they're going to give, that they're gonna give like Sebastian Stan his own film. 
Yeah, I feel like all that'll happen in all the movies, like without him having his own movie. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I loved, and I didn't even talk about it this episode, for as much as I loved Itania, and I did, I thought it was great. Sebastian Stan plays Jeff Galuli in it, and he's really good in it. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they'd give like, you know, Bucky his own film as Captain America. So yeah. How many films does he have left on his contract after Avengers 4? Who? Uh, Sebastian Stan? Yeah. Well, I mean, he signed a nine-contract deal, and he's been in three or four films? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not sure how many are left, but I don't think they have any worry of losing him any yeah. time. No, I, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think, you, because he'll have, what, maybe three or four more film contracts after that. Well, so. they, don't, they don't even have to use him necessarily. For, like, they've signed him for that many movies, but, like, they could sure. stop after seven and be like, yeah, we're done. You're, you know. Sure. You know, it's not guaranteed. So, but, uh, yeah, I think Hemsworth will come back. Out of the, out of the out of the three, I think Hemsworth will come back. Um, man, I I don't know, man. I was I've always wanted to think that Chris Evans would come back. I don't know, man. Um, he sounds more inclined to come back now. If it sounds like he's fallen in love with the character more, and like what I don't know. I I, I don't know if he'd be willing to like give. How do you give that up? How do you give up like being Captain America? <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he has fallen in love with. <laughs> the ideals of the character yeah. and he's very much taken to that as his like presence on social media and yeah. Twitter and stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't think he'd very easily give that up. I agree with you, Brian. Yeah. I even think if they do kill him off, it's just only a matter of five years or less that he's just right back anyway. So Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Man, uh, <laughs> how long are they going to keep this guy around? Uh, yeah, I think he has the highest odds of being, being the one that we see disappear. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's he's gone after four. After yeah. Yeah, five at the latest since they were filmed back to back, right? Uh, Avengers five. Uh, that, that, that's what I meant. Four, like three. Oh, three four, four. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Oh man. Right. We'll see. Only time will tell. All right. Let's move on into uh, DC news, guys. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Alright, more rumors about the Batman coming from RevengeOfTheFans.com. Basically, they're being told, uh, that, uh, the studio is over Affleck. Uh, I was asking my source for any updates regarding what I wrote a couple months back. Namely, is Gyllenhaal officially our next Batman yet? And, uh, their source basically said Gyllenhaal is probably Batman. Affleck is not out of it yet. That's the thing. He still has a contract, but the studio is sour on him. If Ben rolls, Jake is in kind of a weird web. These guys know they control each other's destiny. So, yeah. So, wow. Um, what the fuck, man? What the fuck is going on here? Do you like, um, I, mean, I'm I don't that. think Matt Reeves wants to make that movie where it's Ben Affleck's just there because he won't jump out of his big money contract. No, no, I, I agree with you. And 
it's oh man it's it's so weird because it's like one one minute it, ben affleck's all over the place I, I it's hard to keep tabs on like how he's feeling like from one day to the next one minute he's directing the batman film the next minute he's not directing the batman film matt reeves is directing the batman film but he's still gonna star in it and now and then his brother's saying he's leaving and then you know ben affleck's giving quotes saying like you know i don't know you know what my future is for batman and then the next thing you know is like then, he, then Ben's saying something like, I would like to direct maybe another DC project. Like, are you in or are you out? Are you going to shit or get off the toilet? Like, what the fuck is going on? I don't know what's going on here. Like, yeah, it, no one does. Th- th- there's got to be more of a direction. Can you, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it, it's, it's, yeah, I'm not saying Marvel's perfect. Marvel's had their fair share of like problems with like directors in the past. Like we can talk about the Edgar Wright thing all fucking day, and uh, you know we can talk about that. But like, I feel like like there's there's not a there's not the cornerstone of the DCEU right now is Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins. Other than that, I like that, there's nothing else. There's nothing else in my opinion. Um, Jumanji, Jumanji in its third week has outgrossed the Justice League. <laughs> oh, I, I, who would have ever guessed that? I mean, Jumanji almost seemed like a flop on paper. <laughs> it's got, it's got the rock in it. You know, like that right there, that right there is going to put more butts in seats. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, in a post-Baywatch world, I was thinking it could happen, and Jumanji was one of the, like, I'm very, Jumanji was a great movie, and, you know, I'm not surprised that word of mouth got it some big tickets, but who would have saw this, you know, a year ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, it came out at the right time, it's got the right mix of you know people in it i mean you know you got jack black and my mom likes jack black like that's fucked up i live in a world where my mom likes jack black you know that's (laughs) like back jack black used to be like back in the day it was like he was that dude on mr show and like you know he sung the kick me in the cunt song on the the ronnie dobbs movie run ronnie run like and my mom yeah remake of the jackal yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. And here we are 20, 20 years later. My mom's a fan. So it's, it's fucking weird. But like, I don't know, man. Uh, this, this Batman mess is crazy. I, I, how, how long are, are DCEU, DC fans are going to be able to handle, uh, do this? I don't know. It's like, I, I, are they waiting till Flashpoint to get rid of Ben Affleck, or I don't, I don't, I don't know what the where the direction is. Poor Flashpoint. Is. Flashpoint's such a great storyline, and it, because the DC fucking movie universe messed everything up, they have they have to use it in such a way. I mean, I'm glad they have that tool, but it's unfortunate that this is why it has to be used. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm just worried in general. These new the, this and like then everything with Flash and the new directors is just like who knows the hell. Why would Gyllenhaal want to touch this though? Right? I I, I get it. It's I'm, Matt Reeves. I mean, you get a chance to work with Matt Reeves yeah. as your director, and like if Gyllenhaal does sign on to this, it means that Gyllenhaal's read the script and he's very confident that this can be a great movie. So. Um, the only thing I can think, the only other thing I can think of is Matt Reeves just moved his entire like t- 
team to Netflix so he might have a deal in place where if he does Batman, maybe he'll have something to do with his team and Netflix for a film as well. What? No, How does this connect to Netflix? What? No, Matt Reeves, he, he moved all of his if, – if I remember correctly, he uh-huh. moved all of his stuff from uh, Sony or something over to Netflix. So okay. all of his stuff besides Batman – is going to be going to Netflix first to to give, either give give the green light to before it gets chopped down to something else. I'm just saying yeah. it might be something for like Jake Gyllenhaal making a deal to do Batman. I'm not following. I'm sorry. I'm lost. <laughs> Jake, are you following this? Not not very closely now. No, I'm not either. I've, I've been. Uh, Actors sometimes have deals with studios and people who are in charge of their studios. And Matt Reeves has his own studio, his own team, in a sense, where they team up with like distributors like Netflix or uh, or Warner Brothers and things like that. And his team just left to go to Netflix. So I'm thinking Jake Gyllenhaal might be doing this as a favor to do other stuff with his with Matt Reeves team in general. Mm, I see what you're saying. That this is going to be on hold for a while, and Gyllenhaal is going to do stuff for. Not Matt on hold. Netflix. It would just be a favor, just so he can do other movies with Matt Reeves in the future. So being Batman is a favor. I mean, I, this is a very big kind of commitment to to be Batman. You would hope. I mean, you, after after Batfleck, who the hell knows? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm saying that fans would probably. I, I personally would like to see at least another actor be able to complete a trilogy. I think that you know, uh, as far as I know, um, Christian Bale's been the only one that's done it. So, right, no other actor has stayed in the role that long. So, I, I hope that it's that Gyllenhaal is not just doing this as as a. I mean, he's already got. He's already done a film for. He did the Oakja, the John Boon Ho film. So I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with Brian. Um, getting to be Batman is hardly scratching Matt Reeves' back. Yeah, that's. A, I, I don't like that <laughs> at all. I, I see what you're saying, Steve. I just I hope that that's not it. I I yeah. want to see an actor. No, that's, I know. Yeah, that's actually. I'm just trying to think. Like you know, like who? Why else would you want to deal with this universe right now? Like well, you're I, saying. I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal pretty much has like his choice of like a lot of different roles. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know. Don't, we said the same thing about Ben Affleck when he got cast as Batman and look at what, how all that turned out. I'm well, just I think saying, Ben Affleck's a better, I, I, who, who said what about Ben Affleck? Oh, I'm saying that when Ben, I'm not saying you in particular, I'm yeah. just saying the, everybody in general were like, whoa, Ben Affleck is Batman, and everybody started to be like, okay, like this will probably be a good thing. And then all of a sudden, Batman v Superman came out, and then Justice League, so... Yeah, go back, just, and, go back and listen to our Batfleck episode. Not one person was happy with this casting on our I, podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I don't think I listened to you guys that far back. I'm just saying in general, though, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. No, you're fine. I I, I, I feel like Hall is a, is a great actor. I feel like a lot of roles are are at his disposal and, 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 and probably, uh, studios and writers are throwing, you know, roles at him every day. I, I, if, if he takes this on, number one, I hope, I, I, I would take that as a good sign that it, that Matt Reeves has written a great, that Matt Reeves and the writer have written a great script and it's going to be that, that it's something good that I would take it as a great sign. And if he passes, I, 
I would, I would hopefully, you know, I just don't want yeah. to see him to take the deal on just because he, because he's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing him a favor. I think, it's just, I think I'm just so negative because I don't have any faith in Warner Brothers right now. I think that's my main concern. It's like, and, and it, because it's Warner okay. Brothers, All right. if it was any other studio, I yeah. think I wouldn't have the such a big, like, Debbie Downer with it. Are they, you think they, 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 <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's move on to the next story because I want to talk about, like, maybe this story is a little bit better because maybe they've learned their lesson. Okay, Variety had the exclusive on who the Flash director could be, and it's actually directors. Spider-Man Homecoming scribes John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are in negotiations to direct Flashpoint, the standalone movie starring Ezra Miller. Warner Brothers had no comment. Um... Uh, apparently, the article says the studio had initially courted Ben Affleck to return to the director's chair, but he passed on the gig uh, by tapping Daly and Goldstein. The studio seems to have a comedic tone for the film, given the duo's directing background on movies like Vacation and the upcoming Game Night starring Jason Bateman. Um, and they, these guys, they penned the Spider-Man Homecoming film. Um, and as we, as we all know that you know, Flashpoint's had its ups and downs. Rick Fumiyawa, the original director, the dope director, he stepped away from the project. Um, they, they, let's see here. Joby Harold was, he turned in a new draft after a page one rewrite. Um, Joby Harold is the guy who's written it now. He's the guy who wrote the latest King Arthur, the Legend of the Sword film, and the upcoming Robin Hood film with Ben Mendelsohn as the Sheriff of Nottingham and Taron Egerton as the uh, of the Kingsman uh, as Robin Hood. And then that movie also has Jamie Foxx's Little John in it. So, uh, cool. yeah, it's going to be an interesting... What a resume. Yeah. Uh, but um, so these guys... They're the upcoming, they're the directors for the upcoming game night film with, you know, Jesse Plemons, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, Kyle Chandler. Um, that's a comedy. Uh, I don't, what do you guys think? Like, is, and this is possibly who our flash directors are going to be. I don't know. I feel like with this move, what it shows is that, that, that Warner Brothers maybe has learned its lesson because, like, it, it, I mean, guys, really, like, what have we seen from them? We've seen, like, a really bad Suicide Squad film. Um, you know, we've seen Zack Snyder on his attempts not be able to, to stick the landing on a couple of those films. Box office wise, they have just been just disasters except for Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman, but, I don't know. This just this seems different. This seems like they are. This seems like more of a Marvel move. Like this is like these are these sound like guys that Marvel would actually hire to to direct a film. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like you know like oh John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are now directing the next you know whatever they're, movie for Marvel. Like they're th- actually credited as one of the six as two of the six writers for Homecoming. Yeah. So I mean yeah. th- this this. No, exactly. I, I mentioned that earlier, and but th- that's the thing. It's like I wouldn't be surprised if these guys were like brought into like Marvel to like actually direct a film either. Um, I don't know. Does, does this give, guys give you any promise as far as like the Flash movie is concerned? Going, mm, I don't know. I'm a little bit disappointed by this news. Like I hear what you're saying, and you're making great points that sell me a little bit more on it. Yeah, but I don't know. With some of the bigger names that I'm more familiar with and, and that I'm a bigger fan of being thrown around. I'm, I'm kind of a 
Yeah, little, a, yeah exactly. It's yeah. kind of a little bit disheartening. Yeah, but like, see, that's the thing. It's like you've got to get your start somewhere, and that's and and, and that's the thing. Like, had the Russo brothers, had Marvel not taken the risk on two comedy guys and the Russo brothers, we would have never got you know Captain America. The Winter Soldier and found out like what great directors that these guys are. And so that's, it's a a solid point. So I mean, I, I, I feel like here we've got a couple guys kind of like same pedigree coming from, you know, comedy background. And although I wasn't the biggest fan of vacation, um, and I don't know how game night's going to be. You know, we who knows what these guys can do with, um, with, with an action film. And it's not like, it's not like they're gonna they're gonna have choreographers there to help them with the action stuff. It's not like the Russo brothers were like you know fucking you know like Chad Stahelski and Tim Miller with the action shit. Like they they had help they had help with that. So I don't know, man. Those paintball episodes of Community were pretty intense with the action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I I I think that this I'm a lot more sure. I would have loved to have Robert Zemeckis. You know, I would have loved that, but. Or, or I would have loved like Phil Lord and Chris Miller to come back, like we discussed, but that didn't happen. And I feel like, you know, I don't no, know. I agree. You make great points. It's just an initial knee jerk yes. reaction. Yes, yes. And I, the, the movie could be terrible. I'm just saying, like, it's it's different from like what they've been doing. And for that, I'm actually happy. So yeah, yeah. We will see. I don't know. I. It's, I know, but I was also very excited for Suicide Squad too, cause I, I, I liked, <laughs> I liked that director's outing with Fury and it, it's a piece of shit. Anyway, let's Oh, oh that did <laughs> hey, Can we get a Jake break? Yeah, Jake break it up. Alright, hey, we are back and it is now, now, it is now time for Star Wars news. You're supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. It's not true. That's impossible. Oh, I know. Uh, before we move into Star Wars news, I knew there was something else I wanted to say about the Warner Brothers stuff. So, yeah, jumping back to DC News real quick. Um, okay. Warner Brothers lately, they, they, they promoted, they have a new um, studio head there. Walter Hamada is going to oversee the comic book movies for Warner Brothers now. So they've got it like, so it's like Jeff Johns and the other guy are like out. Jeff Johns is still involved, but this Walter Hamada is going to be like heading it up now. And he was with New Line for a decade, uh, you know, the other division of Warner Brothers. And he had successes with, you know, The Conjuring, The Gallows, and It. And he helped kind of like shepherd those films along into theaters. And so now they're hoping that this guy will be able to do the same and have success with overseeing the comic book side of things at Warner Brothers. So it's quite a promotion for Walter Hamada. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see some good things happen with the, with the studio head change here. So, um, yeah, that's a that's the final thing I wanted to say. So the, I mean, the, the Warner Brothers is making some moves, and dude, they they fucking need to because Jumanji beating out Justice League in week three is fucking bullshit and embarrassing. You guys, I, mean, I guess my question is, is what? And I don't know, but 
what did we see Jeff John's influence in so far? Was it, are they holding him responsible for, for the reshoots? I mean, it felt Dude, like that I, movie was already down the road. For honestly, to be quite honest with you, like with, with the whole Jeff John's thing, like, I think he should just be on as a consultant. I think, I don't think like they were looking, I think they were looking at him to be their Kevin Feige and guys, he is not Kevin Feige. Okay. Kevin Feige, uh, Jeff Johns is great for the comic book stuff side, but you, they need a fucking guy that has both a passion for like a movie universe and these movies as much as, as like the source material. And like you just, Kevin Feige's are just not, you're not, they just don't grow on fucking trees. Like, this guy was doing shit with like the X-Men movies with like Laura Schuler Donner for years before he even got into the position that he's in now with Marvel. Like, he, he's paid his dues. Like, he's, you know, he did a lot with the X-Men films, like when they were first coming out. So it's like, I think that they put too much pressure maybe on Jeff Johns to, I think he's gonna be, he's great as a consultant, but as far as like, you know, <laughs> Being like a movie guy, I, I just don't know if that's like his strong suit, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that. It's, I, that's I a could great buy point. That. Jeff, no slight against Jeff Johns; yeah. he's done tons of great fucking work on the comic book side. Yes, but I mean, that's not a. It'd be it's unfortunate that he doesn't have that movie savvy business side sense, right? That like a Kevin Feige has, which is clearly needed if you want to successfully financially create one of these. You know, across the board movie mm -hmm. universes. Yeah, I, 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 I got think about it this way: like Kevin Feige, I think is 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 so talented. I, I, I but on the flip side, like I don't know if Kevin Feige could write a good comic book. Okay, like I don't. Yeah. It, that's and vice versa for like Jeff Johns. It's like Jeff Johns. I think his input is valuable, but as far as like setting up like a whole movie universe, I think that he needs somebody more familiar with like the movie industry and how everything, the ins and outs. And like Kevin Feige is that guy for Marvel. And he also had a passion for comic books. And it's like, he's put his time in, in the movie side of it, man. Like, you know, so I don't know. It's, I, I think, I think we as fans, like once we heard like Jeff Johns is going to be like, you know, they're Kevin Feige. Like we, we got really excited and I, I just don't think that he's that guy for them. I, I just think he's better maybe as a, and I could be wrong. I don't know, but I'm just thinking, I think he could be just better as a creative consultant to, to, and for input. I think they still, I, I don't. They're, I don't think that they're going to find their Kevin Feige. So no, we'll I agree. I've never been too captivated by the idea of Jeff Johns being the guy, the Kevin Feige. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I don't know, Eric. I mean, does that does that make any sense? Or yeah, no, I get that. I get that. It just it, it just goes to show more of what a clusterfuck it is over there. I mean, yeah. why did you, if you're going to bring him in, why do you bring him in and not really get him involved? You know, you did yeah. unless, unless what they were seeing so far pointed out that he was in over his head and he needed to be a consultant. So there could be that, but it just, it's just one more thing where you go, God, they just, they, they've got no clue. Maybe this is the move to finally get them in the right direction. Cause as much as yeah. I bag on DC almost weekly, I want to see good shit out of that. Sure. I mean, this is the Trinity. It's like you said, there is, it's an absolute travesty that Jumanji is outscoring Justice League at the box office. Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. So I want to see them. Hopefully this is the right move to get them on track. They at least have some things in the hopper that sound interesting. I like the things that I'm hearing um, about Shazam. I, I, I think there's some potential there. So hopefully we see them turn that ship in, in the right direction. So, okay. what? Uh, okay. Jake, Steve, Eric, what should they do? What should, I mean, we... we They've announced they they basically have announced like four you know Margot Robbie Harley Quinn films and I think what was it they said Birds of Prey recently dropped off so they're not going to go forward with that one but we still have like you know um, the, the three other films like Suicide Squad two um, what's uh, they were talking was about. the Joker st- or the Joker movie yeah the, jo- <laughs> the Joker the, the Scorsese Joker movie. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, so like, do you? What do you think they should do? Do you think that they should start doing like? Because like, they, there's been a lot of talk of Red Sun, but you know, you've you've got the argument of is are you know if they introduce like an Elseworld story, is it going to confuse audiences? Um, yeah. Mm. I, at this point, I who cares if you confuse audiences if if the audiences actually show up? Well, the Joker origin like stories, the, the Joker origin story, we already know as far as like if this thing gets fucking made, that's got to be an Elseworlds story, right? That's what we've been hearing, yeah. kind of. Like they haven't they haven't officially called it an Elseworlds story, but they they basically have said that it's not set the DCEU continuity. <laughs> How much longer until the DCEU becomes an Elseworlds story? Mm. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, yeah, let's move on into Star Wars news. Uh, we might get into spoilers for The Last Jedi in this segment, so if you've not seen The Last Jedi, just turn this off and stop listening. Um, last week I kind of talked that I was going to bring up an error in the film for The Last Jedi, and upon discussing it with Jake... And going over my thoughts on that, I guess the movie does explain it, but we both kind of agreed it wasn't the best explanation of what I had a problem with. So I guess the movie does explain it. So Yeah, it was there. But yeah. man, that took a lot of combing on our it parts did. to find it. Yeah, it did. I thought I I thought I had found a an error in the film and it turned out that it was addressed. Barely, but it was addressed, so we won't even get into that. Um, Star Wars The Last Jedi is now the 10th highest grossing film of all time. Um, it is number 10, so it's at one point, I think it's like 1.3 billion, you know, right now. So, doing, doing quite well, even though, even though you're seeing articles of it being like, you know, pulled out of Chinese theaters due to bad box office results. So. Still doing quite well. They don't need that Chinese money, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Last Jedi earned twenty-eight point seven million in its opening weekend in China at the start of January. That number was the lowest. This comes from Screen Rant. That number was the lowest of Lucasfilm's latest releases thus far. The Force Awakens grossed fifty-two million in its opening weekend, uh, whereas Gareth Edwards' Rogue One opened to thirty million. Um, so yeah, I guess a little bit of Star Wars fatigue over in China, but it, yeah, they're it, over it. <laughs> no, from my understanding, that they never had the original trilogy uh, re- been released there, so Star Wars isn't as big over there as it is on our side of the world. Hmm. That was from my understanding of it. I've read, I've read similar articles, Steve. I, I, I stand yeah. by what you're saying. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, not. To, I mean, it, 
I guess it doesn't really matter. It's still number ten in the in the in the right. Box exactly. Office, so. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, yeah. China would have helped, but luckily everybody else loves it so much. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Made well, a made a small profit. Yeah. Uh, is it doing like six hundred million domestically? Is that what it did? Mm, that sounds about right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not up on my Star Wars numbers as far as the financial side. Now I'm googling it though. Well, I mean, I mean, The Force Awakens made a billion domestically, so it's quite a bit of a drop there. Um, I know it's not out of theaters yet, but it's still a drop. Um, Ryan Johnson was on a on an Empire podcast, and uh, he discussed why the Knights of Ren didn't make it into the film. Uh, he said, quote, we have a very full movie already. There literally was just not room for another element. I guess I could have used them in place of the Praetorian guards, but then it would feel like wasting them because all of those guards had to die. And if Kylo had some kind of connection to them, it would have added a complication that wouldn't have helped the scene. Truth is, I just didn't see a place for them in the movie. So he did address it. I... Personally, for like detractors, people that hated the film, if you're bitching about the uh, the Knights of Ren not being in there, why? Because you hated everything else Ryan Johnson did with the movie. Why would you? Are want there to... are there that many people actually going? My God, if they'd have the Knights of Ren, that would have been such a so so, so much better. There's a small percentage of people out there like. Are they ever going to get back to the Knights of Ren? Who are the Knights of Ren? Like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a small group of, of Star Wars fans out there that, that, that really want that story to be told. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, if they never get back to the Knights of Ren in the films, I don't give a shit. I mean, they could easily just be like, that was a flash forward and we'll get that in episode nine. Yeah, I, it's always weird now with the whole wiping out canon. Like it's like what they do and don't let them write comics and books about kind of makes you think there's something more in the in the pot for it, you know? Yeah. Like because we haven't seen the Knights of Red comic book or novel, and it makes you think that they're off limits. Makes you think that they might have something, I guess. But I also agree with what you're saying that who gives a fuck. Yeah, well, they might do something. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do in 9. Now, if J.J. decides to use the Knights of Ren, well, then, you know, he's got that there for him. Like, if they would have released a comic book or a story, it might limit what J.J. can do, um, you know, in the film. So I think just, like, let's wait and see what J.J. does with the Knights of Ren. If he doesn't, then, yeah, now you've got your next Star Wars comic book. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no way that we won't be addressing the Knights of Red again sometime in the next, like, three to five years, if not less. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. Okay, here we go. Next thing. And, and there's an obvious joke in this next story, and Ryan Johnson actually makes it, so let me just read his response first. Um, someone asked Ryan Johnson what happens to Luke's metal hand at the end of the film. Did it pass over into the Force as well? Um, they said, wait, 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 hold on, Ryan Johnson. Question for you. So Luke has a metal hand and passes into the Force? Does the hand go with him when he goes? Does he get a new hand? What happens? I need to know this. And uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson replied, um, in the edit room, someone joke suggested that when he fades away, his robot hand should clank down onto the rock. 
<laughs> and he put, he puts might have undercut the moment. So that's like as soon as like I read the question, that's what I thought in my mind. And then Ryan Johnson made the joke for me. Like, like all of a sudden, like Luke disappears and you see a clanking robotic hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you'd have to do that um, yet in slow motion for it to have any impact and not to laugh at it. Oh no, I just want it just like real time, just like, <laughs> got, like a, a nice zoom in as well. <laughs> no, just like where it was, we just kind of see this awkward, awkward music swells, <laughs> and then a, a pork lands on it and flies it away. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Such a Bart Simpson question to ask, kind of right? It's oh, like. Yeah. The, does your amputated leg end up in heaven? Speaking of Bart Simpson, did you watch the SNL from last night? No. Who was the host? I just watched um, two-thirds of the Sam Rockwell one today. It was Jessica Chastain. And oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Was it good? Oh, God. It's fucking hilarious. They have, like, this sketch um, about this, uh, like, a talk show called Google Talk. And um, Jessica Chastain <laughs> plays, like, this really awkward host. And her first line's hilarious, but like they talk about like people being bullied in this and, and, uh, people talk about like why they've been bullied, whether, you know, whether the way they look or their religion or their sexual orientation or, and <laughs> or looking like Bart Simpson. They have a guy who looks, he's got like the blonde hair spiked up. He's wearing a red short, red shorts and a like a, a red shirt and blue shorts and looks just like Bart Simpson. So, <laughs> You've got to see it. It's a fucking hilarious sketch, dude. I'm not doing it justice. You just got to watch it. It's really fucking. That's funny. awesome. SNL has been on fire in the last two, three weeks. Yeah. Well, I'd say the last two seasons, to be honest with you. I think yeah, been it's been good. Really good. Uh, Ryan Johnson uh, took to Twitter to defend Luke's new force power revealed in the Last Jedi. A lot of people had problems with this. That you know this this. Uh, they, you know, they, they called it Fluke Skywalker, where he could, like, uh, <laughs> you know, he, it basically has, like, a version of himself that he's, uh, <laughs> fighting for, that, that, that he's, uh, has an image, like a hologram version of himself that he's using to project. You know, he's still on Oct 2, but on, you know, on Crate, they can see, you know, this, this, this holographic version of Luke Skywalker. And, a lot of people are saying like it's just it's convenient it's this new power that was just kind of like invented it was never introduced before it wasn't even hinted at which is not 100% true earlier in the film Ray and Kylo when they're first brought together by Snoke Kylo actually says you aren't doing this the effort would kill you and so it is hinted at that this is something that can happen. So the power was, you know, so basically people are saying like, you know, the power is just convenient. It's bad storytelling. Um, and I, I also want to say that like when you're watching Return, the Return of Jedi, like we didn't know the Emperor had like force lightning either when it was first brought in, you know, like it just happened like out of True. nowhere. And so it, it's, I don't know. It were fans back in 1983 when that happened where they were like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't see this shit in the first two movies. It's like, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't get the Emperor really until the second film. And, like, he was a hologram. So, I don't know. Yeah. Even in A New Hope, they don't establish what's going to happen to Obi-Wan Kenobi before it happens. Right. It find just, out it happens yeah, by it happening. Exactly. And, like, you know, we didn't find out. I mean, they didn't even know about Force Ghosts until fucking Qui-Gon Jinn figured the shit out anyway. Yeah. So anyway, Ryan Johnson 
through pictures and through the Star Wars expanded universe explained the power. He took out the uh, 2011 book, The Jedi Path, which is not canon anymore. Um, anyway, Lucasfilm announced that all supplemental material set in the Star Wars universe published or released before 2014 would no longer be considered canonical part of the story. Only the core trilogy films and the Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series would be exempt. So according to that logic, the Jedi Path would not be considered a part of Star Wars canon, but now considered part of Star Wars exp- uh, expanded universe. Um, here's an Amazon description of the book, The Jedi Path. Passed down from master to apprentice, The Jedi Path is an ancient training manual that has educated and enlightened generations of Jedi within its pages. The Jedi in training will discover the history and lore of the Jedi Order. And um, I think, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, created in collaboration with Lucasfilm, along with an acclaimed Star Wars author and revered Star Wars il- illustrators, this volume also introduces never-before-seen ships, creatures, characters, and details about the Star Wars galaxy. So anyway, Ryan Johnson snapped a shot of a page that introduced this force power under advanced force techniques, and it read, Doppelganger or Simulfuturus permits a Jedi to create a short-lived duplicate of himself or herself or an external object that is visually indistinguishable from the real item. Those who have perfected this ability can create phantoms of any person of their choosing or trick an enemy into seeing more objects such as droids than are actually present. Hmm. That's that's interesting. So there actually is some precedence for that kind of thing actually even being an idea within the Star Wars universe as a power. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, mean, I like that. Well, all these same people that are, you know, like this is like, this is no different than like rebels and like other Star Wars comics pulling things that they want from the expanded universe. That's all Ryan it's, Johnson. Did right. here. And, and it's he's, such a bullheaded mentality. I, I honestly have a hard time even relating with it. It's like, is all creativity supposed to hit a brick wall and stop now? And all stories must be only told with the rules that have been set forward and no new rules shall be allowed to be created. Like I I can't even like relate to people that have that opinion mm-hmm. really. It really I, does like weird me out. It's just getting too ridiculous. First Force Awakens come out, not enough originality. Last Jedi comes out, too much originality. Just there's no line. Yeah, it's true. See, the thing is, I think the problem, Jake, like what you're saying is like people have spent 30 years with those other films, 40 years, you know, with those other films, some of those other films. And so, like, yeah, but at the end of the day, they knocked out. It's just six films. Like there's I, there's I, not enough. Meat dude, there. I, I, you, you I know yeah, I, I, we're in total agreement. That's the thing. It's just I just feel like people have basically instead of letting directors and and um, people have taken ownership of Star Wars, they, they basically have. In some way, they they feel like they've taken ownership of it, and that Ryan Johnson has no right to do this. How could you? Yeah, it's just, all they want is fan fiction with the stuff they've established happening again and again and again, but cooler mm-hmm. each time. Yeah, it's just so bullheaded to me. I, I I just can't even relate anymore with it. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. And, and Ryan Johnson's been trolled relentlessly on tr- Twitter for this. Like, I can't believe that the guy is still on. Twitter. It's like I I, t- I told you guys about one isolated listener of the podcast calling me a fucking pussy and telling me to grow balls. 
but Brian Johnson, like, he's got to get like shit like this all the fucking time, like relentlessly, like all day, and not just oh, from yeah. like. It's fucked up, man. It's so fucked I up. I feel bad for him. Yeah. I, I feel terrible for him. I, I do too. How dare he invent a new idea and force power and put it on film? Well, he what took a it. fucking shit bag. He took it from their beloved EU, Jake. The same fucking people that are so upset. Not all of them, but some of these people are upset that Lucasfilm just abandoned the EU, that none of it's canon anymore. Well, he tried to give them something back, and they're still shitting on him. Yeah, uh, he made Luke Skywalker a pussy, though. He didn't just go whoop some ass. Oh, I know. I know, man. I get it. <sighs> sigh, 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 sigh. Eric, what, you're being quiet, man. It's scaring me. You quiet people are scaring me. What, <laughs> what's going on, man? What are you thinking? Uh, you know, and I'm kind of in the in the middle because I, I, I liked it. Um, I, I gave it a taste in the end, but I had serious problems with the movie. But my serious problems have nothing to do with this bullshit. I mean, okay. I, if 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 these are your problems, the Knights of Ren isn't there, and and oh, they you know they, the hand didn't <laughs> cling to the ground, and, <laughs> and, and and oh my God, he made up a force power. Get. I mean, these are not at all what I had problems with the film. And and I'm like you, Jake. I don't I don't get that. I don't get the people that had problems with decisions in turn. I I mean, mine were problems with the storytelling. That is that some people didn't have. And that's fine. But that's what knocked it down for me. Not this lame ass bullshit. Um, Yeah, I get it, Eric. There's plenty of logical complaints to throw at Last Jedi. You didn't like the movie. Like, yep. To complain about them having creativity and not just recycling the same shit is just ludicrous yeah, to me. Yeah. I mean, the the logical ones, you know, where we're like how long it took the bombers to get into a bombing point and stuff like that. Those are the things that I can go, yes, I, I, I see your point there, and I probably agree with you on some of yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's, that's also it, what, dumb. Yeah. But I, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I'm just, or, I don't think or, that those bombers were built for speed. You know, that's well, like I, when you're, when you're, I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you're watching like a World War II movie, like, you know, I know some of like those some some of those tanks like moved very quickly, and I feel like Star Wars kind of pulls like from like you know, uh, even though there's, these are space battles, it, it kind of pulls from like some of like the like wars that we've seen fought you know here, um, and, and I feel like yeah. when you're watching like those bombers come in, I feel like that those are like the slow moving tanks. You know what I mean? I agree. And, I agree. And, and slow is more dramatic. That's yeah. what I hate it. That- and I'm not I'm not trying to set up arguments on that stuff. I really am not. I I what I'm saying is is if that if you have some problems with that yeah, in terms of yeah. how they told that story, I, I can buy that. It's this stuff that drives me absolutely insane. Just knock it off. And then even even being a tasted and not not loving it like many people and kinda coming down on it when when we reviewed it. I mean, this stuff with Ryan Johnson, I, I, in the end, I just kind of believe I'm not necessarily the target audience as much anymore. It's it's moving to the younger generation. That doesn't mean I'm I'm totally out of it. But I, I you have to recognize, and I think, Jake, you've talked about this several times. You're one of those people that wants to see Star Wars move forward so it can live forever. 
You want to see these new things. You want to see the changes in direction. That's that's what this is. So get over yourselves. Be happy that they're pulling pieces from the EU and hope we get more of those pieces that we love so much from the books and the comics. Yeah. 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 I got to know how uh, this is what's gnawing at the back of my head. How much time would Steve cut out of Last Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> So do you think, Steve, when he's analyzing these things, it's like a beautiful mind where he's got a whole wall of, you know, these, this scene here is two and a half minutes. I'm telling you, man, that it's got to be taxing on him, like when he's watching Some these films, too. and equations and just trying <laughs> to it all out. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a joke, Steve. How much time? Oh, no. I actually enjoyed uh, maybe ten minutes at the most. But I honestly not, didn't mind uh, The Last Jedi. You're not adding time, though. No, no, no. It was the longest Star Wars movie yet, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, even, I loved it too, but even even I'm cutting at least 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh. The Maz scene has to go. Oh, God, fuck that Maz Kanata scene. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> That's the worst scene of the movie. I want to, I, I seriously, I want to, I want to watch <laughs> Steve's new podcast. I want to listen to Steve's new podcast where he just like, you know, tells people like how much time needs to be cut off of certain films. Like, like somebody, I could just hear like somebody's review. Like, yeah, I just listened to this podcast where this guy talked about a movie oh, for literally. Hold I on, do, I he literally talked about this movie for an hour. Best. I just can I just get this out? Jesus Christ! Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's I, not even that. <laughs> oh fuck! I'm done. Forget it. You, I'll let you guys talk. I'm done. Forget it. Just kidding. Um, I was just kidding. No, it's like I've been trying to. I've been trying to say this for like the past fucking like two hours, and I can't get it out. So I'm. I can't. It's just like. It's like. Uh, it's not in the cards for me tonight. Anyway, um, let's see here. Yahoo Movies talked with Liam Neeson about his new film, The Commuter, and talked to him about the Obi Wan Kenobi film and the chances that he could reprise his role as Qui Gon Jinn. And I understand that Qui Gon Jinn is dead. But he could always return as a force ghost. Um, so Liam Neeson said, this is the first I'm hearing of this. No one's been in touch with me. I know in the Star Wars world, anything is possible. In the first one, The Phantom Menace, I died. But we know, you know, Jedi's come back and stuff. But no one's been in touch. We'll see. Is this something that you guys would like to see? I, for one, would love to see Liam Neeson reprise his role. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, from all the stuff I've heard, though, whew, I think that'd be a tough get. I don't know that he's really into doing that. Oh, he's into doing anything now. After his wife passed away, he's not turning movies down. He, I, and, and, and we've actually, I think I've read on the show a quote from him saying that he'd be willing to come back, um, and do something with Star Wars. I think it was just his first go around and working with Lucas. And, you know, th there have been quotes in the past, like he really, didn't agree with a lot of things that were happening, you know, on the set when they were filming Star Wars and it was a bad experience. His whole outlook on films and things like that has totally changed since his wife passed away. He's, he's just, he's, he's staying, he's one of those guys that like dives into their work now. Like, he just does any role that he's pretty much offered at this point. He just yeah, wants That's to a great point. I guess there is a, there is taken part three. Yeah. Well, he just wants to stay busy. And that, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and like, he's kind of like pigeonholed, hold himself in like these films where like he's just like the action, the guy, you know, like the commuter and take. He's got a very stop. particular set of skills. <laughs> exactly. So I, 
I think that he would. I really do. I, I think that he would come back and and reprise the role of Qui Gon if they asked him to now. Um, especially like with with Disney, you know, being in charge of it, and and um, yeah, I think he would. I would love that. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Is this a scene that I, they could cut out, save some time? I don't think we need an Obi-Wan movie. Mm. So I'm the wrong guy to ask here. Like, yeah, it'd be great to see him come back as Qui-Gon, but, like, I don't need to see Obi-Wan in between the Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. You, you, want to see, you, you don't want to see Ewan McGregor reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just – I'm – I want new stories. I don't you're gonna, need. You're going to get new stories, Steve. You're going to get that too. You're going to get it. I mean, yeah. Star Wars. I know. Hold on, hold on, Steve. Let me let me let me break some news here for you. Disney is not going to let go of Star Wars, but if you do not capitalize now on an Obi Wan Kenobi film with you and McGregor, you'll never get it. Like if they, you can't wait another 10, 15, 20 years to do it, if they're going to do it, they have to do it now. He has to be at that age. You know, pre-Alec Guinness, you know, Obi-Wan. And if they do this now and we get this film, they're still going to make Star Wars films. And I can promise you this, Steve, they're going to give us new stuff. They, I, I promise you they're not going to stop and just keep giving us recycled stuff. I don't think that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we're just going to be still getting, like, uh, announcements of, you know, Salacious Crumb, the movie, or, you know... I, they're going to give us new stuff. I just think like – I think that – I I don't know, man. I want to see this Obi-Wan Kenobi film. I think if you, if you, if you don't give it to us, you're going you're gonna to miss that opportunity. And I think, I, I think it's a huge missed op- opportunity if they don't do it now. So – because I would love to see that story of like, like what he did all those years in between you know, Revenge of the Sith and, and A New Hope. I think there's a story to be told there, especially since it hasn't been told in any canon stories. And I, I, I don't – I think fans would want to see Ewan McGregor come back rather than somebody else. Yeah, I agree. That's one – I, I, a lot of fan service I don't want to see. That's one fan service that I do agree with Brian on, and it's definitely the timeliness of it. it it's now or never with this shit. Yeah. I know. I get it. <sighs> I don't even want to ask you guys what you think about the Han Solo film now. I know you guys don't want to see it. I mean, I'm in the I'm in the minority with that. Steve, is that another one that you don't want to see? Yeah, don't care. Yeah, this, wow, this blows my mind. It really does. It blows my mind. Like, ah. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about no, um, you and McGregor and this being the time to do it. I just I just don't really care for it. I got my Obi Wan stories. And I've got the comics. Like I'm, I am in no rush to see these. I'm not. I mean, even after episode eight, with that type of ending, I'm good with this saga. Let's let's just start fresh. Hmm. Yeah. So no, no resolution to, to Kylo Ren. <laughs> I mean, he can come back, yeah. But like, let's go. Let's jump another thirty years. Okay. All right. No, I think that and we're going to get that stuff. I really I really do think that we're going to get it. I think uh people need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit though and make time yeah. for an Obi-Wan Kenobi film. I think that now you're just hitting the brakes too much. 
Really? I don't know. It's the best of both worlds. It's a transition right. with fan service along the way, and I don't yeah. see anything wrong with that. You've that's got, the whole reason Disney that, bought it in the first place. And got, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, don't make it. I'm just going to be like, whatever, call me when something new happens. That's all. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a brilliant move from Disney as well if, if they do recast Ewan McGregor um, as Obi-Wan because – some people. Oh, it's a very smart move on their part. I completely agree. So, some people did not grow up with like the original trilogy, like like Jake and I did, and like Eric did. Um, they they grew up with the prequels. They grew up with Jar Jar Binks, and they grew up with Obi Wan Kenobi in that, uh, with Ewan McGregor playing that role. And now now they're adults, and now they have kids, and they're going to be able to take their kids to to see you know like what, what like that character again, and um, yeah. So I man, I don't I don't I'm not following this whole logic of like I get it man I we all want to see new stories man but it's like people are acting like we've been like like I don't know it's I, I know there's like a like a Clone Wars and stuff like that but we've only had eight films like yeah I agree and well, I'm not sour oh go ahead Steve I was just gonna say I think I'd be I think I'd be in a different like position if we didn't have Rogue One. If we had something, if we had a new story and didn't do Rogue One, what do you, what do you mean there? If we did like just a whole new story in general, like this is like instead of doing Rogue One to try to like to well, do like we got that announcement, we're getting thought, that. Like Ryan Johnson's doing a whole trilogy with new characters. I loved Rogue One. I'm 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 not saying I'm I'm just saying with the whole I'm I would feel a bit different if we already had something new. And exciting instead of Rogue One, and now we're going back to the Obi Wan thing. That's all. Yeah, but with the Ryan Johnson thing, I'm not saying take away Rogue One. We're all talking all over each other. One, come on, guys. Now nobody's talking. Like, what the fuck? It's okay. I'm 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 not trying to take away Rogue One. I'm just giving an example of if if you wanted me to be more excited for it, I wouldn't. If I would be, if we didn't have something like Rogue One already. No, I get it. There's. I mean, there's a group of there's a large group of people out there that just want new stuff and 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 um, they're they're ready to 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 get to see new things in the Star Wars universe and I think everybody's going to get what they want. I mean, they, like Ryan Johnson's already they've already announced that they're going to go to a section of the Star Wars universe that we've never seen before, and so like we're getting that stuff. Like we're going to get a whole trilogy of it. So yeah, I just man, I. I don't know, man. And everybody with the Han Solo stuff, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, let's, well, I'll hold off on that one. Anyway, it was revealed this week that a Handmaid's Tale director, Reed Morano, had a two and a half hour meeting with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. What the, what that meeting was about, we don't know yet. Um, she said the meeting went great and offered up this quote to THR. I guess she was watching with her daughter and then she called people and was like, who's this Reed person? She probably thought I was a guy because of my name. She's amazing. We're talking about adventure movies and I'm not even remembering that she produced Goonies. Any movie that I put my finger on that I loved when I was growing up was a movie that she produced. Anyway, it was a great meeting. Obviously, I can't say anything what else we were talking about. So, yeah, um, Reed Morano, the director for A Handmaid's Tale, which is on Hulu. It's a really awesome show. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, one of my favorite shows from last year. 
Um, she was in a talk with Kathleen Kennedy, uh, uh, <laughs> probably about a Star Wars movie or a Star wow. Wars, uh, definitely a Star Wars, maybe even the Star Wars Netflix, uh, or the Star Wars Disney streaming TV show for all we know. We don't know. So, right. You know. Wow, that'd be an interesting showrunner. You'd know they'd be taking it seriously then. I think they should like mix the Handmaid's Tale with like the caretakers from Act Two, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, man, they are like kind of like dressed up like them, right? You know, like maybe maybe Luke was banging all the caretakers and like. No. Ooh, that's not my Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no, wow. no, no, hashtag not my Luke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a fan of that. Anyway, guys, uh, we got an official synopsis for Han Solo this week. Uh, board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in Solo, a Star Wars story, an all-new adventure with the most beloved scoundrel in the galaxy. Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty future co-pilot Chewbacca and encounters notorious gambler Lando Calrissian in a journey that will set the course for one of Star Wars most uh, Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. Um, so that synopsis came out to basically everybody out there just going meh, right? You know, talking about. Han Solo meeting Chewbacca for the first time, and uh, he encounters Lando Calrissian, and all these things. Everybody's kind of like, eh. So I, Jack, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. I'm not the fan that's upset that we're going to the Han Solo well. Like, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Uh, the bad taste in my mouth just comes from the business side of the Lord and the Miller stuff. Still, yeah. sure. I know. I totally get it. I 100% understand. I but, yeah, I mean, I hope it's good, though. I hope yeah. they make me forget this was ever an issue. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go see a bad Star Wars Han Solo movie. I want it to be fucking awesome. Yeah. But it's hard for me not to be worried. Sure. Yeah. I'm curious to see the rumors are that we might get a trailer this week. And yeah, it's true. That, that, that's that's I, I'm curious to see what those trailers look like and whether that's that's going to, you know, ease our concerns a little bit or or have you seen have you ever seen a bad and i'm asking i'm being serious have you seen a bad star wars trailer like a trailer from a star wars trailer that you were just like that looks terrible do you think that do you think that that's going to change here uh no no i i i I think they're very conscientious about what they do they're not going to put out something that we're all just going to flame that's not going to be their intention. Now, Steve, we know that you probably don't want to go back to this, but, I mean, what are you thinking? Like, do you think it's going to be a craptastic trailer? Um, no, because it's taking so long. So they're trying really hard to figure out how to present this to the public. Because I don't think they're changing the, the date. I think the release date's staying in May. Yeah, I was at the theater yeah. today, and they had the poster up, and it said May 25th. So. Yeah, so I think that they're just they're trying really hard to figure out uh, what is the best type of trailer to release for the first one because this might be the one and only trailer we have until we get like TV spots and stuff. All right, so um, let's see. There was a ru- there was rumored footage to that that they're at a an event, a Disney event in Munich, and uh, I posted this on our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, a man had uh, apparently seen this Han Solo, the, the Solo footage, and he posted uh, this reaction on Facebook. Uh, I just saw a sneak peek of Solo, 
the Star Wars story, and I must say I'm really, really overwhelmed of how freaking good it looks. Nothing about the story yet. Alden Ehrenreich is amazing as Han Solo, and so is Donald Glover as Lando. Emilio Clark and Woody Harrelson look awesome, and it definitely had an old Star Wars feel to it. Looks like this could be the fan service movie some of the older Star Wars fans wanted from Episode Eight. Uh, can't wait for an official trailer, and it's only four months to release. Oh, my God. Um, so this person seemed very excited about the footage that they had seen at this Disney event in Munich. They even snapped some pictures of what looked like uh, posters or playbills or something that they gave them. Um, <laughs> they kind of look like sheets of paper from a playbill, like if you saw a play. But um, I don't know. I uh, it's just like a regular guy that was invited to this. So, I mean, I don't know I, I, what we can really take from it. But it also – I can also say that, you know, it wasn't a trailer that the person saw. But anything Star Wars is going to look amazing if they cut something together. It's hard to – it's really hard to say here. But Yeah, yeah. at least nothing just outright disgusted him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think what, – what, what is the problem with this? I'm, I'm asking you guys, and I won't beat you up too badly. Um, what is the problem with this Han Solo film? Is it the fact that it's Alden Ehrenreich taking over the role of Han Solo? And, and I, I feel like a lot of people can't get over the fact of somebody else stepping into the shoes of Han Solo. And I think that's – I'm what, actually – I, I like what they've done, actually. I'm excited that they've decided to do it all at once. I, I, I'm happy that they're up front and not milking the Han Solo thing. It's going to be the greatest hits of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. They're not milking each adventure for it's not this movie's Chewbacca, this movie's Londo, this movie's Kessel. So I like that it's a one-time only, one-movie-only one greatest hits Han Solo movie. I, I love the idea. I hope it is good. Yeah. Eric, Steve, I, I – I... Not a lot of people are excited for this film, and I, I'm leaning towards you guys not being fans of it. And I, I'm curious as to to why, what what your reasons are. Well, I can I, I can say I'm not in Steve's camp. I, I I won't say when I heard it was a Han Solo story, I I, I didn't jump out of my state going, "Thank God, I needed that." Yeah. But um, but by the same, but I, I have no problems with it all. It, my biggest concerns just from the continuing stories that we get about yeah. production. I yeah. mean, yeah. you fire your director directors and we, you, you go from a $250 million budget to a $500 million budget. I, I mean, that that's concerning to me that you're reshooting the whole thing. Now, some of these are rumors that you don't know, but if the rumors are true that they brought in acting coaches for, for, uh, for, uh, you know, all the I can write, I mean, I, that concerns me, and those are the things because I don't want to see a bad Star Wars film. Have you ever I, looked at Have you ever looked at Alden Ehrenreich's filmography to see like how many things, how many projects he's been involved in? No, a few, a lot actually. Before I mean, if I if I were to compare like his filmography and like some of the projects that he's been involved in, it looks and I don't know, I I, I should have maybe I should have looked into it deeper, but. It almost looks like by the time he's getting this role, this gig as Han Solo, that he's actually done more work than than Harrison Ford actually did by the time he. Oh, gets and to that, be. 
Yeah, That's that wouldn't it. surprise me at all. And they did again. These are rumors. I mean, so yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going. I'm going in with an open mind. Absolutely. It just when you hear these things, you're going to get worried about it and hope it's good. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and 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 also part of it may just come back to all the reshoots, but it worries you that that if we are getting a trailer this week, you know, how how many Star Wars films do you not get a trailer until you know four months? That's I mean, true. it's yeah. it, yeah. So that that's where I'm at. I agree. I that's like the one thing that that's the one of the main things that I'm kind of like concerned about is like all the the problems with the production. Like what I don't agree is like when I read stuff like oh I don't like I'm not excited about like Alden Ehrenreich as as Han Solo. And I'm like what do you have to what do you have to base that on? Have you what have you seen that I haven't seen? Like what you know, like I can't say that I'm like like, I, like, oh my god, I can't wait to see Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo because I don't know. Like, I've seen him in like one movie, and so I'm not the expert here. But I'm also not the person to say like he can't pull it off. You know, people act like people act like Harrison Ford's like untouchable in in that role, and it's like, go. Harrison Ford is a good actor in my opinion he's not the best actor ever like he's made some shitty fucking movies and he's had some bad performances and stuff go back and look at his filmography it's like not all of his movies are perfect so i don't know it, it, people are saying like oh i can't wait to see donald glover as lando and it's like well yeah it's because you like donald glover you've seen him in other things like Maybe you need to see Alden Ehrenreich in something. Let's see what he can yeah. do. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I get people just don't like what they just don't know. The unknown, like, is it's just easy to write off the unknown and say, nope, I don't want it. When you don't really know what you want until you actually get it. Now, if we get the, if we get like the movie and Alden Ehrenreich is terrible as Han Solo, I, I, you know, we could make jokes and say like, yeah, he did need a fucking acting coach and blah, 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 blah. But like, we, we haven't seen anything. So it's like, I don't yeah, know. Not a speck of anything. Exactly. And like, even for people to say like, oh, I can't wait to see Donald Glover as Lando. It's like, I love, I love Atlanta. I love, I love like a lot of things that Donald Glover's been involved in, but I haven't seen him do Lando yet. So like, like, you know, hold your horses, like before you like, like sign off on Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, but you say fuck no to Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. It's like, it makes no sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just pissing and moaning because like this is the shit that I read and it's just like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, I don't know. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse on, on, on any of this, but I feel like some people are, just I don't know, counting these, counting out Alden Ehrenreich before the guy even has, even has, even he's he's not even said one word as Han Solo. People is not. Yeah, he was the only good part of Hail Caesar. <laughs> he was the only good part of that movie. <sighs> anyway, all right. Um, yeah, so they're talking about. Um, yeah, you heard the same thing, Eric, that we might be getting a trailer this week. So, hopefully, we shall see. Um, yeah, this is, I think, what else do I have here? Oh, yeah, the final thing is the, they, uh, we're getting 20 minutes of deleted scenes for The Last Jedi Blu-ray, and, um, I went over the scene with you, Jake. I showed you that, the, one of the scenes. We're getting a scene, um, we're gonna finally get to see the third lesson of Luke Skywalker that he gave to Rey in the deleted scenes. Um, we're gonna get some new Canto Bite scenes, and then the Snoke's, Snoke ship 
we're finally going to get to see, I guess, the Tom Hardy scene. Yeah, it's weird that they would cut that out. Yeah, Finn, uh, yeah, apparently in that scene, Finn turns around in his Imperial officer uniform. Um, this is, uh, yeah, when they get in the elevator and they're nervous about getting caught. The stormtrooper played by Hardy with a southern accent says, I know who you are. FN 2187. Damn, boy, I never took you for officer material. And uh, I guess the, the tension is cut by the reveal that the two grew up together. But the troopers are somehow unaware of F, uh, FN's treason. So we're going to get that scene. And then we're going to get the third lesson. Did you guys, uh, Eric, Steve, did you guys hear about the third lesson? I did not. Nope. All right. So, yeah, this is from uh, Slash Film. They had the uh, – and we'll go over this and that's it. Uh, Luke Skywalker's last lesson to Ray. One of the biggest deleted scenes involves another lesson Luke Skywalker gives to Ray, taking place chronologically after they talk inside the cave where Luke mentions Darth Sidious. Ray notices boats arriving at the island and there appears to be a big fire where they're landing. Luke tells her that it is a group of bandits who regularly come back to the island to plunder and kill caretakers. Ray is very concerned and wants to help them. But Luke tells her that if you help them now, the raiders will come back stronger and it will make things worse in the future. He asks Ray if she is always going to be a hero, uh, be here to protect them, saying that a true Jedi Knight would do nothing and would only act to maintain balance even when people get hurt. Ray, furious at his reasoning, ignites her lightsaber and runs really fast. A force-powered run that we glimpsed in one of the featurettes about the making of the film. Uh, she runs over rocks on shallow water and bursts through a door with her saber into the village square ready for battle. Luke yells for her to wait, but she doesn't stop. She is surprised to learn that it's not a raiding party, but an actual party, with caretakers celebrating and swinging glow, sti- glow sticks. Um, <laughs> this piece of concept art, blah, 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 shows what the scene looks like. The caretakers all stop and look at Ray confused. One of the caretakers motions her glow stick and Ray swings her lightsaber, imitating her movements and size. The caretakers resume partying. Ray spots Chewbacca sitting at the party with a bunch of porgs and R2-D2 wearing a festive necklace. Seriously, Ray says to Chewie before storming out to find Luke. Ray's mad that Luke lied to her and she confronts him. He admits that he's sorry, but that she ran so fast and he couldn't stop her. Ray says that she thought that they were in danger and tried to do something. Luke responds seriously this time that that's exactly what the resistance needs. Not some old husk of a failed religion. He was again trying to teach her a lesson. Ray cries, explaining that her real friends are really dying and, quote, that old legend of Luke Skywalker that you hate so much, I believed in it. Luke is in shock. He realizes that he pushed her too far. Ray tells him she was wrong about believing in him and storms away. Um, and so, yeah, um, that was the uh, – they, they cut it because they thought that it would uh, make Luke look like a bigger asshole than a lot of people thought he was in the film to begin with. So they cut it out of the film. But that's, that's – I guess we're going to see that in the deleted scenes, and that was the third lesson that we never got to see on film. I wonder if this is the scene that Daisy Johnson was like, I can't believe they cut this one scene. Cause Daisy, I remember her Daisy being Ridley. surprised. Daisy Ridley, thank you. Uh, I remember her being surprised that one specific scene was cut from the final cut, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Huh. Yes. I'm wondering if this is it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's uh there's like a total of like five or six okay. scenes. I know that there's like a, a Poe and Finn scene that got cut. There's there's some stuff that happened in Cano Bite that got cut. There's like a little, you know, some things in Snoke Ship. Um but I mean it you know, the article's on Slash Film if you guys really want to read it, but it goes over all the different scenes. But that is all I got this week, guys. This episode sucked. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks it, a lot. It probably could have been about 20, 30 minutes shorter. I wasn't joking earlier, Steve. I want a guest on that podcast. Oh, wait, the one that doesn't exist? Yeah, the non existent one about, uh, about cutting time off shows. Yeah, you yeah, know, I'll definitely make sure you're the first one. Thank first you. First guest. Yes. I, I have no, yeah, I have no desire to ever <laughs> listen, be a part of, acknowledge that podcast. So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that is uh, this episode. Steve, if uh, our listeners want to uh, hear more of you, where can they go? Yeah, uh, you can check me out on Scenic Cast on uh, SoundCloud. And I have a couple of channels on iTunes, including Tied to Fargo. Tied to the MCU, as well as uh, CNET Movie Reviews are our major channels right now. Uh, Jessica Jones will be coming back in March. And, uh, yeah, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, what, do you, what do you know about Jessica Jones Season 2? Do you know anything? You got any deets? No, I got I, I, I got nothing besides that uh, what's-his-face what's is coming. Purple Man's coming yeah. back as, like, uh, like not flashbacks, right. but just, like, Know, dreams or whatever. Yeah. Other than that, I I am in the dark. Are you are you are you intentionally staying in the dark? A little bit, really. Uh, some, I mean, kind of. But at the same time, Netflix is really good at keeping us in the dark when it yeah. comes to their TV shows. Yeah. But yeah, I, I try to stay away from Netflix stuff in general, just because we have the whole season at yeah. once. So there's not much speculating once you can get through the whole season in a weekend. Ah, see, I love uh, you know, like when I recap these shows, like I I want to know everything about the production before. Like I especially like I don't know, man. Something about there's something about knowing. And then like when you find out something like it was like it was real or fake, then it's just kind of fun to talk about that kind of stuff. So I didn't know if you knew anything about season two. Because I haven't, I haven't, I haven't kept up with the with the Jessica Jones stuff. But I heard yeah, exactly. Honestly, I know more about what Daredevil season three is going to be about. That's only because I read the comic. Yeah, yeah, they they set that up in the final scene of yeah, um, yeah, that uh, defenders. So uh, Eric, if people want more of you, and I don't know why they would, but yeah. if they did, now nobody wants more than me, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can catch me on the uh, Supercast every week with Jordan, Joe, and David. And then I like to make people's lives hell on the uh, Leftover Army page on Facebook. You're one of them, so. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you can catch my uh, ballless uh, pussy ass here on this show every week. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hey, if you want to hear me talk about dumbass wrestling, I do a show called Wrestling Jabronis, too. Yeah, yeah he does. So. It's a lot to ask. You'd have to want both more of me and give a shit about stupid wrestling. So I realize I'm asking a lot. How long are these episodes? Uh, Of our podcast or the wrestling show? (laughs) Uh, uh, The podcast. The podcast is at most uh, 90 minutes usually. 
not bad, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> would you would you cut any time out of that, Steve? Oh no, no, that sounds perfect for All your right, show. Good, good, good. good. Yes, I, I feel like I feel like I upset Steve when I brought that up. Like now you feel like now you now you feel like worried to even say it anymore. I don't know. I just it just felt like it felt like okay. I'm seeing a theme here with Steve's reviews. He's like we're on his third movie. and He's telling me about how much time he's going to cut out of this thing. Jeez, this guy doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. I just felt like it doesn't. It sounds like the movie he's talking about didn't know when to quit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It just it felt like I like kind of like figured out like your little formula there, and I was thinking, man, you know, this is something apparently he's really passionate about. He doesn't even realize he's doing it. I mean, I just gave you a golden podcast idea. Like that's your thing. You know, thanks. <laughs> I do. I, I think I do need to be thanked. I mean, you know, oh my god, I, people listening to that new podcast where like they don't even know how you felt about the film; they just know how much you wanted to cut out of it. <laughs> His reviews are a minute long. He just talks about numbers, and then that's it. I don't even know if he liked it. He just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, but I do know seven <laughs> minutes and nineteen seconds need to be cut out of it. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna guess that. I'm gonna guess he didn't like it. <laughs> all right, let's fuck this episode, guys. Uh, just like all good leftovers, say they're doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>